What's going on, Maxi? You know, I'm good. It's mm-hmm. been, it's, I think this is like the third try of uh, getting <laughs> enough time to record this podcast. Yeah, we were supposed to do this last week. Um, both of us came up with something. Honestly, I needed a break. And then uh, yesterday, my break kind of continued. And then you was like, well, I can't do nothing. And then the person who I was going to, who I'm going to interview as I build up some interviews, uh, he actually canceled too. So ah, I just took Monday off. But you know what? There's a lot to talk about. And you know what I don't want to talk about? I'd rather go bash my head into a wall multiple times right now. <laughs> and that's sportsmen and sponsorship. But we do have a lot to talk about. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're just we're just going to be chatting this podcast. So with that said, let's drop that intro. And I did add something to the intro. So there we go. Welcome to the No Name RC Podcast. Get ready for some serious bench racing. But be warned, we speak our minds, express our thoughts, and sometimes things can get a little rowdy. Hate, and he just was influenced by the hate coming from the left, the hate coming from the right. And let's get back to more club racing and less of this grabbing it's hard not to be arrogant when you're always right. You know? See what I mean? That's exactly why people call you arrogant, Max. You may not agree with everything we say, but it's definitely worth a listen. And our pick, can you stop whatever you're doing? Join your host, Letty the Great, with co-hosts and guests as they get together <laughs> to chat our scene. Hey, after that race that I watched this morning, I have to talk about it. Yes, yes, indeed. Nitro's the glory, but e-buggy pays the bills. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 270 of the No Name RC podcast. Our second podcast so far this year between Max and I. Uh, I'm your host, Keenan White, a.k.a. Lefty the Great. And over to my virtual left, right, same difference, is uh, the arrogant one, the professor of everything, Maximus Mort. Well, as now, we're going to change his name to ICEP. And well, <laughs> kind of well, like uh, Max, what's it's it good to see CCPO. you, good buddy. It's good to see I'll you. Be, yeah, um, it's good to see you too. You I'm know? gonna tell you the story how that triggered a lot of people too. I seen EP, and it's yeah. a running joke yeah. right now. But uh, <laughs> we are back. This is our second show together of 2024. As you guys know, I was traveling for three weeks. Came home last week. We tried to do some. We tried to get in the, into the booth. Both of us had things come up and we couldn't do it. And um, yeah, we took the weekend off. So thank you, Max, for your time. Thank you to everybody out there as well who supports us, the No Name RC podcast crew, the squad, the NNRC squad around the world. We cannot do this without your support. Thank you guys for <clears throat> all the support. Thank you to everybody who bought some T-shirts from us uh, in our travels. We still have lots of T-shirts, white ones and black ones like this. 
and we're working on our uh, eBuggy Pays the Bills logo. Danny Paz is, I got one for my buddy Dana, and we're just going to doctor it up a little bit. Danny says it's going to work his magic with that, so we'll see how that goes. So we will have some eBuggy Pays the Bills shirts at some point. Uh, and thank you to all the YouTube members and patrons. We saw a video of that just now in the introduction. If you wish to support the podcast a little bit further financially, you can. Links for the YouTube membership as well as the Patreon are in the written description of this podcast. You will get early release of this podcast <clears throat> and other special little perks throughout the year. Uh, it's 2024. We kind of have the same sponsors. We've still got a few more spots open. So if you're a company interested in uh, advertising on the podcast, you can hit us up uh, and find out some of our tiers. They are invisiblespeed.net, which the book is now shipping. I'm actually going to uh, get one of them. I see they're red. So that's pretty cool. The new 2.0 book. Thank you to High Tech RC for the continued support. We now have Corsa Tech USA, which is hefty. It's some put out USA, but now he's switched it over to Corsa Tech USA. So you can go to Corsa Tech USA for all your Corsa Tech needs. Sidewinder Fuel, Mayako, Beach RC, Techno RC, Clinic RC, Stacked RC, Racecraft USA, uh, Call RC. Shout out to Elite RC Productions, which is the company that we uh, do the streams for. House of RC, RCGP. Our drivers, David Ronefalk, Jarrett Tebow, Robert Badier, Alexander Hagback, Maddie G, Peko Ivanen, as well. We're adding Paco to that. Uh, we're also going to say shout out to Donovan RC for all their support, as well as SJ Racing. If you need to get some uh, cars built up, go check out my boy, Gene Sharp Jr., SJ Racing. And, of course, RC Body Armor, because I like Brent. He's Brent Jackson's cool dude. I like his small products that he's made, and um, he, he really gets a real passion about RC. Go check out those companies. We have links for these companies in the written description of this podcast. Some of them are affiliate links. Some of them coupon, coupon codes to save you some money. So check them out. And uh, yeah, let them know that you heard about it from the No Name RC podcast. And real quick, I do have some shout outs. Happy birthday. Borak Killick had a birthday. Uh, uh, McCoy Martin, young gentleman that I met at the Florida Carpet Championships. Mason Fuller, the Iceman. Richard Vasquez. Uh, Jason Scraffler, Chad Cup, Jorge Cuevas, Brad Clifford, who actually he bought, he gave this to me. It's a transformer. I don't, I went up to, uh, he's the RD at uh, World of RC, the first race I went to. And there's, I know you collect action figures and you got this is in a box. I actually figured out how to transform it this morning. Don't ask me to transform it back right now because I couldn't do it. But thank you. Uh, it was in a box. I unboxed my, my, my little girl unboxed it and it's Starscream. So thank you, Brad. Happy birthday to you. Josh Parrish, Tim Rainwright, Wainwright Don in Australia, and everybody's favorite X-Ray's father, Johnny Skidmore. John Skidmore. Happy birthday to you guys. If I missed your birthday, I do apologize for that, about that. Uh, but there were a lot of birthdays out there. And if you celebrated a birthday, happy birthday to you. I hope you enjoyed it. You know? Now you have nothing else to look forward to the rest of the year because you was born in January. Pretty much. You know? Your excitement's done. The next big thing for you is Christmas. I think it's best to be born like mid-year, July, like me. You know, have a lot to look forward to in July, and then you don't have long for Christmas. Yeah, I do agree. I think beginning of the year is tough. It is. Um, this is right after it, Christmas. So yeah, like I think the only other thing could be like being born right on Christmas. Like you know. Yeah. Oh, that that must be awful. Yeah. Oh, you know what's what's even worse though? What's leap it? day? Oh yeah, being born on a leap year, leap day, yeah. like February twenty yeah. ninth or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, no leap year is this year, I don't think. Before, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. 
Yeah, every fourth year. So really, you're like 30, but you're only 16. Um, yeah. But all no, good, Max. Really good, like, to, good, good to have you in here. Happy New Year. I know it's now what we're recording. It's the 30th of January. Lots has been going on. Obviously, uh, I traveled. You know, I came off the five-week stint, and then I ha- was home for three weeks. Then I went back for three weeks, and it started out, as usual, road trip up to Lukama, North Carolina, with Danny Paz. I want to say... Um, to World of RC, which was a great facility. I'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, then we went to, after that, it was uh, SIC, which was my first SIC, which turned out to be some very great racing. Uh, we, we're going, that's probably what we're going to talk about the most was SIC. Congratulations to uh, Brandon Rose for that impressive win. It was very impressive. And then uh, the first round of the Florida RC Championships which was also very impressive with the amount of people that showed up. Uh, that race kind of sold out in 90 seconds, and it was a threat of rain, and it was almost going to be canceled. But it was awesome to see the people come out to support that. So we will talk about that in my travels. Max, you have been busy with school. You've been busy with Mayako. You've been busy with a lot of things. Uh, give us a quick synopsis on how 2024 has been treating you so far. Well, I think I've never done as much stuff as I've done in the last four weeks, you know, like I've been doing school like every day. Uh, at the same time, you know, uh, designing the truggy, trying to get everything finalized for production, um, for the MVC production, then, you know, preparing the Finnish national series because uh, for the Finnish National Series, I'm kind of the, I guess, chairman or whatever you want to call it, uh, representative. So I have to repair the rules, the, all the info, everything for the series. And uh, yeah, then try to also, you know, do stuff <laughs> other than that. So it's been really busy, really busy. But I think now maybe, uh, oh yeah, and I'm also working. <laughs> so working at the, for the school, so... I'm doing a few days a week there. So what are you doing at the school then? Oh, for my studies, I'm doing my uh, bachelor's thesis. You want to, I don't know if I've uh, told about, told the topic, but it's going to be the effect of uh, micro, micro shot peening and blasting to residual stresses uh, and surface quality of 3D printed parts, metal parts. That's the title. I just wanted to see your face when I said it out loud. <laughs> it's long. I kind of blanked out as soon as you started. Yeah. 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 But that, that I've, I've been doing that and then also finishing up on all the courses as I'm hopefully graduating as a bachelor this for uh, this spring. And then, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of Mayaka, who's one of our sponsors, I see that uh, the e-buggy has released and um, oh, yeah. a nitro buggy as well, but like a spec, not, not not like the full team version, but more like a production version. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that, please. Yeah. Um, so basically what's now with the, well, I'll start with the nitro buggy. Uh, basically what's the deal with that is Mayako now offers, you know, the MPC specific mm-hmm. kit as well as uh, sort of this standard kit. So 
can't remember how the naming now went. I should <laughs> I should have prepared for this, but uh, I think the MB MX8R mm-hmm. um, is the version that you know anyone can buy, and this will be on sale on every single shop. So this is the standard version. For the MPC drivers, you have the option to get the slightly uh, more adjustable version. So, for example, the MX8R, uh, that one has, you know, uh, black anodized parts. Um, there's less tuning options, um, and it's more of a simple design. Um, I think it's actually just MX8. Not okay. All right. I need, so it's I just more so basic design. Yeah. So basically, instead of having all sorts of um, you know bushings uh, that like eccentric bushings and stuff, you have a much mm-hmm. more simple solution. It, like for some parts, they might be more durable uh, and so on. But this is kind of the basic car. And then we also have um, you know a car for the MPC drivers, which have a lot more of these uh, special parts. So this is, and also the, the thing about the MPC car is you're able to, you know, customize it for yourself uh, when you order it as a member. So I think this is the main difference for these two. So effectively, if you're a member, you're more more interested in like setup, you are more into it, you have the option to do so. Mm-hmm. But for the people who just want a car, we offer that standard version of the car with not as much tuning options but it offers the most essential part okay. of the car tell, you know? tell real quick tell me in a nutshell a little bit about the e-buggy and it's taken a very long time for this to come out like it was supposed to be out like a year ago it's out i, I is it adjustable like can it be saddle pack as well as regular style uh, uh no so we okay. opted for uh we opted for just keeping the standard layout that we had. Um, mm. Personally, we personally I've been testing different setups uh, and uh, also, you know, other drivers, uh, Becco and Robert. I think they have tested the different designs, but for now we felt the let's say safest or overall best uh, layout we have was the well. Let me. Let me share my screen so I can present it to uh, for for those who are watching this. Well, give me uh, a reason why you did that. Why? What? What was the reason for not liking the saddle pack? Because it seemed to be a popular option. I know a lot of people were yeah. using it. I know Tebow was using it at one point. So, what? What? What was the reasoning for that? Yeah. So basically, uh, we opted for this layout because we felt that this was overall the best layout so i personally do think the saddleback is a good option and i think we will be testing it during this year for sure but for now uh we have had good success with this layout for example you know david he won the dnc with it uh robert has been doing decently well with uh, the standard buggy as well as you know becco he's been doing pretty pretty much the same level as he's doing with Nitro with his buggy. So I don't think it's, it's the Saddleback layout is not necessarily like a, a huge gain in performance, but rather a different style. So, and like, if we look at, 
if you run this this chassis with the LCG long pack, the center of gravity is not actually that different. So mm. the main difference comes down to you know the center dislocation uh, and you know weight balance. This one is just even a slight bit more centralized, but a little bit uh, heavy to the right hand side of the car, depending on which battery you run. So I think this is overall still the most safe layout out there. The okay. easiest drive to, uh, car to drive. So I saw a lot of people asking about receiver boxes. So something oh, yeah. about receiver boxes or something like that. Yeah, I was actually personally, uh, I wasn't involved in the final decisions of the e-buggy production, more, mm -hmm. more like the testing and so on. So the, uh, let me get you a picture of the layout again. Yeah. So basically the reason why, uh, the, there is no receiver box is because first of all, it's, um, uh, in my opinion, at least it's quite unnecessary. I have not run a receiver box in a long time. Uh, and I think it's in, in the end, just extra weight there because you can still attach everything with double sided tape. I do understand the issue with, you know, uh, too long wires of the server or such, but that's usually quite easy to handle. Um, however, the option uh, was that for, you know, people who wanted the receiver box, they would be, you know, offered a 3D printed version of the receiver box. So I think this is, in my opinion, the best compromise uh, out there okay. because for most races, it isn't needed, uh, even though it's kind of, in the past, being the norm. Where would you mount the receiver box? Backer of the motor, I guess? No, the receiver box would mount next to the servo. There is already on the servo plate, there is a mm -hmm. box where you could attach the receiver box. So okay. it's built okay. in. So it's it's not something like we that hasn't been thought, but it's rather it was a choice not to manufacture one. Uh, okay. Because this allows us more flexibility for the future as well. Okay. Got you. Got you. All right. Well, good stuff. Uh, uh, I guess these are available soon. Um, I guess in America, they'll be available in February, I was told. So good yeah, stuff. They are, they are already available for pre-order from service centers. And mm -hmm. for MPC members, they, are, they have been available for a while. All right. Cool. 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 I need to get me one. I need to get one. I want to get one of each because I want to make my... My current car that still isn't finished. That's gonna be my shelf queen car. And then uh I wanna get one for my son and he wants I wanna get an e-bug and stuff. Uh, I'm planning on taking him again uh this summer to go race. All right, so we do have a lot of RC news to get onto. I say we get right into the nitty-gritty of all of that, but before that, we do have to uh say some thank you to some sponsors, and of course, we want to say thank you to invisible speed.net. The books are shipping. The English version of the books are shipping all red. Uh, I'm going to order one myself to have one on her. Maybe I'll talk to JQ about give, oh, something just drop, giving away one at some point. You'll see how, how generous he feels uh, about that. I know he wants to come on the podcast to talk about one of the topics that we're going to talk about today. But with that said, you can go to InvisibleSeed.net, sign up for the online course. We have an affiliate link for that that helps us out. And all you guys that did do that, thank you very much. You will be getting your, and, and pre-ordered the book, you'll be getting them very shortly. 
Stop scrolling, you wannabe Lewis Hamilton. Learn something new with invisible speed. You can't do everything at 100% maximum speed. You have to be smooth. I mean, when you drive a real car, if you drive a real car, how do, how, do you just, when you get to a 90 degree corner to t- turn into the parking lot, do you go like that with the steering wheel? Do you like slam on the throttle and the brake? No, you probably turn the wheel smooth and get on the throttle smooth. Same thing with an RC car. If you want to learn more and make your speed visible, stop scrolling. Stop scrolling. Stop scrolling. Oh, guess what, Max? New graphic I just got from Danny. Check it out. Yeah, man, that's a cool intro. Thank you, Danny Paz, for your hard work. Also, the RC News is brought to you by High Tech RC. High Tech is coming on strong and in charge in 2024 with the introduction of their new suite of of battery chargers, the RDX2, the 200, the RDX2800, and the RDX4. Depending on your charger needs, High Tech has you plugged in with the power, with the power, multiple flexibility, and the ultimate reliability you require. You can find links for all the new charges in the written description of this podcast, or you can go to Amen Avenida Salem or go to HighTechRC slash where to buy to get them. Thank you, HighTech, for all their support. I do know that they are coming out with a some new servicer shortly as well. So thank you very much. Also, I wanted to say thank you to everybody that's inquired about uh, this race that's coming up real quick, and I will be there, and I can't wait. That is the International Buggy Challenge. <laughs> Everybody that wants to join me at the International Buggy Challenge at the B-Buggy Arena in Barcelos, Portugal. Let's go. I know a few guys from Bermuda are going. I know a lot of guys from South America are going. My buddy Toby Hansom's talking about going from... Uh, he's actually booked up and ready to go, I believe. Uh, and we are looking forward to that. Speaking of Toby Hansen, I know we forgot to put it in our notes, but Motor Rome is coming up. We'll talk about that in a bit, too. Uh, and also, I'll be staying for the E-Buggy World Cup, which is happening in... I Oh... I can't remember the it's a different track, but I will be staying in Portugal for two weeks to go do that as well. There'll be full coverage of both events. And remember, the e-buggy world cup is the thing before the actual e-buggy world championship that will be taking place next year at the B Buggy Arena in Barcelona, Portugal. Thank you to everybody for their support. I look forward to seeing everybody in Portugal in March. Easter time. All right, Max. So lots of lots of crazy news been going on. I think. Two things that have triggered people the utmost in the last two weeks have been the new Roar Truggy Body body Show, Body body Show, or as we say in, in America, the new bodies for from Bruggy to Truggy. Uh, uh, Jared Tebow and his sponsorship post, which is nothing new. We've been saying that about sponsorship for a long time. So I guess we might as well rip the Band-Aid right off. 
and go right into the whole roar and our truggy rules with the, 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 the reverting back to the old school body over the uh body over the um shock tower which you always wanted you charlie mac and i was i was against because i just wanted to piss, piss off charlie mac more than anything but i would have to say i do agree uh after watching these trucks at sic again and really having a look at them, it's getting harder and harder to tell whether these are buggies or not nowadays with this new body. And at some point, like when it's when it smoky and I'm looking out there and I'm like, I have to really look and say, is that a truggy or a buggy out there? So for me, I don't really, I'll be honest with you. I don't really care as much as maybe some people do, but Hey, I'm happy that Rom took a stance and they're sticking by it. And oh my God, did people lose their shit over this, right? And I'm just like, everybody says they want rules and they want this and they want that. But as soon as a rule's made, everybody loses their shit, right? Is it the right rule? I don't really care. Is it going to make a difference between Truggy and, and Bruggy, what we have now? And is it going to stop the evolution of the Bruggy becoming the eventual Buggy class, which will be detrimental to the Buggy class in the future? Absolutely. Because you should be, if, you, if your goal is to be the best driver out there in 1.8 scale, <clears throat> then you should be racing more like your Buggy. It's going to make you a better overall, overall, overall racer. But that's a, that's a discussion for our rant later on. So, Max, you got your wish. You and Charlie Mack and a few other people got your wish. Reverting back to old truggy bodies. And I can tell you that people are not happy about this. Some people are very happy and other people aren't happy. But for two weeks, I almost I just saw people complain. I can barely see this. But anyway, <clears throat> I would need my glasses for this. So anyway, all right, Max, go ahead. Have your spiel on this. Yeah. Okay. So... There's a few things I think people have definitely not understood about this. So one is that specific measurements to be announced publicly within the next coming month. Okay. So there is not yet a rule that states something is so is not illegal. The only thing is that the hood would be covered, you know, uh, would cover the front shocks. And it would have a truck bed, you know. We don't really have any knowledge of what would the truck bodies look like. Okay, that was thing number one that I really wanted to bring up because it seemed to me that people were really thinking that there was already a design decided that you know that it's gonna be looking like this or whatever. No, there's not really any rules yet. There's just the process of starting to make rules. Now, also, the rules are going to be enforced for the first time ever in just about a year and a half. Okay, year and six months. So that's a long way away. You know, if I remember correctly, around a year and six months ago, was actually the first time we saw a Bruggy body. If I'm not totally wrong. No, 2021. Yeah. Uh, before that, before that, because Techno came out with their first version of the body 
And that's kind of what inspired all of this in yeah, 2021 okay. at the Nationals. So it's, so it's around it's around three years. Two years. Now. Yeah, mm-hmm. two years now. Two, three years between there when we saw it. So, like, just put that into perspective of how long of a time it's going to be since we're before we're going to actually see a race who's enforcing this. Then another thing, at least BRCA had this rule before. I don't know if they took it away for this year. But they have this rule for at least the 2022 season. So it's not like there hasn't been a rule like this. And I think for last last uh, year's season, they did not have it. But the main reason most likely was that most manufacturers wasn't offering this body anymore. They was only offering the Bruggy body. I think there is two ways to look at this. Um, one is nice. We're going to get back to where Troggy was, but I'm not necessarily that positive because I still don't think it's going to change the class that much. I had this rant. I don't know if it was the last podcast or the one before, but I had this rant about the fact that is the body ugly and over the front tower or ugly and behind the front tower doesn't necessarily, you know, change the class in any way. And the the cars are still the same, the same, you know, silliness about the class still exists. Now that could be fixed. And I have proposed a few solutions to this. One would be that we effectively create stadium trucks out of the truckies. So we get rid of the rear wing. The rear wing would be, you know, illegal. So you would be only able to use similar spoilers as in 10 scale stadium trucks. Now this would all, this would already make it look separate enough from a buggy and it would jump very differently to a buggy. And I think this would be a very interesting rule change because this would make the truckies look, uh, actually, you know, cool. You know, it would look like the druggies used to look like back in the day and the whole rear end of the body shell could make sense. Another thing would be that the rules are written in a precise way. So currently in RC, there is not a single rule book that specifies things in terms of body shells very accurately. Everything they specify is just about, oh, it has to look like this. It has to resemble a thing like this. And in the FR rule book, you know, there's a, a sentence that goes something along the lines of if running a beetle body, the, you know, defenders of the car must cover at least 50% of the tire. So when have you seen a beetle body on a buggy? You know, you haven't. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I did see years. one at, uh, I did see one. Josh Garber was actually running a Baja beetle body. It looked cool on his truggy. And I thought it was cool. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. But, but no, still. it was no body rules there. But anyway, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so I think the only good way to go forward is to design the rules so that they are specific, you know, um, volume boxes, kind of like full scale rules are done. So, for example, the hood must be minimum X amount of wide and maximum X amount of wide at the certain amount of height. Um, and same for every single aspect of the body. 
obviously you can make it loose enough where the shape could be anything but you know the the approximate size of the body would still be the same so there wouldn't be these you know ridiculous looking bodies that we have already seen some like for example i remember the low sea truck which looked like a boat you know it just looked like a boat it didn't look like a car then the other one was um the kyosho oh i think kyosho is the one who started all of this to be honest the oh yeah 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 i think actually that's true because kyosho did this body where it was basically a buggy body but then they just raised up the cab of the body and then they made this you know very tight you know bottle um bottle bottom looking front end where mm. just about covered the front shocks and i think that is the natural progression that if there isn't this sort of volume box style rule set will that will happen because I think Kyosho came up with that body, Techno reacted and was like, what if we just don't cover the front shocks and then everyone else followed suit? And I think that was just natural progression, not so not so much as a revolution in a sense. Um, so yeah, I think one is to completely rethink the meaning of Chogi. Because yeah, back in the day, Chogi was very different from a buggy. Uh, like appearance wise it drove very different to a buggy because it was so you know in the whole you know cab thing wasn't anything like they didn't have a rear wing it was sort of a big you know truck looking thing that went around the track that was really wide it had like a monster truck tires and it drove very differently but these days it's essentially just a stretched out buggy and now it has become very like see like even to a ridiculous amount of obviousness of how much of a buggy it is so i think now would be the point to take off the rear wing um make it look like a 10 uh, eight scale stadium truck and completely reinvent the class so you wouldn't have these two similar classes because to me it's just ridiculous like to have classes that are so similar just a wide buggy basically currently and even if you went back to the old rules it's still you could still go around the rules in so many ways that the people make the bodies look like okay. buggies anyway all right so i'm gonna say something truggy since its inception has been a very controversial thing oh right yeah. if we think back so if we think back when you was still probably seven years old, back 2004 was when I first started seeing truggies coming on. It was, we were still racing stadium trucks and I remember they're coming on. Basically, I, I made a truggy way back in the day out of an MBX4. You had a conversion kit, you put monster truck tires on it, bigger Spurger, you know, it was fun. It wasn't a class, it was just for fun. Then people started racing them. Uh, Panther came up with these very, these, so th we, this is similar. So this controversial, almost being a buggy type of thing is not nothing new to Truggy. Mm -hmm. So back in the day, Panther used to make these low-profile tires, they were called. Uh, they were used Komodo Dragons. They were like the competitor against the crime fighters. And basically what they were, they were just a slightly bigger, slightly wider buggy tire that you could put on a buggy and you did not have to change your gearing. 
right? You didn't have to put a big spur gear on there. You could run the stock gearing. Also, you still can to this day run up to a twenty a point twenty eight in your truggy, according to the rules. Then, over the years, over the years, it was like different diff like different tire heights and what could be done and all this type of stuff. Now we've come to what we have now in the truggy tire. We have a a pretty universal size. What they look for, they work uh, and whatnot. And so now we're getting on to this body thing. Come twenty twenty one, Techno and uh, uh, was the first company to really push the issue at the at the Raw Nationals. Jeff Parker, who had, uh, who just caved in and let it be accepted that week that year, and then uh, we saw and, and nothing. I mean, I, I will say this: Techno didn't do anything wrong because they were just pushing the limits of the rule, right? Should it have been allowed at that Nationals? In hindsight. No, because we wouldn't be at this position that we're at now, right? But it was. And then I remember that people were literally just using buggy bodies on their trucks that weekend, you know? And <clears throat> I personally didn't really care. And I've argued with you a lot of times saying it's the progression. But as I've I've gotten to go to these races and seen these trucks more and more, I'm like, yeah, it's going to be a point where this is going to be the new buggy and we can't allow that, right? In my opinion, we can't allow that. Uh, Raw decided to take a stance on this. It pissed off some people. It pissed off some manufacturers. But you know who I don't, I don't really see like making a whole bunch of noise? It's like J-Concepts. They're just kind of yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> so now we got to make another body to sell to people. Because everybody wants rules. Do the rules apply to them? And in the same breath, a person would say, we need a ranking system and we need this and we need that. Well, that has to start with a set of rules that people agree to. And here you are freaking out and going ape shit crazy over a buggy change to a class that I might add is not a world championship class. I don't ever see Nitro Buggy, Nitro Truggy being a world championship class. I can see I can see E-Truggy being a world championship class because they're just added along with the E-Buggy class. And I think that E-Truggy is more popular. Well, you know what? And everybody wanted <clears throat> rules and this and that. Well, here's Raw. They put down there. Now everyone's going to say, well, Keenan, you're a, you're a Raw fanboy because you're cool with Clayton and all that stuff. Guys. Well, we we were the biggest, uh, biggest, most vocal uh, people that criticized Raw for everything that they done. <clears throat> now here they are, having the balls to make a rule, stick by it, and write something that was done wrong in the previous uh, the previous tenure of the of the organization so i i just had i just had this conversation with a buddy of mine and i and i say this and i stick by this and there's no offense to my american friends american rc has been so long without a proper governing body that no rules are the rules right and as soon as you try to implement a rule people go crazy right well what's going to happen but yet people want raw regionals they want this they they want races to be affiliated with Roar. They want referees. They want this. They want all that. So what happens when all of that starts happening? So we go to race time. Now race time releases a statement. Now race time doesn't is not a Raw affiliated race. And, and I want to re, re, uh, back up just a second. 90% of the people that race Truggy will not be affected by this. I do not think we'll see local tracks implementing this unless they're a Raw affiliated track, which they, then they would have to. But, like, I just don't see this happening. Like, race time is, like, 
Do you think that Joey's going to stop? DNC's going to do the same thing? No, they're not. Silver State, no. Race Time is not. So Race Time made a statement. Now, I will say that Race Time does not. This is funny. Whether you're full-bodied or a slim little racy thing, we don't discriminate. We love you all, and you're welcome at our events. But that's Race Time stance. They don't really have any... They don't do tech. They don't do any of this stuff. And I think that for the survival of buggy, this has to happen. Now, does this affect truggy, hardcore truggy drivers that are going to go to race time entertainment races? Obviously no, but I will say this. A lot of people want to have a national series or a series of events based off current races, which I totally agree with. And we are doing something similar like that with our virtual cup, virtual, virtual cup here. But in order for that to happen, and, and people will say, well, maybe Raw should go to these races and they can be officials and do tech and do and do uh, refereeing and all this type of stuff. Well, abiding by this rule would mean that, right? So I don't know. What do you want? Do you want rules or do you want... And I say this. I say this. I've said it before. RC in America has been the wild, wild west. For many years, because there's not been any proper governing body. Now, Raw is trying to do things right, in my opinion, and stick to rules. People just losing their shit. I think people should just yeah. calm down. You have a year and a half to run your truggy bodies as much as you want. Unless you're going to attend the Nationals next year, I don't think you have much to worry about. I honestly don't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have to second all what you said, but I want to add one aspect I saw a lot. People have this sort of weird misconception that, you know, oh, Roar hasn't been doing shit at all, and now they make this silly rule. Yeah, that's the whole point. That's why we wanted new people in there. That's why we all exactly. said that Roar was so shit, so that they would actually do something. Yeah, and doing now something people means surprise. Hey, yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a quote from JQ. And it's, it's a very common quote. In order to make an omelet, you must break a few eggs. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I think, like, to to kind of give another uh, point of view to your point of, you know, what's going to happen to Buggy, it's it wouldn't be uncommon that, you know, let's say in the next five years, e-truggy or something would become so popular that in America, actually the market would shift in a way where Truggy now would be the number one class because that would be the biggest selling point to the customer by the companies. And what that would make happen is that the whole Euro-US rivalry, that would be even more under stress because the Europeans would not run Truggy. That would just not happen. The Europeans would stick to running Buggy, but Americans would most likely like start to switch towards running Truggy. So that's the whole point of what Keenan's saying that, you know, for Buggy to stay alive, Buggy is going to stay alive because we have Ithmar and such that don't really change stuff. But Buggy in America, it could very well be under threat because at some parts, especially, you know, when professional races are, you know, not very... Um, there aren't very many professional racers. So, you know, the RTR market, 
all of these things like this will take much bigger of a stance in RC, even the competitive RC car marketing. Yeah, there is like the worst case scenario would be that in five years, you know, Truggy would have become the, you know, only class to run in America because, because of a few things. One would be the companies can make more profit off of the tires. So the tires are bigger. You have easily much more profit off of it. Another thing would be that, um, all those, you know, 150 different tire companies, they don't have truggy tires. Most of them just have buggy tires. So for someone like J Concepts, Proline, these big companies, for them, it would actually be profitable to start to direct the market towards running truggy because they can make a, a bigger profit. Um, and they already have those products available and they know how to make them good, you know? So those things would support, you know, switching to Truggy and same with, you know, parts and so on. It's more profitable, most likely to sell Truggy in the long term. So that's to me the wrong direction as a sport. And I think that's why if we want to hold on to Truggy, it has to become something, something completely separate from buggy and because this is the whole issue you know like you said back in the day uh, you had a monster a monster truck class but then people were trying to cut corners you know manufacturers didn't want to make cars but people still wanted to run them so people found ways to run their buggy as a monster truck you know and this is exactly what they're doing now with truggy they're trying to find ways to make them as, as similar as possible, but still be within the class and be fast on track. And I think it's just a completely wrong direction. And I think this is the same has happened in, in, uh, Nitro on road. You know, we have the eight scale class. We have the 10 scale class. Both are four wheel drive. Both run foam tires. Both have belt driven systems both have very similar engines. I don't know, there might be a little bit, a small difference in the cubic uh, cubic uh, centimeter size, but essentially everything is very similar. The only difference is the body shell and the slight width, width difference of the car. And I think overall, you know, when you have like 10 scale touring that's already popular, and then you have this, the most, like OG and original and the most prestigious on-road class, like looking back through the years, the uh, eight scale track on-road. Uh, yeah. Why wouldn't the drivers like direct towards that class? And we have seen the 10 scale uh, IC track uh, class kind of, I, I don't want to say die out, but for sure, the attendance mm -hmm. at the Euros last year was weak. Even, not even Infinity par participated in the 10 scale Euros. The World Series this year, maybe, maybe there will be participation uh, now. But yeah, I think, I think when the classes become too similar, the point of like, especially when the drivers are same, like there's no driver that doesn't run Nitro Buggy that runs, uh, no, there's no driver that runs Nitro Buggy that doesn't run Nitro Truggy. Wait, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but basically everyone who runs Buggy, um, everyone who runs Truggy already runs Buggy. 
That's what mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. So basically, it's the same drivers, a very minimalistically different car. And now it's only down to the manufacturers and, you know, the marketing and so on to make a difference of which one would be the most more popular one. Mm-hmm. And I think to prevent this, the only uh, only thing that we could do is to drastically try to pull these glasses away from each other. And that would only happen by changing the truggy because the buggy is just so much more established class. And that's why my suggestion would be to make it sort of an eight-scale stadium truck. Yeah, that was a tangent, but I I swooped right back in there. I think, right. I, 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 think, just... I think just this is the, in my opinion, this is the only way to go where Truggy makes sense in my mind. I just kind of wanted to finish on this because I know all the people in Commodore, you guys are anti-Truggy and blah, 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 blah. Look, I am not anti-Truggy. I have a Truggy right there. It's been broken for like many, many years now because I don't have a tractor on it. Um, I am not anti-Truggy. I, I enjoy driving it. But I enjoy, and it's if you only, if you love Truggy, where you only run Truggy, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying it's not fun. But if you go and talk to the majority of these top pro guys, Truggy is a, yes, they got contingency and stuff like that. It's a filler class. They want to win it because they don't want to lose anything. They don't want to lose at nothing. But if you, look, the most prestigious and the most glorious race to win in RC, period, is Nitro Buggy. And then after that, it's two-wheel drive, right? Not, it's, it's, if you talk to any of these pro guys, they'll trade in a lot of their truggy wins to get one buggy win. You know what I mean? Yeah. Should yeah, it be a world class class? Yeah. Should it be a and also also people have to understand that truggy is not is now I have to regress because I, I know that the Germans have a, a truggy class. I know that uh England, Spain, uh France, certain but it, it people do run truggy, but not on this scale that is run in the USA. Um we are not anti truck. I am not anti truck. I know you are, but I'm not. Um, I think it's no, fun, but I just think yeah. people have to understand what it is. It's a filler class for these big races that started out for people to get more runtime. And you go to a race like DNC and you get three five minute practices, you have to run truggy, you have to run e buggy because you need to get the practice in there. Um, okay. It's not a world champ, it's not a world championship. Maybe it will be one year. I, I maybe it will be one day, and I think it's going to be e truggy before, before nitro truggy, just because it's easier. But it's not for all of you liking truggy. But if your goal in the end, because I say this all the time, I'm seeing too many guys. When I was a JQT manager, look at my truggy results. Now we don't have a truggy at JQ, so that doesn't matter. Look at my truggy results. Amen. Well, where's your nitro buggy results? Bottom of the C. You should drive your truck. You you would benefit from driving a nitro buggy more. And that applies to e-buggy too. If you like truggy, that's fine. That is fine. I have no issue with that. But it's not a world championship class. Simple. Will it be? Who knows? Does it need some rules? Yeah. Raw put their foot down. They're making a rule. Stop crying. Get back to the regular body. If you like truggy that much, you'll still like it with the regular body as well. That's how I'm looking at it. You know what, Charlie Mac? You won. Kudos to the Trugginer, who I can't call into Brugginer anywhere anymore. Kudos to you. As Keith David would say, you want it. We spent enough time on this. I know what people think about this, but let us know in the comments what you think about this. I know a lot of people won't agree with us, 
I actually do like the way you're thinking. Eliminate the rear wing. I just don't see that happening. Because that rear wing yeah, yeah. saves so many people from crashes and d- destroying bodies and all that stuff. Uh, but I definitely would like to see it. Some distinction. It, it has to be some distinction between a, a bruggy and a truggy and not just I'm telling you, man, it's getting hard to tell the difference out there. It is getting hard yeah. to tell the difference out there. Yeah, and let let me actually pull back on the screen the Kyosho body. For those who are watching on YouTube, like if the rules, if we go back uh, like a few years before the Ruggy thing, I don't think this body looks like you know a Truggy body. Like I can't like honestly be like, hey, this re- resembles a truck. <laughs> you know, I don't say what? I don't I don't say you know that it's not fast or whatever. I do think personally it's a little bit ugly, but that's hundred uh, percent subjective. Um. So, but objectively, this does not not look much separate from a buggy body. So I think the whole distinction between hey, we should have a um, buggy and a truggy class. Like I, I do not see the point when the difference between the classes is one is a tiny bit wider with bigger tires. You know, and also, and I, I okay, think go like ahead. To me, to me, it's just like obviously it's hard to put put the toothpaste back in the um, into the toothpaste what? into the tube. Yeah. You can't put, put the toothpaste back into the tube, but I feel like a lot of this, the, 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 I feel like the sole reason why there is struggy is what you just explained, that that's an extra hundred bucks every time you go to a big race, you know? And that's an extra, what, 800 bucks to every manufacturer because... If you want to drive these big races, you have to have, you know, at least two cars. So you get a reasonable amount of track time. Is it a bad thing all like, is it a fully bad thing? Not necessarily. I think it's good that, you know, people can have different cars, but does it produce a situation where people have to spend more money to have the equal amount of fun? Yes, I believe so. And I think, I just think the way of racing would be better if there was less classes. And also it would cut down costs for so many. That's a tangent we're not going on. That's yeah. that's I'm gonna kumquat you right there. Kumquat. Yeah, but, yeah I know. But kumquat means no more talking about it. <laughs> no, safe I, word. I wanna I wanna have a nice ending to this story. You don't know the meaning of safe word. I know, but I know the meaning of safe word, but I think uh, I, I want to end it, you know, like a smooth end. So overall, I think Shruggy, Shruggy class has its place. What the hell are you playing? Give yourself to class, I think Shruggy class has, has its place, but not in RC as it currently is. I think we already have, you know, an excess amount of classes, like in on-road and so on. But now I think, you know, this whole discussion about Truggy, I think we should be also discussing the meaning of the class, not just okay. the body. 
And that's why I'll, I'm bringing this up. I'll now. say this. And a lot of people said there's other things that we need to focus on to fix an RC. And I agree with that. But you know what? You, I think that RC just failed a big litmus test. And that was, here, we're going to make a rule. We're going to stand by it. And everybody lost their shit. So that shows me as a whole, we ain't ready to have everything else that everybody wants. First, we got to learn to accept rules and abide by them and understand that they need to be there. That, that to me, that's what this showed me more than anything. We ain't ready. We ain't ready to have referees because we're not going to be happy with what that referee says. We ain't ready for this. When I say we, I'm talking to more and I'm talking more about American RC because this is where this is where this focus is on. And this is the area of RC that's been lawless or like the Wild West for the last 20 years. It's not, mm. it's not, I'm not disrespecting you. I'm not doing this. I'm, my observations of going to many of these races and being there over the last five, six years, seven years. We ain't ready. We just failed. We, me, I'm, I'm including myself in there. We just failed a big litmus test. All this kicking shit and making all this noise of a, a, a freaking body, right? That for a class that isn't even a world championship class. So what happens when, hey, you got to be a member if you want to do this race and do this type of stuff. And yeah, that was, you know what? First test of 2024 as a community, the, out, the way we acted towards that was a fail, in my opinion. People can voice their opinions. It's nothing wrong with that. But you wanted rules and regulations, but here's a rule. That's ex like you said, that's exactly what we wanted Raw to do. Sometimes there's going to be rules we don't like, but it's for the betterment of the, it's for the betterment of everything. Like I think in the end, but if you want to complain and you want to do this and you want to cause a scene of a one little rule that has no effect, has a very small effect on a very small genre of RC as an RC industry community we failed that first test all right max let's move on to our next subject which i do begrudgingly and i'd rather stick toothpicks underneath my fingernails and chew on rocks than talk about this and i got involved in a conversation in facebook and it's been a, a hot mess and this has been a conversation that happens every time after a race time event uh, that people equate to sandbagging and sportsmen and all this type of stuff. And it's about sportsmen drivers being sponsored. Now, while I was at SIC, uh, Jared Tebow wrote up a post and you, you posted this on our NNRC. Facebook. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I did not read all of this because kind of when I'm on the road, just this stuff kind of glasses me over. And when I do have time off, I'm kind of either just, trying to relax or something. So give us a little gist about what Jared said. I know famed Wolf Racing, Rob Isaac, also released a statement about he's not going to allow anybody on his team to run sportsmen and all this type of stuff. And um, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll have my thoughts on this afterwards. Yeah. So basically what happened was, yeah, you see 18th of January, this is around the time of SIC. Like Jared made this post, which blew up. I think there's probably over, like over a thousand, you know, likes on this post or something. And I mean, there's 120 comments just in our share of this post. So it definitely got people talking. And basically it was that he doesn't want to sponsor drivers that run sportsmen. Like he doesn't believe that drivers that run sportsmen should be sponsored by, you know, by JTP. And that is 
in my opinion, a decent stance. I don't really have anything against it. Um, I'm not like 100% for it because I don't really believe like sponsorship should be defined by which class you run. But we're going to talk about that more later on. But in this post, I kind of wanted to paint a picture of what the whole sponsorship model does to RC because sportsmen should be the class where people run for fun. That should be the class that people who are new to the hobby or just really don't run enough to be competitive or don't want to be competitive, they can run this class. So it doesn't really make sense for them to be sponsored because like when you start putting in the effort, you shouldn't really run sportsmen anymore. That's my opinion. And the issue with this is currently, as everyone is sponsored, we have this market system where retail and MSRP prices are um, inflated by anything between 10 to 30%. And most people have, you know, a 20% discount, some have a 50% discount. So effectively, the lower lowest end of the sponsorship drivers, they have they are paying what the retail price would in a natural market be. But the difference is that this is a marketing strategy and a commitment strategy by the company to lock these people in for a brand uh, that they kind of, at least per their contract, they are not allowed to run other brands, competing brands, you know? So they lock these customers in to a contract. And yeah, I think it's overall, it's a okay thing to do to get sponsorships. And if you're really passionate about the company you're being sponsored by, and that makes you afford your hobby, go for it. I think you have absolutely the right to be sponsored. And I don't think it's, um, it's morally better to not be sponsored than to be sponsored. But the issue here is that a lot of the people who go for sponsorship don't really look at it as in, oh, hey, I want to run for this brand and I want to promote it, hence I'm going to get sponsorship. And in return, I can actually, because of a monetary situation, like put more time into this hobby that I love. You know, that's a perfectly fine stance morally, in my opinion. But the issue in my head comes when people only go for the sponsorships for the discount. And the people think that the sponsorship is about them. You know, they think that the whole point of being sponsored is that the company sees some potential in you that you have in the future. For 99% of the people, that's not really the case. For really young drivers, for sure, most kids get sponsored more than they encourage skill level is because kids have a much steeper progression curve. And that's natural. You should support kids as a company if you want them to become your know, top drivers and so on. But that's a very small part of the sponsorship. Like I'd say 90% of people who are sponsored are sponsored just to be contracted customers. The re remaining 9% apart from the kids that are sponsored are sponsored because they provide some value to the company. So they either help people at the track, um, they make good content on social media or they promote the brand in some other way. And that kind of brings us to 
the next point, which is uh, what um, friend of the show, Roach, Kate Williams, uh, wrote on his Facebook today. That's right. And my go, to, go to Roach RC, hit that uh, like sub, and yeah, because he has a very good channel. He makes a very good videos. Very soft-spoken Cade. Yeah, very thinks, a very, he thinks a lot when he talks. Yeah, he's a very... He's quite new to RC still, but every time I see something from him, or I've obviously been on on his channel before, and like I've talked with him, and I give him a lot of respect because, yeah. unlike most people today, he's he's not that quick to jump into conclusions unless he knows he understands. Yeah, that's right, Kid. You had Max on your show, but you haven't had me. It's all right. Oh yeah, it's all right, Kid. It's all right. But Kate. okay, to the to the actual topic. So he pointed out. I think what I didn't even realize really that was missing from this equation that people don't really understand what sponsorship is these days. Um, I think this paragraph is amazing, you know, from Kate, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read it for you here. So he he writes that um, back in the days, um, RC was all word of mouth and some commercials of TV here and there. And as a result, the only people who had any sway or influence on the RC racing scene were people who made it into the big show. These days, I shouldn't have to say things are very, very different, you know? And he says, any rando with a camera <laughs> or a microphone and an okay idea of how to edit a video, which he refers to as himself, can, can gain a lot of reach regardless of what spot they place. And the next paragraph he says, uh, put some more examples of what was the last time Mark Santa Maria made the big show at a race time event? When was the last time Kevin Dalbert was in the final at the BRC event? When was the last time like Lefty even drove an RC car? All of these guys are probably could be sponsored by any brand if they chose to run like races, and they are. And that is that has nothing to do with their skill level. Do you really sincerely believe? If Lefty came in to run a race with 100% sponsorships, maybe even some brand could pay Lefty to run their car. Do you really sincerely believe he should be running pro because he has 100% chassis sponsorship? Of course not. He should be absolutely a sportsman. And I'd say after this break, you should probably be a novice. <laughs> so no. I think to, to, to hammer in the point here, the sponsorship isn't about your skill. It has really never been about your skill apart from young children who you know could one day become pro like but that's again a very niche part of the sponsorship market but for most people who get sponsored the whole thing is about if i give you product worth of this much how much exposure does it give to the company that's how even for the pro drivers it works like this like that's why adam drake is sponsored by mugen and like Ryan Mayfield is not, you know? The whole difference is for them, Adam put in more value for the money they pay him. Well, you can tell I test him. We yeah. didn't see an increase when Ryan Mayfield joined him. We didn't see a decrease in sales when he left. So, um, by the way, there's video of me driving a nitro buggy at Fall Brawl. Thank you, Kevin Winters, RC Jars. It was embarrassing. It sucked. Um, I definitely want to drive again. That, that track was really hard. There was no traction. It was that's I needed a I needed Blake. Thank you, Blake, for letting me run your car. I ran that and I ran uh, Wilson's X-ray. 
And I like the x-ray battle. The Mayako needed some work. Um, <clears throat> all right. So this is a subject. Thank you, Cade, for those kind words. And I still want to be on your show. Um, I'm so sick of this subject. So JTP, Fame Wolf, they made a, a post about this. I even think Clinic Tony made a post about this. So the whole sportsman, not sponsoring sportsman thing, goes back to some archaic imaginary line that we had when sponsorship actually meant something. So sponsorship still has some weight. It should mean something. It should be something of value. It shouldn't be something that people just do think they deserve to get. I think that uh, it's something that it's an honor to have, right? So when I look at those posts by Jared and, and Fame Wolf and others who may think like this as a company, if that's your stance, that's fine. I'm okay with that. But I think that's just putting a Band-Aid over a, a broken arm, right? Um, when the whole structure of sponsorship should be revisited, revamped, regulations, rules put into it, every a manufacturer come into an agreement about certain things, and and it should apply to everybody, not just people in sportsmen, because that guy in sportsmen, right now in RC, he has the same right to be sponsored as the guy in intermediate, right? It's no difference, right? Um, should there's there there are people that are sponsored that cannot get around a track, but they know how to set up a car. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, there are people out there that are very great ambassadors of a brand. They promote that brand. They believe in that brand. And that's good too, right? Uh, my, my rules and regulations comes to the outright abuse of sponsorship by both the racer and the manufacturer. So instead of that manufacturer at a race trying to impress and steal two or three drivers from one company, that's their focus. The brands aren't thinking on a big picture of, hey, forget all of that. I ain't got to worry about that. Let's focus on building RC and getting more people into it. Um, and that's where the sponsorship things go, right? So we've got these manufacturers competing over, I don't want to say low level, but drivers of not that, like, it should be an honor to be sponsored, right? You should, you should, be, you should go get sponsored. If you believe in Mayako, or you believe in Associated TLR, and that's the company you want to run for, then you should try to get on that company by running their products, enjoying it, stuff like that. Now, if you're constantly deal chasing, then you are bad for RC. I'm sorry. You are bad for the, you are the person I'm talking about. If you're, if you're, if you're as a brand, I, I, I know I would like to liken this to uh, a relationship, right? So if you, get in a relationship, if you say you meet a girl, she's cheating on her boyfriend or significant other or a man, he's cheating on a significant other with you. Eventually, and you become a relationship, that's going to happen to you, right? It's, all, it's a true saying. So it's no difference in, in the whole sports, the whole sponsorship thing. If that guy, last year he was with HB, this year he's with x Oh, halfway through the season, he switched to Sparko. Oh, now he wants to do this. That guy, that that racer is just looking for the best deal. And he's looking to, to be somebody and stuff. You don't want that, right? I mean, it's fine if you want to switch chassis to chassis to chassis, but you do that on retail dime or if you have a discount at a hobby shop. But if you're constantly seeking a deal, because some people people always want the bigger deal. 
Now, as for that person that says that this person shouldn't be running sports because it's sponsored, him being sponsored isn't the reason you lost to him. The correct way to do sponsor to do to combat sandbagging or whatever they want to say in sportsmen and all this type of stuff is not via sponsorship, is by looking at laptops, right? And having the balls to to bump drivers out of this. You know, it's not because so I, I'm not, I, we swear we're not going to go on a tangent for this. And I recently had a racer and he's a good friend of mine. And he, he was talking about the, uh, a driver that won at a big, I'm not going to, ah, fuck it. We'll just say, uh, he was talking about a driver that won at SIC Sportsman. Oh, he's sponsored by Mugen. I'm like, okay, so what? Well, yeah, then he had, well, he had Adam Drake pitting him. Okay. So what is it that you're really upset about? Are you upset about losing to him? Or are you just looking for excuses? Why? This guy was better than you, but it wasn't because, okay. Yeah. So this guy probably went to a race and had Adam Drake pitting for him. That's probably a great honor for him. Lots of top guys pit for sportsman guys, intermediate guys and all this stuff. That's part of their job, right? He probably knows Adam Drake is good, but that's not the reason that guy beat you. It helps him. Yes. But you, because that guy maybe gets 50, 60, $70 off a chassis sponsor, of a chassis isn't the reason he's beating you. It's the reason he's beating you because he's just better. And I think people have to stop using the crutch of the he's sponsored. He shouldn't be a sportsman, and that's why he's beating me. No, it's not. It's not. Um, so I think we're thinking on a whole time when, like we always say, sportsman does not. Uh, sorry, sponsorship does not equate to skill level in RC anymore, and we should stop really uh, looking at sportsman drivers and look at everybody, everybody that's out there getting sponsored. And that whole, this whole sponsorship thing should be revamped. I wish we would, um, I wish people would put the effort to make their resumes look good and to make sure they look great for their sponsors and all that stuff. I wish they put that same amount of effort as a whole into getting new people into RC. Because that's the only way we're going to fix this. And yes, uh, I think having all these deals and giving people all these deals combined with online sales of shops that don't have brick and mortar stuff and, and, and things like that and coupons and the stuff, that's hurt in local hobby shops. I think a lot of hobby shops are just now more not race orientated, they're more bashing orientated because there's a lot more money over there. But we're not, we're not putting any focus as a whole, as an industry, as people on getting new people in there. We're too focused on trying to impress that sponsor or that next sponsor. And is the companies are too concentrated on trying to steal, or maybe that guy's a little disgruntled at his at his sponsor because the team manager didn't show him enough love at this race that he thought he deserved. So now he wants to quit. And I think there should be some repercussions. If you're not out there finishing off contracts, like if you got a two-year contract, you do that two-year contract. Or no other team picks you up. You can go out and run whatever you want, but no, you don't get no other deal to that, that time's up. But for, to, for that to happen and stuff like that, there has to be an agreement between the managers. There has to be communication. And these managers have to do more work. They have to know who's running their cars, who's running their products, all that type of stuff. And they need to be more cognizant as well. And remember, it, it goes both ways. The manager, the, the company has to show interest in you and you have to show why you are, why you are worth your deal. Or why you are worth it? Because I can't go to Walmart and say, "Hey, I can't afford this action figure. Give me a deal." 
You can't go into places and ask, just automatically ask for a deal. And I think there should be some regulation about new people getting into RC. Like if you've only been doing this for six months and you're already looking for sponsors, you're on the wrong track because then that starts the illusion. And we need to, we honestly need as an industry to stop selling this illusion of, of, you know, like I, I've, I've, I know I'm going on a tangent, but I have to say it. I've got I've people that say, Oh, I got picked up by this person and I got picked up. By this I, I get it. You're excited to be sponsored. That's fine. But let's be realistic. If you're 35 years old, you got three children. You're not going to be a pro driver. You got a sponsorship. Enjoy it. Go out and represent your companies. Well, no pressure on you. Enjoy your racing. If you can make it to a big race once or twice a year, fine. Be a good representative. Be a good ambassador. You're not going to be a pro driver. And um, I think more people need to hear that. And they would more people would relax, enjoy their racing more. Now I see too many people who get sponsored and they get caught up in that trap of trying to be better so they get, get a better deal. And they put so much pressure on themselves that in like a year, a year from there, they're out of the industry altogether and RC because they didn't live up to their expectations. So stop sponsorship in sportsmen is not the problem. The whole business model of sponsorship is the problem. And that needs to be revisited, fixed, regulated, and applied some common sense to it, in my opinion. And I don't know, whatever you guys think, I don't, I mean, that's my thoughts on it. As a uh, as a person that's been a, a team manager and gave deals away like candy, as a person that's, I remember my first 50% deal and I found out well, it really ain't saving no money. As a person that works in RC and I don't call, I don't say that these companies are sponsors. I say they're more advertising because it's advertising, but there are obviously some companies that I'm near and there to in, on, on these list of companies. But you bet your boots if I don't start if I don't do podcasts every week and I'm not every every couple of weeks or produce what I have to do and keep keep engaging, my platform becomes less value, and companies don't want to support it. Well, it's the same as you being a sponsored driver or ambassador for your team. You got to be a good ambassador, and uh, yeah, just have some rules and regulations to this. It's not the sportsman guys; it's the whole fucking thing. Yeah. And I think that's it. We, yeah. I think that's it. Yeah, I think I want to say a few things still because I, I want to sort of hammer in like the root causes of this issue. So it's kind of a two-edged sword in the beginning of the issue. So it's all these people who are looking to get a little bit of a sponsorship either for just saving money or then to feel that they're special. And then it's also part of these companies who don't look at the big picture of, uh, you know, the whole scale. And I think there are very clear, uh, like, examples of this. So if you're a driver who gets a 30% discount on tires and you're so against, you know, uh, control tires because you feel like you have a little bit of advantage with your 30% discount next to the retail guy. You, you are part of the problem. The, the whole gatekeeping thing about RC, which is that companies want to hold on to a very small group of committed people instead of doing more outreach, trying to find more people into the hobby and the people who sort of accept their position in this very small community that the companies milk out, 
they both are part of the problem. And I think the fix to this whole solution is to change the attitude within, because this is, let's be honest, it's not a person or company or like anyone's not, it's not like someone's here to be blamed. It's a culture issue. And the only thing that we can fix culture issues is talking about it, making sure that, hey, we actually don't think this is that cool of a thing, you know, the system we have. Like, it seems, for marketing's perspective, it doesn't seem as cool of an idea to get sponsored on either end of the deal. So I think if you are a racer, I think advocating for stuff that makes it cheaper to be a privateer. For example, you know, supporting our local hobby shops more. So it, it makes it cheaper for you because the local hobby shops can sell at a retail price instead of the MSRP, you know, that the company gets. Then the next big one is advocating for less like classes. So you don't have to own three cars to get reasonable track time. And then the last, in my opinion, the biggest thing is advocating for control tires at at least part of the event. So if you are a racer and you're like, I have a sponsorship because I need to save money, you should be advocating for all those things. If you don't, I feel it's to some extent hypocritical. And if you're a company and you complain about the sponsorships, the solution is not really to say like, oh, sportsman guys can't get sponsored. That's one way to look at it, but I don't, I don't see that it's solving the root cause because essentially you just narrow down the gap, uh, the gap of people who are committed to your brand. And that doesn't really solve the root issue because, you know, for if you have a lot of sponsored people, you're still going to have this inflation of prices. So from the companies, the look should be just like Keenan said, when you're at a race, don't look at the new guy you could hire. Yeah, do that sometimes, but you should be focusing on creating such a good atmosphere in your team that it's like, it, it's an honor to be sponsored by that brand and people are willing to maybe run your products for a while and say that, hey, I really like these products and then wanting to get sponsored because you're committed to the brand. And that's that's the thing. For companies, they should have honor in what they produce, not trying to sell it at a you know, quick buck. And for racers, you need to have integrity. If you want things to be cheaper, make it so that it would be cheaper for everyone, not just for you as a sponsor driver. And I think those two are the main things that can fix this culture and fix the attitude with this. Because it, in the end of the day, it's a culture and especially an attitude issue with this. And I have a kind of homework thing for this. And it's kind of a moral like uh, thought process here. So if we think about it, um, there's nothing wrong for someone to love RC and do it for a passion, you know? And by that, be like, hey, I don't really have money to, you know, race that much. But if I get a sponsorship, I'm able to, you know, afford a little bit more. For that person, that's completely moral, you know, stance. Yes, he's acting on his own benefit because he kind of gets sponsorship and maybe not everyone gets a sponsorship, but that's totally fine. You know, everyone has their freedom to do that. But I believe in, and this is my answer to this moral problem is that 
every single person who's sponsored is responsible for new people at the track being invited to them and also advocating for things that would improve RC for everyone. Because as soon as you get sponsored, you're not just a customer, you're part of the whole system. And I believe when you're part of the whole system, we all have a responsibility to direct it towards uh, a better direction. And I think this is the issue at the end of the day. We don't see it like sponsorship is a commitment. Sponsorship isn't being part of something, but it should be. You make a contract, you should be part of this whole thing. But actually, we're just people fighting against each other, you know. Instead, we should be working together to get new people. And that's my sort of answer to the moral problem. What should a person do who's having a sponsorship because he absolutely loves RC and that makes it possible for them to have this hobby? My answer to that is they are uh, sort of in-depth to the whole RC community in that point. At least to the brand they're with, but also to the RC community. But I'd like to hear what people think about that because I don't see it as a clear cut issue. It's more of a mm-hmm. moral and, and yeah. cultural yeah. thing. All right. All right. Um, I just wanted to finish this off and then we're going to move on to uh, yeah. some, silly, some silly season stuff. I really like what uh, Horizon has done. And I say this over and over again with the racer payout program because they went in, they checked on drivers that haven't been, these drivers who are sitting on 75, 80% deals who are inactive. They lowered their deals. They stopped giving all these big deals and put the responsibility of making some money back and making your product, your thing, your sponsorship back on the racer with the racer payout program. Use our products. You get paid. You do well. And I like that idea because it puts responsibility on the racer to do what he's got to do to do that. That that doesn't mean just winning. He's got to do everything that's included. Not contingency isn't something new. We saw that in JQ racing. You had rules to abide by. I remember people were like, well, I didn't use the JQ body. Well, that's a broken rule. So you can't get contingency. Because mm-hmm. I know that uh, the same would apply to Horizon. Lots of work to do. Um, but the whole sponsorship thing needs to be revamped. The whole attitude and culture has to be re- revamped, like you said. And um, it starts first by having an open discussion about it all. Now, what other companies want to do, like JTP and Fanboof, their stances on it, I understand that. Don't fully agree with it. Uh, because we're just picking on one side of the thing. We need to revamp it as a whole. All right, Max. I think that's enough of beating that horse to death. Yeah. We are going to move on to silly season. But you, before we do that, you should hit that sub, like, notification button on YouTube because Max the Bobblehead says so. So we're going on to our next subject, which is silly season and my big announcement. And I wanted to say a little words about our new sponsor, Corsa Tech USA. It is your one-stop shop for all things Corsa Tech in the USA. You can now purchase all the Corsa Tech range of products for nitro and electric power systems and accessories used by world and European champions such as David Ronfalk and Robert Battier. Established in 2022, Corsodec was founded by Adrian Bertin, a three-time IFMAR World Champion in GP, and Oscar Jensen, a five-times EFRA European Champion in Electric. Corsodec is made by racers for racers, all available in the USA now. You can find a link for Corsodec USA in the written description below. 
All right, Max. So, you know, I've, I've come to this conclusion after some big thought. This is my big announcement. I know people are wondering what this was all about. But, uh, you know, after so much hate mail that I've received, and even from you, about accusing me of cooking the books and doing all this type of stuff and all this nefarious stuff when it came to Silly Season, and after absolutely pretty much getting every single Silly Season announcement right this year, I have decided that, uh, you know, to give other people a chance to get Silly Season things right, and I am officially retiring from silly season it's just too easy now i had i got everything i said came to fruition you got you got people on the internet accusing me of taking bribes and doing all this type of shit and and all this type of stuff so you know what uh i am done with silly season and i will not participate in silly season anymore because you know i'm just too too damn good at it and i figured that it was time to go out on a winning record batting 1,000, and that's it, guys. So no more silly season from this guy at all whatsoever. But, you know, things like Tom Brady happen all the time. Silly season, Lefty has retired. I was thinking, oh, hey, this guy's going to actually have some, like, cool announcement, but no. You know, at the fall of 2024, you're going to be back at it. You're going to be like, oh, Lefty's batting at 100, you know? Not that good. That's a thousand you want to ban it. You start at a thousand, you go on. Oh, okay, okay. I said a hundred too. I made a mistake. But no, I just, you know, you know, you getting all jealous of my silly season predictions and, you know, people just hating on me and accusing me of, you know, cooking the books and all that stuff. I decided, you know, when people start hating on you like that, it's time to quit while you're ahead. But with that said, we do have a few silly season things that did happen over uh, while we was away. One of them we kind of thought was going to happen. I told you it was going to happen. Parente Brothers and Figueredo all signed to Techno. Uh, not surprised by that at all. You have a testing linker as well. Let me bring that up. Um, I kind of knew y'all was going for some time. And I figured uh, if the Parente Brothers even S-Works, and I knew that they got a new, um, a new dealer <clears throat> in Spain, because they signed that kid, Iker, who used to run Mayako. I figured they were going to go techno. So here we see, and I, I talked to Matt a little bit at uh, SIC, and I would say that this is techno making a serious push in the European market, finally. You know, not just hiring one driver and him going to one race, but, I was, you, you know, we, had, we saw them hire like Zankatine, Burufalo, you know, they're actually going out there and hiring, hiring or getting Y'all figure it out, it's a damn good driver, you know, top 10 driver, top five at some races. The Parente brothers have got a good future of, ahead of them. So you, we see them like really starting to step it up in Europe. What are your thoughts on this? Oh, yeah. I think, you know, this is the mistake. Like, I think, well, this is the decision Techno should have made like six years ago. Okay. Granted, they have a much better car now um, than what they had then. But when they signed Sankatin at, uh, I want to say it was like 2016, uh, at the end of 2016, um, to run Techno, it never 
seem to you know go well they didn't have the setup for european tracks i don't think the car was actually that good at the time and with only one driver you can not do much you know you can't start you know a wave with Marufolo, luckily at that point the car was much better and that guy is just insane you know he can drive anything really really well so it went okay but even then you know it wasn't as good as it could have been in europe granted he came to america and won immediately but in europe um his results wasn't that spectacular but now they have what they have always needed a good committed group of people who have ties to you know uh not only hobby shops but like large dealers within uh, southern europe this is the strategy that any brand should do like if you go to america as a brand you should start out with you know like someone like bhrc was with jq or how it is now with s works you know that's a large reason why things work because you have a good dealer that has a wide range and then on top of that you may have a good driver like now techno has and actually they got three really good ones so yeah i think mm -hmm. i have to say for parientes i do feel for their career it could have been beneficial for them to stay with sworks as a you know it's a proven brand they have canas they can compare to they are still young drivers they're developing so you know they might not have like the setup knowledge and what they actually want from the car down so they just kind of drive but for joao maybe he gets a full-time job out of this now he gets to you know direct like direct techno in europe in his own direction as he's most de definitely going to be the lead techno driver in europe so yeah i think for him for joao this was a no-brainer because from here show he wasn't going to get you know much like at this point Kyosho is not hiring you know drivers yeah. to be like full-time professionals that was never going to happen other brands already have their established pro drivers and i think techno was probably the best and most suiting option for him time will tell if he are gonna be able to transfer that into good results who knows but yeah Okay. I would agree with that. I, I would, I know when I, I, I talked to Matt a few years ago, Europe wasn't a big concern, but now we're starting to see them focus on this. And now that, and I, I think that y'all was a good pickup. If he's doing this full time and getting a paycheck, I'm not sure, but I'm sure he's getting compensated somehow. I will say this, that the, the techno team is a very, very good youth structure as well in America. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I'm thinking having the Parente brothers on is going to feed off of that. Uh, when I watched when I was doing Buggy Land with RC Racing TV, um, I noticed a lot of techno drivers from France as well. So, oh, yeah, the Sarto, yeah, Sarto, I think at least Jerome Sarto, uh, the, the one that's Sarto. won the e buggy world. He, oh, he no, was sorry, pretty, uh, Jean Pierrick, Jean yeah, that's Sarto. him, Jean Pierrick yeah. Sartel. And there was quite a few techno drivers there from France, so definitely seeing the importance of picking up in the European market, they're already pretty big in the market, like in um in Australia, which is probably the, uh, Australia, not as big as Asia, but still a big market. So definitely good news for them. I look forward to seeing per, what the Parentes do. We'll see what uh, Yao's doing. I'm pretty sure he's going to Montpellier here soon. 
Yeah. Um, and then, of course, I'll be at IBC, and I'm sure the Parentes and everybody will be there. Uh, but that segues into another brand that has not really focused on Europe too much. And Kanda did the same similar thing. Having one driver, they had uh, Rana Falk at one point. Um, I know you ran for them uh, and whatnot. But J Concepts signs JC3. <laughs> for what I, t- I was told, I heard he didn't even test the tires. Um, I heard he you know, obviously wanted to make some money. So this was a business decision by him. I see he's selling the tires. I know also Arlowski, who has joined them as well, which is a bit of a conundrum. I do know that Schumacher, I believe Schumacher sells J Concepts tires, but they also make tires too for carpet and stuff. So it's a bit of conundrum. yeah. So the well, let, let's go through the JC JC three. But basically, yeah, it's J Concepts trying to sign. Like they did this with Ronafuck, the same exact thing in twenty. I would say twenty seventeen. Yeah, twenty seventeen. I think they they sign the hottest driver in Europe currently, and try to you know through that force people to drive it. For David, it went rather well, but I think it's mostly because he has much more influence in the Northern Europe, mm-hmm. and for for Northern Europe, J Concept is money. Like in Finland. Uh, during the time David ran J Concepts, I also ran J Concepts. And like most people, like most top guys ran J Concept at the time because, you know, they were really good uh, at some of the finished tracks. Um, so, yeah, for Northern Europe, J Concept has always been good. Now, the issue with David came from the Southern European races. There, clearly in 2018 Euros, I remember because I was there too. For me, it went surprisingly okay, even though the tires was clearly not as good as, let's say, Proline was really good at the time. And that's where the Coelho used to win mm-hmm. um, that race. This is in, in Portugal, Portugal, correct? Yeah, in Portugal, yeah, okay. in Freixeras. So, yeah, that that's where the first issue started with David, with J Concepts. And then this culminated to, you know, in 2019 at the RCGP in Manila, we all remember those pics of the burning tire, uh, David having all of his tires come unglued, this whole debacle. And after that, shortly, David left J Concepts to mm-hmm. run Privateer. So he didn't, set that car, he didn't set those tires on fire, by the way. It but, wasn't him who did it, but, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. like <laughs> th- that was a catastrophe for him. And, you know, there were so much issues that all of us J Concept drivers has having that race. But like, granted, they have most to my knowledge fixed since mm-hmm. um but yeah that the end with david and j Contest wasn't very good it was a very fierce end uh and i think from seeing other drivers who run j concept ran at the euros last summer there still is some distance to go mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in in relation to hot race for sure so, so I just I just want to back up with this because as soon as people saw this, like, oh, he's gonna win, he's gonna do this well. In America, J Concepts is the number one tire. Period. 100%, yeah. Period. 100%. Right. Especially in the Southeast. And there's no taking away from that. But it just has not and and, and this is no dis- disrespect to J Concepts, obviously. In Europe, it just has never really taken off, like you said. Um, but I did talk to Paul Wynn at SIC, we had an interview while we was doing it, and I like techno. I think they're shifting some focus to getting a tire that works over 
in Europe. So I even have to dress back a little bit because I remember when JQ did an interview of J- Jason Renner, it was before they kind of got into Vescos. They weren't too worried about Vescos because that was AKA in ProLine territory. Fast forward ProLine's shell of what it used to be, so as AKA. Now J Concepts is a dominant tie over there. Now still ProLine yeah. and AKA works over there. So now yeah, race is quite big in West Coast. Yeah, but now yeah. shifting their focus to Europe, it's another mountain to climb. I I mm. think uh that they're gonna work with JC and Olowski, but Olowski's mostly a carpet guy, to be honest. Yeah, well, I mean he's the reigning eight scale electric champion. So. this is true. <laughs> not this nothing. Is true. So nothing. I think we're gonna see some focus, like we're seeing at Technos to really go at it. I mean, J Concepts is a powerhouse in the RC industry. They have the they have the the money, the the expertise, the skills yeah. to focus and do some work in Europe. But I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk like a lot of people think it's going to be. Because yeah. I had a friend tell me one time, tires are best are the best wherever they're designed to. So, oh yeah, um, in America he'll be fine. But right now in Europe, hot race is number one. And it's going to be inter- it's it. This is going to be interesting to see, right? Because we talked about JC JC3's package and Boots's package. This is about the same. Red's engines, mm-hmm. S works, money, right? Money. He was good at um. He was also very good at AMS. But I also understand that he wants to make some money too. So, uh, we'll see how this package works and if he's going to be in a struggle bus at all. He, we, we could be completely wrong. Maybe they're trying some new stuff, but it's it's interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But IJ concepts. I think well, this is a much bigger conversation that I'm not gonna go fully into, but a little bit. But the tire game is very difficult for a multitude of reasons. Number one is the soil. So in the similar area, the soil is usually quite similar. So for example, in Western Finland, the soil is quite you know similar in all the tracks. In Eastern Finland, it's very sandy. In the middle of Finland, it's very like um, it's very fine, but it's also very you know uh, clay-like. So very fine dust spilled in clay, and this goes in every single country. In America, if you look at you know um, what are those things called? Sprint cars, the little ones, you know, the go around in the oval, dart oval. Yeah, oh, yeah, like the yeah, full scale yeah, yeah. ones. Mm-hmm. When you watch those races, they always specify what's the dirt. So it could be like Carolina red dirt, or it could be mm-hmm. like uh, Georgia this dirt. And there are very like fine differences between dirt types, and the, which rubber works best is very you know particular. And that's why, for example, on the race time events, almost no time manufacturer comes close to J Concept because that's where the tires have developed on that red style dirt of the East Coast, and this kind of is already a big enough deal that makes a difference on tires. But on top of this, with the modern racing we do, especially in Europe, it's not as big of a deal in West Coast. Um, and that's why you can see multiple different brands working. But it's definitely a deal in the East Coast um, uh, on this indoor races. And the much biggest, the most big of a deal it is in Europe and the Southern European tracks. So when you have a very smooth track, let's say it's covered with sugar, covered with glue, 
um, or it's just so hard packed it's basically like asphalt. There's always we see that blue goo. Now we know that's you know rubber, and almost all of these rubber types have some form of silicone and different types of like rubbers and silicones uh, like don't necessarily want to stick to each other. They they resist each other. They don't want to like stick together. But the same type of rubber and silicone, they stick to each other. They stick to itself. So basically, if 80% of drivers are running one type of rubber, it is very likely that another type of rubber is not going to work as well as it would be intended to. And, you know, in F1, when they had two different manufacturers, you could even engineer into the rubber because you can see what rubber the other brand is using. You can engineer some form of silicone or rubber that's less grippy to the other rubber. Basically, you're trying to make less grip for the other rubber instead of making more grip for you. Okay, that's not happening in RC, but just an example of how it works. And that is already a deal that people don't really realize. If 80% of drivers are running hot race, it's going to be very difficult for J concepts to beat them because like it's, it's not, not that easy to, you know, make that exact type rubber that works with that and gets more grip off the blue group track. So that's also a hurdle they have to climb. And to be honest, I, I, I'm not, you know, a chemist. I can't really speak for it. I know some people are, but. I would argue that it could be very difficult to ever beat a brand that has a dominating factor. You have to kind of beat them, you know, by having just more presence and then, you know, also having a better, better rubber. But those are the factors that really challenge them. And so far, I think it's pretty clear that J Concept has just never had um, a tire for the European surfaces, nor, you know, the big events where there's a lot of other brands running that they can be truly competitive with in Southern Europe. In Germany, they're good, you know? In Northern Europe, they're really, really good. But in Southern Europe, from my time running them and from people who are I watch closely who are on J Concepts, there is a clear, you know, uh, clear issues with the tire. Either it's not grippy enough or it wears too much. Which, you know, the same issue doesn't have, like, with hot okay. And that's going to be a really tough mountain to climb for your concepts. I know, like, they, they're probably able to do it, but it's going to take a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. Well, the same applies to hot race in the southeast, right? You know? They got a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 works, it works the other way around, too. Yeah. yeah. So, it'd be and good. They have exactly, the JC yeah. has the resources to do it. It'd be interesting to see. Um, I know that... Uh, JC3 is coming over for Buggyland. I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens at Montpellier. I know that's a mm -hmm. tire-specific type of track. So maybe they'll be, track, be yeah. allowed to run something different. But we shall see. All right. We're keeping with tires in silly season. Oh, oh wait, wait, wait. We didn't talk quick. about Orlowski. Oh, yeah. So Orlowski, Schumacher, dealer of J, J Concepts tires, blah, 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 all that type of stuff. Kind of a... Conflict of interest to an extent. Like, why would you go from having successful yeah. carpet tires, which Schumacher has made for umpteen years, mm -hmm. to now well, importing your competitors' tires, which they've been yeah, doing well, for some time? They've been doing that for some time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there is a bit of a backstory here. J Concepts tried to get Michael, what could I say, 
probably like six, seven years ago already. Uh, they are really good friends with Yona, and Yona runs for J Concept, has run for a long time, probably one of the main J Concept guys in Europe currently. And like, there was a time where they really wanted Mikhail to run J Concepts. But the issue at the time was that, you know, Schumacher was not in any way affiliated with J Concepts. And the European races exclusively exclusively run Schumacher carpet tires. So for Michal, it would probably be a bad look. Well, for J Concept, it would be a bad look to see Michal running Schumacher tires all the time for practice and so on. And also, I don't think Schumacher would be, you know, pleased to, you know, have Michal promoting J Concepts, but get free tires and, you know, so on from them. So I think that's what stopped it back then. But clearly, I think there has been some form of agreement between Schumacher and J Concepts. Evidence number one would be that J and Schumacher cars now come with J Concepts bodies. They LD3 is now released with the J Concepts uh, body. Um, every single, you know, the dirt model, the um, carpet model and so on, they come with the J Concepts body. And if I'm not wrong, the new four-wheel drive will, is already coming or will come with the J Concepts body. So clearly they have some form of business connection there. And I think if I'm not totally incorrect, you know, Michelle is still running, you know, Schumacher tires at, at least at some of the events he's been to. And, you know, EOS has control tires, so has the UK series. So it's not like he has a choice at the races. So I believe it's more of a, when Michal runs H scale, which he has clearly done more in the past years, you know, as, as I said, he's a reigning H scale uh, electric European champion. That's where he's, you know, going to promote J concepts. And also the body shells, the pit equipment, so on. For example, like last weekend at EOS Dawn, he posted a picture of a J concepts reamer when he was doing his body. So <laughs> I guess it's, it's an overall the J concept accessory. All promotion. All promotion. I forgot yeah. about that. I forgot about that. You bring up some very good points about that. Yeah. Very good points. So yeah. I think there has been some form of, you know, uh, collaborating with uh, J concept and Schumacher. And I think it could even be that, you know, they are sharing some of the, you know, like, for example, J-Concept doesn't want to, you know, influence the European tire market in 10 scale, maybe. And then, you know, they make business plans. That's just my, you know, crazy theory, but something like that. And also on top of that, you know, one of the biggest Schumacher drivers or the biggest Schumacher driver in America, um, Champlin, they mm -hmm. are also... Uh, Every uh, very highly supported by your concept, so absolutely, absolutely. All right, Th that's a great segue because our next silly season move is about tires. And some are surprised by this, I'm not so surprised about this. I heard this was going to happen. Um, and one thing about Ronald, he does things very slyly. And when I was away, he was like, Oh, I want to post this. And I said, Well, you should message him and talk to him about this. But he, he made a post. And we kind of saw, we kind of thought this was going to happen anyway because he's with X-ray. We know X-ray is, when it comes to X-ray, you do what Hootie says, right? Mm -hmm. And we was like, well, is he going to be allowed to keep the um, the tires, right? So let's bring this up. Uh, this is another one of your posts, I believe. 
And so there we go. There's Ronald started. <laughs> yeah. So just to explain, so Ronald updated his bio and was he's sponsored by X X-ray, Course Attack, High Tech, Hoodie, Latera Racing, Fly Sky, Energy Fuel, XTR Racing, Avid, Doobie Design, and Mall Graphics. No matrix there. So of course, this started people messaging me, and then I messaged you, and I think I was on the road. So I was like, hey. He's like, I want to post about it. I was like, well, David's our friend. He's usually straightforward. Talk to him first before you do it, which you did. And uh, go ahead, explain. You the, uh, you got the lead on this, Maxi. Yeah, well, basically, I uh, messaged David, and and uh, he very openly now told that um, he's not going to raise as much age scale, and that was one of his, you know, main reasons or justifications. Like, yeah, probably and most likely there is a clause in the agreement between X-Ray that they prefer David not to have a tire sponsorship. But David explained that, you know, he's running, uh, he said only, he said on the 10 races of eight scale this whole year, and he's focusing on other classes. So, he feels like tire sponsorship doesn't necessarily offer him the best grounds. And he also, you know, implied that, you know, for Matrix, it probably wouldn't be worth it for them to pay him money to run their product so little. And, you know, then if they're not paying money, the, the risk you're taking committing to a one brand, you know, is it worth it for him? And I think that's uh, at the end of the day what, what made him make the decision. But to be honest... From what I gathered, it seemed like a pretty no drama situation, you know, quite straightforward for Matrix. Yeah, there wouldn't be no point for them to sponsor someone who races not that much. And for David, why would you commit to a tire sponsorship if you are not making a lot of money out of it? I think, it, yeah, I think for both sides, quite a peaceful end. But that all being said, it goes I back to the Mayako thing. I do think I feel a little bad because feel he, I, I, I know, I know Joseph, yeah, jo- Joseph is for sure annoyed with the situation because the whole plan from the beginning was that David wouldn't have a tire sponsor. I know for a fact that you know the monetary compensation took that into account. You know, there was an agreement that you know that would be the case, then you know, David informed that he would be getting you know making a you know commitment to run matrix which was you know fine at the beginning and i don't think there was like it was accepted by both parties don't get me wrong that there was any drama in that way but clearly you know the dnc was kind of the start of it where david was clearly struggling with the tires and i think even he mentioned it and then throughout the year i think i think it was evident that tires was a big issue for him Obviously, at the end of the year, um, before he ended up leaving, I think the motivation from neither party wasn't there anymore due to the, you know, (laughs) issues they had at the beginning of the year. But I do feel that it was an unfortunate situation for both because David is essentially at square one. I mean, granted, if he all along wanted to raise more touring and 10 scale, fair fair play to him but i think 
like if I, I still believe his number one class is eight scale and that he wants that to be his number one class. And had he not made that committed commitment to Matrix, he could be still running Mayako and both parties would be getting what they want. Mm-hmm. You know, I bet mm-hmm. I, I I do bet he would have had more say at Mayako because you know there was a big effort to improve things. Uh, you know, also in the direction that he he preferred. And I don't expect him to have all that same in, at X-Ray. I believe no, it's no, much no. more of a, you know, I'll put it to you this controlled way. environment. Yeah, I'll put it to you this way. And nobody can di- say anything different. And David himself. At DNC 2023, when he was in the D-Main, snipping pins off a tire and saucing and doing all that shit. No way in how would your eye be like, like, this is the difference. At X-Ray, it's an established brand. You do what your eye says. We see that. Coelho falls into position. All the guys that have X-Ray kind of fall into position. He's the boss. At Mayako, David had all to say. So it was a smaller company. Basically, Mayako had to do what he said. Yeah. If the roles would have been reversed, and that would have been X-Ray at DNC, you bet your fucking boots Matrix would have been in the bag. Matrix would have been done that race. Yeah, I think I think like you know that's no, true. I you know I that's know true. I I've seen you know X Ray through Martin Byer, two thousand fourteen worlds in 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 at in Italy. Uh, uh no, in um, Sicily, and then yeah. I see Reno Savoia running different brand tires. He was running Tasman. back in the day. Tasman, Tasman big concepts at Neo. Uh, yeah, I it's I think it's like. I don't think anyone with a brain would argue against mm-hmm. what you said. <laughs> so I think it's a, like a cut deal. But yeah, I, it's a I shame. do kind of, it, it's, it's a shame because, well, number one, we kind of never really get to see if the issues he was having last year was really because of the tires or was it more so, you know, that the package wasn't clicking for him anymore. That's one thing that I, in like, you know, my scientific brain kind of don't want to see, but in my like passion brain, you know, the first year was just a fairy tale. Winning DNC in Ibagi in first try, winning Euros, great. second at the Worlds. Like, you can't really hope for better for a first year at a brand, at a yeah. brand new brand too. Like first year of a brand, and that's the first year you at the brand as well. You can't, it's like uh, Sebastian Ogier at Volkswagen, basically, you know? Well, he went for the money, and I think there were some other mitigating reasons why he went to Matrix as well. Yeah. Um, and, he pay, and he may not admit that, but I think if a few years from now, he'll go back and look at that and say, yeah, I shouldn't have done that, right? And yeah. now he's with X-Ray. I think he has... He kind of has to do what they say, uh, pretty much. Um, and you know what? He's still my boy. I love a lot of love for him, and he's still got a lot left in his career. And now he 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 if he if he really wants to race, he's going to be racing more classes now. And you I mean that's that's it, right? But it's a shame because it was such a good start with Mayako, and then it wasn't when when he left. Nobody blamed him. Everybody blamed oh the, like. Smart people, people with intelligence, common sense, 
knew that was the tires. But the haters out there were like, see, that's why JQ fucked it up. JQ, now did I do? Did JQ handle this situation properly? 100%. No, I don't think so. But I think both parties were guilty of negligence and just not, of not being more open. And yeah, I, I feel that had that been X ray at DNC last year, you bet your boots that he would have ran whatever tire would have worked that would have got him from that D main to that A final. But he made a choice. That choice reverberated throughout the year. That set a bad taste. And then the, him leaving, him leaving was the end product of that happening. And then obviously now X ray said, We ain't having that shit. You know? And now you have to do what X ray says. And you know what? Being on open tire would be the best thing for him, period. And yeah. people that are smart, that are intelligent, will see that he's still he's probably gonna do well this year. I know it's gonna, I think it's gonna to Montpellier. I'm not sure if it's gonna to IBC. And I just want my I want him to do well, but I really would have liked I really wish he would not have chosen to go Matrix in 2023. We would be it would be a I personally, as a passion person and something that I think we'd be having a whole different discussion right now. We would be discussing mm-hmm. about his chances of winning the world championships yeah. with Mayako uh, this yeah. year. Which, and get, don't get me wrong, he can still... I, I'm, I'm very, I really want to see him run eight scale. I still think he can. he's a favorite going into the world championships there this year. But, you know, I would have rather have been for Mayako. But now... X-Ray has a good driver. Oh, we did talk about Zankatine joining them too, right? I think on the last one, but now Zankatine yeah, is cool with him. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. so now you guys are teammates again from X-Ray to Mayako. Um, and I wish David the best, but this move that I saw saw happening, not surprised. JQ messaged me right away. The next time I come on the podcast, I'm telling the whole truth. I was like, oh, <laughs> i like, JQ, did you have a whole nice video thanking Ronafuck that you're going to play? I said, just I, 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 people that know, know, you know what I mean? They know. And I think deep yeah. down that even David probably knows that that was a mistake doing that. Right. Oh yeah. And I think, you know, it was evident throughout the year because mm-hmm. like, how it was, well, dealt I, I was, was uh, a bigger mistake. I think, huh? I, I think how it was dealt with by both ends were the bigger mistake. Yeah, obviously. One, you one know, side put their foot down, the other side put their foot down, and then you met a you met you just got two male rams yeah. button heads. Yeah, like, boom, and boom, boom. like you know, obviously I saw what was going on quite closely, and you know what was happening last year, it was kind of like what it looks like when a driver is like really lost, you know. <laughs> he was testing obscure stuff all the time, trying to find things all the time you know and i think like yeah obviously there was issues other than the tires too like mm-hmm. yeah he, there was things about the car that could have been better that he wanted but i think when that you know desperation sets in you lose the motivation mm-hmm. you kind of get this moment of oh let's just try something I think if we would have, you know, accepted how the situation was at DNC, moved forward with, you know, kind of the mentality that Ongaro has, that he was happy to finish third at the Euros, you know? he that's He's better than that. 
Ongaro for the last five years has been better than barely getting a podium at Euros. You know, he passed Burak at the last, second to last corner at Euros. Okay. Clearly he had a tough year too, but the attitude he was with was, we're going to work through this. I still trust what I'm doing and it's going to pay off. And at the end of the year for Ongaro, it did pay off. I think for Ron and Bob, that could have been the case. But I think the pressure he was getting, you know, from Ayako, obviously, because the results wasn't good. But also in his mind, I think that that led to that behavior of, you know, looking for issues any anywhere and trying crazy stuff. And then you lose your confidence. You know, everything goes down. And at the end of the day, like, it was a really bad year for him last year. Yeah, I, I would agree. It looks like he's I mean, he's still... Driver. He's still top 10 and all that stuff and a lot of races and all yeah. that, but not what he had. And I think there's some other mid, other mitigating features or other people that might have been in his era about certain things. Yeah. And once you start messing with that and you lose that confidence, you start messing like then Mayako yeah. tried to take a hard stance and this and that. It, that relationship gets ruined. Um, yeah. But I wish him I, all the best. Yeah. And I think he's got a new lease on doing a lot of things with X-Ray and I wish him all the best and whatever, all the classes that he runs, man. And I want him to do well because it's still my boy. And I wish it could have been on with my uncle. And you know what I told JQ? I said, JQ, you never know what could happen in life. You know what I mean? You guys may not be, you, you know, I said, you might not. I said two, three years from now, you never know. If things don't work out the x-ray, he might be back at my uncle and rejuvenated. You know, you never know what's going to happen. So, yeah. Lots of things can can happen in in some time. Time heals all wounds and rebuilds bridges. All right, Max, that's enough silly season for us. Uh, I think we're going to, you know what? We have a new thing here, and you guys probably haven't done this, but we're trying to get to 5,000 subs, and we are currently at 4,779. So if you're listening to this on an audio-only platform, please go over, hit that subscribe button, notification button, leave a comment, leave a share, dislike or like, and we got a new thing, Max. You're a new, you're a new, uh, a new guy. Look at this. Max and his bobblehead for uh, getting the uh, getting over to that YouTube channel. Get us a The more subscribers we have, the better it is for us. All righty, Max. So enough about silly season. Let's get into some product releases that came out while we was going. I actually got to see a couple of these while I was away at SIC. And this part of the podcast is brought to you by Sidewinder Fuel. Morgan Fuel has been collaborating with many of the world's top drivers for over 40 years. This has enabled us to test our fuels in the most challenging situations and take the development of competition fuels to the next level. The result is Sidewinder, the market's most powerful racing fuel. This fuel is track-tested and proven by national and world champions, including Ryan Cavallari, Ryan Mayfield, Greg Degani, Mark Ravitas, and many more. They're current top drivers. Little bump. And actually, he won 40-plus yesterday at, uh, sorry, this past weekend at the TNRA's Philip Atondo as their newest driver. Uh, these drivers appreciate that Sidewinder is blended perfectly for the high-performance needs of competitive racing. Don't let victory slip to your fingers. Purchase Sidewinder today. All righty, Max. So we do have a few products we're going to talk about. The radio that has taken RC by storm. I was talking to my contact at FlySky. I might be getting one of these to do a review of. We got the new radio out. It's coming out. Some new transmitter issues. Uh, sorry, images here. So if you are watching this, uh, listening to this on the 
audio, any platform, come over to YouTube, check it out. We're, we're looking at some images via Red RC of the new Noble Pro. So I asked my guy what we can expect from this. He obviously told me a new internal battery. They're letting some leaks out of this. I might have one of these next month. I kind of, the new steering wheel, I actually, that does look pretty cool, actually. Yeah, um, yeah. but I mean, this one is kind of just a small update on the old one, really. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, updated steering wheel, and they said slightly brighter LCD screen and then a bigger battery. So mm -hmm. I think they just kind of, you know, you know, iron out some of the things in the radio and ready for bigger markets. I think we'll it's see. cool that they have the big difference they do differently is they have, you know, a uh, purpose built battery for this, which I think is not. Oh, there's a battery nice. here and then there's a battery in the handle too. Oh, there's yeah, two batteries. Okay. okay, that's pretty cool. So the battery in the handle will be removable now. So there it is right there. Oh, yeah. So you can okay. have a heavier. This is the same. Well, they have the same thing with the Noble Pro that I have. So the base can be removed. That's a battery. And then, um, then of course you have the and it comes with uh, it looks like it comes with one receiver it comes with a different grip different triggers so yeah good stuff we did see that uh tater sontag is now signed with them they have the black they have signed they have everybody. everyone i He's, think it's in america it's fend sontag mayfield at least wiggins or uh, wiggins uh then europe it's Velker, reinhard ronafalk uh, and a few other guys I have no idea who yeah. are. Yeah. So they spent some big money. Uh, let's see what the price is going to be on this. I don't know. I haven't heard. I will talk to my contact and find out more about that. All righty. Next up is let's go to the J Concepts tires because I actually yeah. got to see these. So we have the Falcon and the Dark Bite. Are you going to put this up here? So the Falcon is actually yeah. what uh, Brandon Rose used to win at. Um, SIC, but he ran them, and I saw this popular at, this is also a popular option at Dean's All Out for the FRCC. So on the front, guys would run the tires with the V pattern like this with the point of the V going towards the car, and then on the rear they had the points going to the back. So they reversed the tires on the back. So the tread patterns were going two different directions, and this is what uh, Brandon Rose used at SIC to kick ass, actually. So yeah, I think this is kind of, you know, what they've been doing for a while now with the cutting of the pins uh, with mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm, hot, mm -hmm. race tires, hot race tires. They did this with uh, manually cutting it. So I think this is sort of a new style, the, the ghost thread. No, not ghost thread. I don't know what you call it, but uh, no pin. <laughs> yeah, uh, V-shape. The yeah, they have a yeah. V-shape. Uh, so that was a successful. They also uh, a lot of guys ran the dirt bites there as well that weekend too, but more yeah, when the track was um, when the track. So at SIC the track was on like, the first couple of days because it was it was very moist and had a lot of moisture in it. So this is what they used. So this is basically a eight scale version of their fuzzy bite. I want to say yeah, it's really similar looking. Yeah, that they use fuzz bites or something. In, and in yeah, so this seems to be a two new popular treads that J Concepts has come out with, and they worked pretty well at these two different tracks that I saw them at. Well, the Falcons worked well at SIC and worked well at Dean's, which was an outdoor track. So, yeah, two new tires from J Concepts, nothing to be nothing unusual from them. And 
the Mugen MSB2, the new Mugen two-wheel drive that's come out. We see that the Killek brothers are gonna buy. I know Borak is gonna be running this. Um yeah. so what what wait, what got you all excited about this now, Max? Yeah, so this is the buggy they displayed at the Worlds. So mm -hmm. we took a quick glance at it. I think this is still the same buggy uh, that Shin had at the World Championships. But the interesting part is we have an official release schedule. So it will be released uh, this month, February 2024. So mm. it will become available to the public. Uh, it's going to be interesting how well... Uh, it's interesting to see how well it's going to do in terms of sales because, you know, when you look at it, uh, for example, the front end is very similar looking to TLR. Uh, I think they have made some, uh, I'd say more, I'd say smarter design solutions than TLR. They have clearly, because I, I believe Shin is the designer of this, he, I mean, Shin is also the designer of the Yokomo car. So the Yokomos, the YZ2, YZ4, that's all Shin. Like Shin's made all of those, but he left Yokomo and um, Mugen signed him to basically make a 10 scale platform for them. So I think this car's going to be extremely popular. I, I think, do. yeah. So when you look at the car um, as a whole, it's it's it has similar features as a yokomo uh you know the style of like ball studs uh and the steering linkages and so on i think very similar to yokomo same as the battery attachment then it has taken some parts of the tlr like the front end um but it also has some cool features like this mm. uh rear shock fine tuning so yeah, um, if you're listening to this on the audio, you need to really come over and check it out on the yeah. YouTube because we're looking at pictures of it. Same pictures we posted up a long time, but I believe that this is going to be a very popular car because people have been waiting for 10th scale um, Mugen cars since the MBX4 days, which is before oh, you yeah. was probably born. Yeah, yeah. When was you born? Mugen cars, 2000. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was before you was born. Yeah, so I think I think this car is gonna be like a fusion of three cars: a Schumacher for you know the chassis design layout and the um, diff mount structure. I feel mm -hmm. it the appearance of it and the ideas I think from somewhat come from Schumacher. Then for the like uh, geometry, I think it will be really close to something like a TLR with fine adjustments. And then in terms of the like some solutions, it also has that Yokomo, you know, look on it as, you know, obviously Shin's designed that before. So I think it's kind of a symbiosis between all of these three cars. And it's going to be really interesting to see because, you know, Burak Ilic, he was podium in four drive last summer. Uh, one EOS in four drive finished well in tool drive. It's going to be very interesting. It's interesting to see if Burak can be successful with this car. And looking at the car, it looks like there are already some parts that are made, uh, 
thinking of a four-wheel drive, a future four-wheel drive release. Yeah, I'm wondering so, how long it's gonna. How long do you think it takes to do the four-wheel drive version of this? I think I think it's right. Like yeah, right, I think it's right. gonna I, come I, out and then later this year. We'll yeah, see. I would be expecting to see a prototype during this year and then a release, perhaps already. You know, next next year. Oh, by the so, end of this year, I would say. Yeah, maybe even then, but. Yeah, I'm excited for Mugen. They have, for so long, they was a Nitro-only brand. And now they have electric touring cars. They have top results at Ronald Welker. Now they're coming out with 10-scale off-road cars. Most likely, we're going to see some good results by Burak Kilic. And, yeah. Yeah, I wonder I wonder who will be the champion for this class over in America. I wonder. Yeah, it's interesting. It could be, you know, I would have like it would have been interesting to see someone like Tesman because obviously he has the expertise in both 10 scale and 8 scale, but clearly that didn't happen. So and yeah, it could just be that they just go without a driver. Like try try just go. I with, think uh, uh well, I think it's gonna sell all the guys that are Mugen because Mugen oh, is one of those so, brands yeah. that have faithful drivers. Yeah, right? yeah. They'll buy it and uh, we'll see, but at some point, well, Mugen is pretty much living off legacy with their car right now. We all yeah. agree that at some point they're going to have to hire a top driver to compete. Not saying that Drake isn't isn't doing well, but he isn't able. To, you know, I'm talking about somebody that could go out there and win a world championship, win a national championship. So at some point they're going to have to do that. Well, I think that this is going to need that first. Because they're going to need somebody that's really good at Tensei to go out there and do well with it. And I have a feeling that we're going to see Mugen make a pitch to get a top drive in 2025. Like a top, top drive. I think so too. I think, I, I, think think, have to. I think the issue with Mugen before was, for example, in terms of Mayfield, that they really couldn't get that much out of him. You know, for Mayfield, it was probably a decent deal because you could get money from Mugen and Yokomo. But for Mugen, the deal probably wasn't that worth it because, you know, Mayfield wasn't the type of guy to do a lot of, like, social media or whatever. And also, like, the the results kind of spoke for Mugen. Like, I think Drake was doing, you know, most of the sales for the brand. But I think when they have a 10 scale, it could actually be beneficial. I... I I still see it difficult for them to pick up drivers because they have realized that it's not always like business-wise the best decision, but it's going to be interesting to see. It could happen. It will be. It will be. Be very interesting to see. Um, Real quick, I did see that you shared this on the NNRC Facebook this morning. Tamiya with a new touring car, but everybody's saying it's a Mugen copy or something. Maybe yeah, you can bring well, it up. By uh, the way, while Max is, looks for that, I just wanted to remind people, guess what? Not only do we want you to sub to the NNRC YouTube, but we need 500 more people, and we are going to reach 10K on the NNRC Instagram. So if you haven't done that, go over there and check it out. We have a pretty good, decent Instagram, as well as a good TikTok. Well, you want to get to 20,000 followers on that. So go hit those sub buttons and following buttons or whatever you need to hit on the uh, Instagram and TikTok, as well as the YouTube. So yeah, here we have it. Um, the basically, well, I'm gonna start off with this. Is these pictures are from Kentech? Um, 
He's a, like one of the biggest Tamiya fans in the world, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this is shown that from the Nuremberg Fair, which happens every every year for model cars. And uh, yeah, this has been, you know, Tamiya has been kind of teasing with this. There's been a lot of, you know, testing going on and so on. And yeah, finally we have a car from them. And yeah, to the comment about Megan, it's, I don't know what to say. I don't think, I wouldn't call it like a Mugen co- copy necessarily. It has a lot of the same features, but so do every other touring car at, at this point, to be honest. Uh, I think every single part is like Tamiya, so Tamiya's own part. So it's not, not so much that, you know, it's a different, like it, that it would be the same as the Mugen. But I do have to say that it's really, it feels really good to see Tamiya have like a modern So is this going to be a, are people going to race this? Like, are they going to, or what's going to happen with this? Like, is it just, what? I don't think, I don't really think, I don't believe that they will sign a driver. I don't (laughs) see that happening in the modern day. But for sure, there's going to be people who are going to be running this, some some people are going to be start selling selling the touring car for sure and in asia it's still you know a popular uh, brand for racing so it will be interesting following the you know especially the chinese and japanese racing scene mm-hmm. there could be quite a bit of you know tamias but yeah mm. basically you have a very you know standard modern touring car with the you know, very low shocks and aluminum shock mounts from the side and low bulkheads and uh, horizontal uh, rear ball set mounts. And then in the front, you have the standard, you know, style. You know, when I look at the arms and stuff, it almost looks more X-ray-ish to me. It kind of has that X-ray-ish last Mugen vibe to it. Um, but it also has some cool, you know, designs like the the caster and um, setting and as well as the um, angle of the upper arm because you can raise it with the shims here and then also for let me find a good picture of the uh, caster setting we'll basically have these lines here on top of the bulkhead and then oh here we can see well so you have the top of the bulkhead they have laser engraved some lines here and then they have this um, link or the upper arm mount that has eccentric holes, so oval holes. And with these lines, you can sort of match up the setting of caster you have, and then you just mm. tighten it to the bulkhead. So it's a very, you know, neat, small thing, but it makes, you know, probably a big difference when you're setting up the car. You can be sure that you have the right, right tune. So an interesting detail that I haven't spotted in other cars. Also the roll bar, you know, uh, roll bar attachment, very, you know, low profile, low center of gravity and seems pretty interesting. And yeah, I, it's going to be interesting to see like the performance of this car because geom- geometric wise, it looks very similar to, you know, Automatics and Mugen and X-Ray, all of these cars, you know, perform very well. Um, and yeah, we're going to talk about later on in, about the ETS where we see, you know, Schumacher, uh, 
racing their new prototype. We haven't seen pictures of it yet, but perhaps we're going to see a release in the next few months of the Schumacher car. But yeah, the touring market is, it produces some up. sexy cars. And you got the snowboards coming up, right? Next weekend. Yeah. Starts this week, next Monday. All right. Um, with that said, enough about new products and all that type of stuff and sponsorship and all that bizarre and silly season. And the big announcement that I am retiring from silly season <laughs> officially. We are gonna go on to techno, the techno RC uh lefties travels race reviews. We're gonna focus mostly on SIC, but we're gonna talk about some of the races I attended and some of the races that happened while I was on the road. But that is brought to you, excuse me, all by Techno RC. Thank you, Techno RC, for all their continued support. And um, let's talk about some racing. Techno RC. Techno RC is a championship winning manufacturer of high performance A scale, TED scale, nitro, and electric RC buggies and trucks. With a worldwide dealer network, USA and Europe-based headquarters, comprehensive warranty program, and global race support, Techno RC is excellence in RC. View the full lineup of Techno RC race-proven vehicles by visiting www.technorc.com. Thank you, Techno, for all your continued support. Uh, congratulations to Mayfield. He actually came... Uh, second he did come second at the tnr race rifkin beat him yeah uh, uh this tnr race that happened this past weekend okay so while i was on the road as you guys know i was on the road uh early out in october i think i left the third sorry, uh january uh, i left the third of january got back on the 22nd uh while i was out there i know that we had ibr padova one race one man which is the uh indoor track in italy that a lot of people freak out on if you're a vrc guy You've probably driven this track umpteen times on VRC. It's got a big step up. Um, and happy birthday. We have said happy birthday to him, but uh, Borak Kilik won this, I see. And look at Zankatine and his ginger hair. Who's that guy to his yeah. right? Well, that's Theo Lemaire. So <laughs> I think I think this race was crazy. So um, what happened was um, Marufolo and uh, Berton both had issues in the main. So Marufolo started on pole, Berton started second. I think Berton was the TQ. And both mm -hmm. of them had issues in the main. I think Berton had a flame out at some point, and Marufolo broke at 11 minutes. Uh, and also Polito had issues. Uh, I don't know about Berton. I think he didn't really have the pace of Burak here. But yeah, it was really, you know, weird race. It, it's always... a uh, interesting race because it's really cold and so on mm -hmm. but burak ended up winning quite dominantly i'd say not like a domination win but he was pretty solid and sanketin with his new x-ray signing uh winning second and uh theo lemaire i think if i don't yeah he's an hp driver he runs for sismic and he runs for uh Nova Rossi, I think, or Nova. That looks like a Nova, a Nova yeah. um, hoodie right there. All right. I think, yeah. So, but he's a French driver. He's he's made the Montpellier man main before. Yes. He's yes. really he's a really promising young French driver, but he's not been as you know prominent. Like we haven't heard that much about him, and uh, it's an interesting one. But oh yeah, I forgot to show this, but. This is about the coldness of the race. So 
we have the, every year every year we see these tire warmers being used at this event because it's literally like right above the you know uh right above you know freezing mm-hmm. and usually it's uh you know it's indoors so that it's really hard pack the clay and they run like thread tires so no pin tires here so you have you been to this track platform. I've never been to this track personally, okay. but obviously it's a very popular track. Is it in like North Italy? That's why it's so cold, or it's like Northern Italy, but I can't really tell where it is exactly. Okay. But it's it's Northern Italy, yeah. Most of that, most of the Italian RC scene is located in the Northern Italy. Okay, all right, so. We are going to focus on SIC the most because that was the biggest race out of this, but we'll talk about that last. So my journey started on the 3rd of January. I met up with Danny. We drove from Fort Lauderdale up to Lucama, North Carolina, to the Thunder Alley RC Speedway World of RC. Uh, we went to the third annual Beast of the East competition. So basically, this is an indoor race, but it also has 10 skills. So I will say this, that the World of RC guys, uh, I want to thank everybody for getting me up there, Chad Bucklin. And everybody that got me up there, it is an absolutely beautiful facility. It has a very nice outdoor track, big, big, nice clay, big driver stand, big track. It has a, you know, a very nice indoor track with that. I know you're not a big fan of it. It's the, like the, gla- the clay, dark clay track, like that, be- like, uh, like we see now you run on slicks and all that stuff. But I, I will say that this clay is really nice it's like chocolate cake like <laughs> that's how good it is um they have a big hobby shop they have uh pretty good staff it's like in the so the indoor track the inside track is indoor that's a fairly decent size it's mostly a dirt oval track uh max has got some video up here of it if you are watch if you are listening to this go to there's lee set so he was there and uh uh brandon shimmel were there but at the same time as this race was going on we had the clash going on at who's your hobby plaques we didn't put that in our notes but it was a good race as well, so Lance was up there for that. I was her man. Your internet's buffering there, Max. Let it, let it, let it, uh, let it, uh, charge up a little bit, and then we'll look at it because it's really choppy. This is about um, third place. There's Josh Barris and that Powder Blue. Take my volume off. Orange that. car, Colton Furnari, the X-ray. All right, so I'm gonna oh, yeah. let's just let let yeah. that charge up a little <laughs> bit. Let it, uh, let it just pause it for a second, Max. Oh, it's it's okay for me. I think it's because I'm sharing it. Maybe you should share the videos. Okay, I'll share that. Just take it off. But uh, because, yeah. So it was myself, Patrick, uh, Gene Strout, and Danny. We made the trip up for this. Um, so how this works is this is the Beast of the East. That's the name of the race, and basically they do. You have to run. You can run four classes, but you have to run three to be eligible for this. And uh, it has to be either. So they have like a sportsman intermediate and pro version of this. So it can be, um, you have to run. uh, Let me figure this out. Let me say this properly. You have to run either 13. So they have a 13.5 sportsman, 17.5 sportsman, e-buggy and nitro buggy. Those are the four classes that count for points. Right, so you can run. You have to, you can run all four of those classes, and they'll take your best three out of four. Or you run. You have to run three of those classes to be eligible for the Beast of the East. So it's a sportsman. You can run sportsman. You can run a combination of sportsman like seventeen five buggy, 
13.5 buggy and e-buggy. You can run nitro buggy, e-buggy, 13.5 four-wheel drive, whatever, right? Anyway, um, I have to say I was a little bit skeptical about running nitro and 10, and 10 scale together and because it's very hard to get a track that's good for both classes, right? You know, it's always hard. Like, you got to make it good enough. You got to make it so that the 10-scale cars can do it. You got to make it so that the 8-scale cars are challenged. And I have to say that they did it. So the track is actually pretty long. I don't know the actual dimensions of the track, but I think they absolutely, and I said this on the feed, they absolutely succeeded in building a track that was both good for... um in my opinion, that was good for nitro buggy, truggy, as well as two-wheel drive buggy, right? Because it, okay, it couldn't have more than 10 cars on it because it wasn't uh, that big, but it was decent, you know? And so we'll start off with the pro nitro buggy class here. I felt they built a very good track that allowed all classes to be challenged. There wasn't a jump that, like, every... Every class could do the jumps, like the two-wheel drive cars can do the big jumps, and the tenth and the eight-scale cars were challenged by the big jumps as well. If that makes sense. Not able to do them, but they, you know, they got dug out. Uh, it was quite a bit of entrance there. They had a good bit of entrance. Brennan Schimmel and Lee Setzer were the two top guys that came over for this race. The reason they didn't have a lot of other top guys was because, like I said, this clashed with the actual clash at Hooser Hobbyplex, which Lance was at, which was a huge big ten-scale race, by the way. So I know they're going to think about changing the dates of this so they can get some more of that crowd on her. Um, but it was a very good regional big race. We had, But when I say regional, we had people from the Northeast coming on. We had a few people from the Midwest coming. And it was a good race. Uh, it was a little bit cold because <laughs> it was cold up there in North Carolina. Uh, they did, when the Nitro's on, they had these extraction fans on and they, they took out, they did a good job of removing the, the nitro stuff, nitro fumes, and they had to open up the, the door. So that wasn't a problem. But it was some good racing, man. It was some generally good racing. I got to see uh, the Kendall family, Mike Kendall, Chris, Kiley, Chris Kendall, and his other brother. They were there. This was their home track. My buddy uh, uh, Mike Harris was there as well. Uh, this, these people, the, you are very fortunate to have this as a home track. It's very nice. Let's bring up, uh, let's bring up uh, this video of it. So, in, yeah, they uh, also have right outdoor track next to it, which you have the Florida RC Championships too. Uh, no, no, Florida doesn't come up here. Okay, Maybe this is in North year. Carolina. Florida RC Championships is in Florida. Oh, I thought maybe maybe you guys did a race here before, but I remember. No, no, I've never that. been here before. Never okay. been here before. I'm confused, then, but okay, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Are Florida they, RC anyway, Championships. They, yeah, but they also have, you know, uh, outdoor track, right? Uh, yeah, they have a big outdoor track. Yeah, yeah they like, have in the same facility. Yeah, yeah, they have a big outdoor track outside, like with really good clay and all this type of stuff. So here we are watching the, that's Jake Steiklather, I think. Here is the pro nitro buggy. No, there's Jake Steiklather out there in his new HB. That's where we, that's guys, those guys are doing the calling. So this was a good battle. Um, we had local fast guys like Will McIver, Jake Steiklather, Don Elliott. Uh, I don't think either Brennan or Lee ran Nitro Buggy because they knew they were going to... Well, Lee was like, I'm running Nitro Buggy at SIC the next week. But uh, we had young Colton Furinari who was running X-Ray and he came down from the Northeast and he kicked the ass, man. 
this young, he's 14 years old. He kicked ass, Italian guy. There's Colton right there, actually. And um, he kicked ass. He done well. And it was a good, exciting man. You can see it's it's not the big. There was pit lane right there. So you drove up there to drive your pit. And um, it was a very challenging little track. I love that jump. Like people would jump into the face of that. Uh, we saw a lot of exciting racing, like lots of passing. Oh, there's Colton. He made a mistake right there. Now, this by this time, people are left, but all this was full of people all around. This is like Sunday evening. So a lot of people went home, but all of that was full of people. Uh, I was back here. The hobby shops right there where that glass is. So people could come in the hobby shop. They could look out and see the racing as well. But excellently beautiful facility up there in um, in Lukama. Very fortunate to have it, in my opinion. And I thought it was, I, I enjoyed myself up here. You know, and what was good is we actually, we actually, but we, we usually we stay in the camper, but Lance had the camper. So we actually had to get an Airbnb, which was about 20 minutes away. And um, we actually stayed in an old, old, like plantation farm place. So this is a, it's, it's actually used for weddings. And so right next to it was like a wedding, wedding venue. We staying in like the cottage that I guess the bride and the groom would use. Uh, another, and it was beautiful up there, man. We it was like, you know, we we rarely get to stay in nice big places like that, right? Um, so it was a it was a good break, you know, and I enjoyed it. I did. It was cold. I was a little bit sick as well, so you can hear it in my voice. But it was a good event. I'm trying to bring up the results of the triple crown. Maybe you have it here. Let's see. Um, here we go. So. The Triple Crown is what it's called. And uh, so we had in Pro Nitro Buggy, who won that was Colton Fernari, followed by my boy, Javon Mallory. It was good to see him. Will McIver. Travis Jones, Mike Kendall. He's a old man. Mike Kendall's old school TLR guy. He's been with TLR for 27 years. And it's, got, it's him and his two sons that race up here. That, he, he's from SoCal originally. So it was good hearing some old stories from him. Um. And it was a good event, and I and I know that the 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 uh, the owner of it, the Chad Buckland, is his name. He owns the actual facility. I know they are committed to um, making this race bigger and better. So they want to do they want to do things. So the Triple Crown winner actually was a young up and coming racer named Mad Maddie Long. She won the intermediate. Lee Setzer won the pro version and there's another guy uh man his name was uh nicholas jordan so i want to talk about nicholas jordan he ran an absolute stock tlr tune armor typhon in his e-buggy race and kicked ass with it now his first qualifier i think so he he ran into like a a car on the straightaway here and broke a shock tower but dude he bumped up from like the b and won the a with a completely stock freaking typhon not a typhoon, yeah. it's a typhoon. Yeah, I think people really underestimate that car. It's it's like actually a really solid first car for if you want to get into buggy racing. Yeah. And I, I just have to give some props to young Colton. You know, um, he did really well. I first met him and his father at LCRC in uh Pennsylvania at the Nationals. And did a good job. 14 years old, coming up, uh, competing against some of the fastest guys in the Southeast. Jake Steichleather, who I watch right now, is a very fast guy. 
Don Elliott, Will McIver, these guys are all stalwarts of that region of racing. And you can see it, it's it's a little tight, but hey, it did it made for some good racing here on this small track. Probably, I will say this, probably the best all-around track I have seen that was good for both eight scale and and 10 scale racing, in my opinion. I haven't seen a track like this in a long time. So it was a great. A great day of racing up there. It was a great facility. I enjoyed it. Um, congratulations to, I'll bring them up right now. I have them. Let's show them. Congratulations. Lee Satsa and those guys came out there. They had fun, you know, and um, they had fun. So Lee, he, I think Lee ran, ran he ran like E-Buggy 13.5 and 17.5. Mad Maddie ran Nitro Buggy, E-Buggy and 13.5. Just this young lady is getting super fast and like she is her whole family is dedicated to rcs so it's her stepdad who's the rusty he's the mechanic he's a racer so and her mom she's also there but then her dad her real dad mr wayne long he's also very heavily but they all get along they all go to the race like like wayne doesn't go to all the races but he's at this one and they are all about this young lady racing. And she's from Virginia. She has her own track. And I've watched this, this young lady, Mad Maddie Long. And she, and, then, and then she's scared to get interviews. So I'm always trying to get her to come out of her shell in interviews. She's getting more comfortable. And then I say, I know what you're telepathically saying to me. And she just starts laughing. But uh, this young lady has definitely, I watched her over the last year racing at a lot of races. And she has improved a lot. And she is only about 13, and she is getting faster and faster each race. Very good. Very impressive with this young lady. And the whole dynamic, the whole family racing and all that type of stuff. So they're very serious about it. And um, they all work together to, to make sure that she races the best. And then there's Nick right there who came in in a sportsman class who won it. So great concept, Nicholas Jordan. Great concept there. Uh, I liked it. I was happy to be up there. It was great to see another track. And all of that good stuff. So thank you to Chad. Thank you to everybody that got us up there. We greatly appreciate it. That was our first race of this three-week tour that we ran on there. Then after that, and congratulations to all the winners up there, especially, you know, and everybody that came out. And thank you to everybody that showed, showed, showed me some love up there. I greatly appreciate it, too. And um, we're already been to We'll be back next year. I think he's going to put the date a little later in uh, in the in the month of January. Now, speaking of that, we also had the the Clash of Champions. Now, I don't know, while I'm talking about this, maybe you can bring it up. So the Clash of Champions is at Hooser RC Hobbyplex, which is in Indiana. This is a big 10-scale glue track. So it's glue. Uh, Eddie Hanley and uh, the Hanley family earn it. I got the pleasure of meeting him at Masters of Dirt last year. Nice guy. Uh, Lance went up there to do the... RD work and I believe uh, Mod was up there doing the coverage, so they did have coverage. If you want to find it on Mod, I think Dakota Fan kicked ass up her, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think I think this race was the first event of. Um, what was the same weekend as Beast of the East? Yeah, same weekend as Padova, same weekend as Beast of the East. All that good stuff. Mm, Let's oh, bring up I the results. Yeah, I had the wrong event. So okay, look up, Clash look up Champions. the Clash, yeah. Clash of Champions. I will look up the okay. video from Mod. Yeah. So basically, for um, Mod Class, actually, it was Champion who won Tool Drive. Okay. But 
Rivkin was all the way down in in sixth because if I remember correctly, it was that he broke in A3. Uh, mm. So it was this, uh, it was the B7, you know. Oh, yeah, it was the B7 debut. That's what it was. Yeah. I knew it was something extra special about yeah, this. Yeah, so B7 debuts, Rivkin was looking pretty good, but then in A3, he broke. Uh, so in the end, it was actually Champion who won, and David Badar was second. So that's yeah, pretty good. Yeah, Badar did really well. And then Cole Tollard uh, rounded out the podium for TLR. EFT. And then Fenn was all the way down in fourth in two-wheel drive and Cavalieri fifth. And the best associated, if I'm looking at this right, is at six with Spencer and Dustin eighth. And then Tom from R1 rounded out the pro class in two-wheel drive. So, which I have, I have no clue what David Bada drives. I've seen him before. Okay, so he was actually the best B7 then, I bet. Yeah, but he, he also earns Coyote hobbies, and that's a glue track too. Okay, so maybe he has more experience on surfaces mm-hmm. like this, but, but did he run B7? Maybe he ran B6. No, I'm pretty sure <laughs> he ran the B7. Yeah, I, I think, think he everyone, ran Yeah, I think everyone ran B7. But I think he's a very new guy in the mod. I think he was running stocks still like a year or two back. Yeah, yeah, he's just made the move up to mod, I think maybe last year. Yeah, and he's definitely again. He's he's born. He's our Born of Crime's best friend. There's Jeff Stacks, Jeff Stacks, and Kyle Go. Kyle Go making that debut on his new. He's running Associated Privateer from TLR. Um, yeah, it was a a good looking race. You know who they had doing commentary? His name Shane Moulton. Uh, I met him. He works for A Main. He's actually in charge of the Hobbiton stuff. So he came up there because A Main was a big sponsor of this, and he did. He's from South Africa, right? So this. Actually sounded like he was doing the commentary. I I enjoyed it. He I felt like I was watching a cricket match the way he was talking. Yeah. And he was like, as the track beds in, and I was like, Yeah, I love this guy. He was good. <laughs> um he's a guy I like to do commentary with because we could do a lot of cricket animals. I met him at the nationals last year because he works for Amy and Good Guy. He did all of the uh did all of the commentary. In stock, I think Talon Hanley kicked ass. It was him in two-wheel drive and four-wheel drive. And I think Doug Leverrier won truck. But Talon, this is his home track as well. We're actually watching uh, the A2 main of 13.5. No, I think Stax did really well here too. Jeff St- no, Jeff Stax in second right now. So... You know who kicked ass? Brian Dunbar in a Yokomo. Old school. Brian Dunbar comes here and makes the main before these young stock guys. So th- there's so many classes I'm lost, like what is what. But basically, it looks like what's independent tool? Independent is like, so independent two-wheel drive or 13.5 is you can't have any sponsors. Okay. So I guess then... That's not like... Expert, so stock, yeah, expert two-wheel drive is like that. Okay, okay, okay. So... Basically, Henley won tool drive. Stats mm-hmm. uh, was second. Uh, Doug Lavier was uh, fifth. Kyle Goff was in fourth. Colin Mines third. Rest of these guys I haven't really heard of. And then for full drive, it was Henley winning. Then Jeff Stats uh, Stats second, and Kyle Goff third. These seem to be always on the top with the stock. I think no, they're the guys, top stock. Those are the, well, I would say that Jeff Stacks, Calgo, Lavidia are the three 
top stock racers in America. Yeah, um, Doug, Doug, very good Doug, Doug ended up 10th in four drafts. So yeah. He didn't have a good weekend, but um, yeah, four four wheel drive mod, Fed one, and then Champlin second, Ripkin third, and Chase Lemieux. He, I don't know why he, but Chase Lemieux didn't run mod two wheel drive, but he ran hmm. mod four wheel drive. Okay. Oh, wait. Well, I know that, uh, I know Kyle. I, I don't know. I was I'm looking pretty... at, I was looking at, Clash. What's more two wheel drive clash? Oh, that's a whole different race. Okay. Because the results I said from two wheel drive was before that. That's not that's not that's not like a A2, A3. That was a money race. I think Brock okay, Champlin okay, won okay. That. So Champlin, okay, you were right. So it was Fend who won the mod buggy, and then Tollard second, and then he was Ripkin third. That I was confused, so confused, but yeah, okay. Now it makes more sense. And Tom from R1, fourth, David Bada was fifth, Champlain sixth, Cavalry, Horn, Sontag, and then Chase was 10th. But then in mod four drive, Chase was fourth, David Bada fifth. Oh, Joe Bornhorst went to this race. Mm-hmm. And actually, one funny fact, Joe Bornhorst is in Europe right now. He's in Austria right now. I just, yeah, he's, he's going to the next EOS. Pretty yeah, crazy. I like that. That's awesome to see. So happy about that. I'm so happy to see him going over there. Okay, so the B7 got a podium. I was wrong. This is like, I could rant again about the amount of classes because I'm just looking at the results and I can't fucking make it up. And I'm like, I do RC every day, you know? I follow these races and I still can't fucking know what's what. Like, well, what that the hell? Clash confused you. Yeah, but even like the in what what the fuck's like indie? Um, indie is the it, it's so it's basically like a. Yeah, I know it's, it's a, like you don't have sponsors. Yeah, it's a class where you don't have sponsors because stock. It's like in between novice and stock, I would say. Yeah. So it's for people who it's still using the same motor as like a thirteen five or seventeen five and two wheel drive. It isn't like twenty twenty one five is using a whole different motor. But it's basically, it's like these guys are like the pro athletes of stock that we're watching right now. And uh, the other guys, they're, they're like, I guess it's like, uh, I want to say sportsman stock. That's the best way I could describe it. Yeah, I think it's just crazy. Hey, hey I'm uh, not even, I'm not me, even, we're not even getting on that you, right now. Let, let me show you the classes. Like, how the fuck do you made up what's what here? Can you put it up? <laughs> well, hold on. Let me see. Max wants to go. Max wants to talk about classes. Okay. Like, okay. I should have probably known, like, looked at this before we did this podcast. But look at this. Look at the amount of classes. And, you know, there's actually just three different cars here. Is there even stadium truck? Oh, short course. So yeah. four different classes. There was, but. Like what the fuck? <laughs> you know what they did do? They had a, I think on a Friday or Thursday, they had a endurance spec stash back race with like eighteen cars on the track. That was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, but I do think actually, like just to have a very small tangent, I do think the new new type of stock that we currently have, I think it makes sense. Just call it spec, you know, because. I like the fact that we have essentially, you know, the same as like in, in motocross, there's 250, 450, in NASCAR, there's trucks, and then there's the NAS- the Sprint Cup, which are fe- essentially like the trucks, 
they, they have the same, they have, they all have two frames, so it doesn't really make a difference. And yeah, I think it's actually a welcome thing in RC, but next step is limiting mod two, you know, limiting the engine size, because I think right now it's a bit silly. Like, I think there's just too much power on a lot of these races. I think yeah, you've you said this before. You said this yeah. before. You think that you think that stock should be faster, should be faster. And I then... think we should have like it's hard to say because now the motors are so much faster, but at least in mm-hmm. Europe we run the stock. When when we run stock, it's 13.5 for tool drive. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think I think it should be, you know, 13.5 for both tool drive and full drive, and then mod would be like 7.5 or 8.5. Mm-hmm. All right. Or then 6.5 Blinky, whichever, you know, is better. All right. Well, it was a good race. It's the first big 10 scale race of the year. It was huge. And track this, is, nice this is a race I want to go to, to be honest. Yeah. So. The, the track, I have to say, that looked amazing. And the level of competition is it's crazy in America because, you know, we have all these big events like DNC, PMB. I feel like Everyone talks about these races. You know, all the big guys are going. It's like crazy. Ten scale kind of goes under the radar a lot of a lot of times. I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like much less hype for you know what was it called? The Clash. That uh, well, clash that's because you're not really paying attention to ten scale in America. Yeah, it could be. I it am. could be that, but I am. Yeah. So it was a good but, race. I wanted yeah. to get Border Crime on to talk about it while I was away, but he got sick. Yeah. So stop getting sick, Warner Crime. Yeah. We're all working for Hobby Wing. So he was there as a Hobby Wing representative. He didn't race. He went there to, um, he was with Charlie Swanka and he was kind of yeah. there. He did run, but he didn't race. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Let's talk about the other races. Then we'll come back to SIC. So then after Beast of the East, I went to SIC. We'll talk about that. But then my last race to attend was the Florida first round of the Florida RC championships that were held January 19th to 20th in Opopka, Florida at Dean's All Out. Oh, man, this was such a stressful race leading up to because the weather was actually really bad leading up to. It was a lot of rain, so people weren't sure if it was going to happen or not. Dude, this race sold out. Now, Lance has a lot of uh, season passes that are sold out, so after that, you know, we get more entries. So... This race sold out in 90 seconds on RC Sign Up. Um, I actually met the guy, Bobby Phillips, who runs RC Sign Up. He was racing. He's back in RC. Great dude. And it um, it literally, people that, so Lance is like, man, I don't know what to do. Like, I have so many. I remember the whole week, people were just messaging and messaging him. He actually had to, he was like, you know, how can we do this? And we had, we was thinking about it. I was like, well, Lance. You're just going to have to figure out how to do it. We're going to have to go late, right? And um, he didn't, like, he has a cap. He wants to keep it at a cap. He doesn't want to go over the cap because he wants to get out there at a decent time. But he was like, the only reason I'm going over this cap is because there are people that have been with the series from the inception that did not get into race. Yeah. And there's a people I don't want to say no to. So we ended up having uh, quite a bit of racers. Um, and then, like, leading up to this was, like, is the track going to be ready? Because it was rainy, it's Florida, it was muddy. 
Oh my gosh. And so we got there like Wednesday night and Dean was rolling the track and it dried out. And then I think it rained that night. Thursday it rained most of the day. I just remember, I was like, I can't believe this is happening. And then, you know, we kind of just chilled out Thursday. I was sitting, this is one of the races where I actually got to just hang out with people. And so I was hanging out with like Tony Padishaw, Jake and Trent and a couple other guys. We were sitting over by the fire pit over by Turner's trailer. And just talking, he's up to about one, just talking. And dude, this is Thursday night, and people were just rolling in. Like, people were just rolling in campers, trailers. I was like, it was nonstop. Like, one guy would come, another people, two people would come. I was like, people are still coming to this race. Now, a few people pulled out. Dude pulled out of it because of weather. Dude, Friday came, and it was like, wet. Nobody knew what we was going to do. Dean was out there rolling it, blah, blah, blah. And then it started like a drizzle, like a mist coming down. And we was just like, okay, Lance is like, this race isn't going to be, you know, I was like, no, it's going to happen. What's going to happen? So in the end, when it stopped drizzling, um, oh, we had a freaking, they had, so Dean had a big front roller, front loader, big giant full scale, like load out there, putting dry clay on and all that stuff. So the track was muddy. So what Patrick done was he hopped on the four wheel, took the drag, and dragged the track for like an hour, just went and done laps. It was amazing. And now I was like, so that it was like he put spikes down and put spikes up. Then he had, they had this like flat rubber heavy mat that they just ran around the track. Dude, he had that track ready to go in an hour. And like Gene and, and a couple other volunteers and Lance were out there shoveling and doing stuff. They got the track. Now it was muddy. They got on the track about four o'clock Friday afternoon. But it, when it's a muddy track like that, nobody wants to go on it, but cars have to go on it. So some brave souls went out there and they went on it. And then it just it was like a domino effect. People were like, oh, well, I'm going. Now some people didn't go. And I was like, all right, this track's going to be good. Um, We finished up about nine that night. Dude, when I freaking, well, me and Danny had to go to Walmart, right? Mate, when we went to Walmart and we drove down, like you would never see this track from the, from the road. It's like, just, you can't see it. When we saw the amount of people and cars and vehicles parked there, I was like, holy crap. This yeah, is a one-day race. Yeah, 179 individual people, 304 entries, one-day race. Like, <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. And so we were going to do a full program. The, the schedule was to do a full program and be out of there by 11 on Saturday. So practice happened at seven. People also got to practice at seven. And we started at eight on the dot. Then about 10 o'clock, we had a power outage. And that destroyed oh, yeah. the decoder or something. And so it took two hours to figure out what was wrong with it. That was two hours. So in the end, and then we had a, a loop issue. So Lance had to change the loop, put a new loop in there and all this type of stuff. That cost about, I watched him guy change the loop in like 15 minutes. Um, Anyway, the decision was made that we weren't going to run A2s because we we're just going to get out of there too late. And everybody was happy with that. But everybody still got the long night remains and everybody got the A1s. And we got done by, by 12. 41. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a long, long day, dude. But we got done. It was the first round of it. And I, and I know, I just have to say, like, a big kudos to Patrick, Gene, Lance, and everybody else that volunteered. I, I, as I've, as I've gotten to go around Lance and that guy, he does a lot of 
he goes above and beyond to make shit happen, right? He went out, bought nails. He spent $200 on nails for the track, $200 on pipe for the track, all this type of stuff, right? Out there shoveling, doing all this type of stuff. He would not stop. See, and I think people really appreciated that. And I think even with all the rain and all that stuff, it was a great fucking opening round. I had fun. I enjoyed it with some good racing. Yes, it was a long day. It was cold, but I enjoyed it. Uh, I it was good to see all my Florida, 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 uh, fam, RC family. Everybody's asking me if I'm coming to the 10 scale runs, and I know the next run is going to be at Sundancers for eight scale, which is coming up shortly. I wish I could go, but we're not. So it was a great event, and what I consider to be the best one eight scale series in the world, period. To get the one day race done like that and get people adequate track time with two qualifiers and all that type of stuff, this is a good race, and the amount of people that showed up. And I'm sure people that didn't show up are kicking themselves because they didn't go. It was good. And he's going to have the first round of the 10 scale series coming up this weekend, right? So I don't know if you know this. He's got a novice class where he has handout cars. So he's got, he went out and bought 16 of those associated RB10s or whatever, like the ready to run two wheel drive cars. The only, the only you change on them is tires because each track is specific, right? But you get a car, you give it back the way you got it. You have to, so if you break it, you have to pay to get it fixed, right? You pay for parts, you get it fixed. So that's 16 of those, novice class, that's sold out. He has a bunch of learner 21.5 motors for people who don't have a 21, who want to run a 21.5 class, but don't have a motor. So they can borrow that motor and run a 21.5 class. And he just went to Exalt yesterday and got a bunch of 17.5 uh, motors as well to learn out to people for his 10 scale series. And the 10 scale series is sold out as well. It's first, the first race is at uh, New Red. It's an indoor glue track. So he, I will say this, the Florida RC Championships, Lance McDonald and his crew have been the reason why Florida 8 scale racing is at where, where it's at right now. And in my opinion, as a person that's been to the you know, spent a lot of time in Florida over the last year. I think Florida is probably one of the healthiest, most booming RC economies when it comes to eight scale in the world, especially in America. And now 10 scale has a lot of 10 scale tracks, but now he's putting some organization to that as well. They're actually going to have another 10 scale track opening up. And other good news is we found this out always there that, you know, because they used to have Southside where the 2018 nationals were. Mm-hmm. so that track what happened with that track it's still there it still exists everything's there they made a retention pond and cut the parking in half so he couldn't get a lot of people in there can't get RVs in there they have relocated that the city is going to build them a track covered 8 scale track not a little small pissy track a big track like 100 by 200 or something like that covered area and it's going to be a full up and it's it's scheduled to be done by summertime this year. So Florida is like central Florida because that, well, that's central north. That's Shire North. Lake City is going to get probably Florida's first covered eight scale track. So then you wouldn't have to worry about weather. We just go, eight, go to Lake City and have the race. So lots of positive yeah. things. And they're getting another covered track up in uh, the Panhandle up in, up in B&T, which is far away. So lots of positive things going on in Florida. Um, 
it was some great racing. I think like Julian Olivares, he won e-buggy and pro, he won pro e-buggy, pro nitro buggy. A lot of the guys, I can have a whole podcast just about this series with people there. So what happens, a lot of the guys that were running intermediate last year have now bumped up to pro. Like guys like Miller Freud. By the way, Miller Freud, uh, positive thoughts sent out to you. He just found out that he's got a tumor on his, that he's going to get operated on a young race. So very good. Uh, I was talking to his father the other day, so all vibe, positive vibes sent out to you. Good luck with your operation. Luckily, it's it's they're gonna it's nothing too bad, but they're going you know it's still nerve wracking. He moved up. JP Science, all these guys are moving up, so it's like a training ground for these young guys now. Like they want to come up and they want to race against the pro guys. And he brought back short course. There was two heats of short course truck. It was good. Shout out to my boy Gene Stroud Jr. who won uh, e buggy sport. Open e-buggy. Hey, he was not the fastest on the track, but he was the most consistent. And he won. And I was so proud of him. It was a good, it ended up being a very good weekend. I enjoyed it. And I will show, I will say this, not just because I'm involved in it and these are my friends. This is this is a f- very good series. If you're in Florida and you can hit up one of these series, go check it out. And good luck to everybody at the 10 scale series this weekend. I think it's going to be great. And, um, yeah, man, it's good to see positive things like that happen in RC. Now, you might say that's too many entries. You might say that's too many classes. But trust me, it was a big brainstorm. And, like, he did not want to have all his entries. Like, he wants to keep it at a capped entry. He wants to keep it at this amount of people. But it was just so popular. And he said, it's a big debate. It's like, it's, I can't have it happen again. He's got a good problem. Yeah, but Good has there been has there been like any consideration of like two day? Yes, event? a lot of people want to call for two days, but he does not want to do that. He wants to keep it where everybody because it's going to be so a two day event means you kind of have to be there Thursday. Now there are people that are there Thursday. Don't no, no, me but wrong. I mean, I mean, like you start at Saturday morning and you end like let's say noon on Sunday or not noon, like three four p.m. maybe six p.m. latest on Sunday, so people can still get home. Sunday, the Sunday racing in itself is a very hard thing because people want to have that day off. Oh, okay, yeah, to relax and get back to to work. But people are talking about it. I don't know what's going to happen. I think he wants to yeah. keep it as a. He wants to keep it as a one day event, and he wants to keep to his cap. But he just said I, I couldn't do it because people people just like people that have done the the. This series have uh just wouldn't were unable to get in, you know. So yeah, it was great. I'm happy to be involved in that, man. And I'm looking forward. Uh, I really wish I was going to the Sundancers race next month, but I think I'll definitely be at the Callahan race, which is up in Jacksonville. Uh, that will be the race before I go to Portugal. And he's having a banquet in March that I'm going to. So he has a banquet too, where he gives away a whole bunch of shit ton of stuff. Like you win stuff, you win stuff for winning the uh, series and all. That's why people take this stuff seriously, man. All right, so check out the Florida RC Championships uh, this weekend. They will be running the first round of the Ten Skills Series, and I look forward to that. All right, moving on, and th- also thank you to everybody. It was fun. I had a blast, and thank you for everybody that showed me stuff and bought some shirts. I appreciate that. We'll have shirts for sale at the event. On a regular, because Lance will have them. All right. So we had, I think this is runner folks. So we've got a little bit of on-road racing. We had the GP3F race. 
in Longwy, France. That was January 8th and 21st. Arlowski wins this in dominating fashion over Bruno Coelho and Ronald Volker. Uh, I think uh, Ronald Fogg went to this race too, right? Yeah, Ronald Fogg was there. I think like pretty much all the top guys from Europe was there. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if Reinhardt was there. He could have maybe not gone. But yeah, very strong field. And apart from Bruno taking one round of qualifying when Orlowski had a mistake, uh, Orlowski just was dominant all weekend long. I think they have been running a new Schumacher prototype. Obviously, X-Ray has the X4 now, but yeah, Orlowski has been looking really solid. And this race was just the first. And and then, you know, he won A1, A2, TK all about one round of qualifying. Yeah, he was good. He was really good. All right. Um, let's go on to ETS round five at dawn. Our driver, Pecco, was there. And he had a pretty yeah. good weekend. Yeah, so basically, uh, again, same story as the, the GP3 France. Uh, he was Orlowski. He, uh, I think he was top of practice. Um, but yeah, he TQ'd all rounds of qualifying. Uh, he won all rounds of practice. Uh, he won A1, A2. He was just totally unbeatable the whole weekend. Um, no one even got really close to him. Uh, there was also two other uh, Schumacher drivers to main, Pekko being one, and then also Mattia Collina. So three Schumachers in the main. I believe all of them are running the new prototype. So I'm excited to see if they figured out something really cool or if they just iron out the previously existing package. But oh, I have to say that Orlowski is looking really solid for a touring world championship later this year. Because they're going to have the 10 scale touring car world championships this year. And he, I don't know. I, I just like Bruno could be close, obviously, because he's always really good. But Orlowski is just, no matter if it's asphalt, if it's carpet, he's been looking really, really solid. So. If I was his competition, I'd be a little bit scared. But if yeah. you're a better man, you'd be betting on Orlowski, the Punisher. Oh, right, right now, yeah, he's looking good. It'd be interesting to see during the spring of how it develops. Um, but yeah, for other other people who kind of surprised me was Adam Issey. So he's been running. I believe he's actually the stock or spec class uh, European champion in touring, uh, or at least he finished in the podium last year. Um, and he's also been, you know, number one in in spec for ETS for quite a bit. And he's also, he raced, I think, three classes at this event. So he raced modified, then he raced forward front wheel drive, and then he also raced uh, spec 13.5. So, and he won, um, he won front wheel drive, he finished second in spec and second in modified. And I think this is his best, you know, top result or first top result in modified and yeah a second place for him i'd say most people don't really know who he is so that's a really good really good run for him awesome. um mark reinhardt third um with automatics and then lucas urban and simon lotter uh, with automatics uh, completing top five 
And then Welker in sixth, Pekko Ivinen, as we said before, he had a really solid, he finished um, fourth uh, in one run of qualifying. Um, and he was solid all weekend long. He really had, I think he even had the best lap of the weekend. So Pekko did some good runs. And then, you know, Christopher Krapp and um, Yannick Brumper were with their Yokomos in the main. Uh, and then Jan Rebaiski also made it into show in Modified. He's also known for being uh, more of a stock and formula uh, driver in ETS. Uh, one name I'm going to shout out is Dominic Greiner. He won the B final. So uh, we talked maximum about him before. Bullshit. Yeah, he's the maximum bullshit guy. Um, uh, but yeah, he's he started focusing on electric touring. And first race, I guess it's okay. He's the only one running Serpent at this level, and he made it almost to me. So pretty good run. But, yeah, I think that this year is going to be the worst year for touring cars. It's going to be really, really interesting to see which drivers are doing well, which are not. But right now, I put my money on Arlovsky. <laughs> interesting, interesting. All right, uh, we'll go into the race that happened this past weekend. It was the TNR Challenge. Out at the dirt, Chris Nelson's race it was good to talk to Chris. Uh, I told him good luck at this race. It was not held at Pro Line Raceway; it was held at the dirt. And there, a lot of people thought it was at Pro Line, but uh, Daniel oh, Adams, really? was, yeah, it was. Daniel Adams was doing the scoring for it, <clears throat> so he just—I think he had the whole loop from. Yeah, because I was like yes. the yes. pictures. I was like looking at the pictures. I'm like, oh yeah, they're at Paris. Then I went to Live RC. It said the Pro Line Raceway. I was like, no, a lot of people okay. were confused. By that. Yeah, a lot okay. of people were confused by that. Um, the Ghani rented this race. He talked. He called me yesterday to tell me about his race and his perfect operation. Uh, he says my perfect operation, Richard Saxton, was applied, and. Uh, <laughs> But uh, this race is last year had a whole bunch of entries. It was at Thunder Alley. Uh, this year wasn't as many entries, which is fine. I know he gives away a lot of stuff at this race as well. In IC Buggy, it was Rivkin Mayfield Lutz. Actually, Rivkin made a really good pass on Mayfield for this. In EP Buggy, it was Mayfield, Ogden, and Contreras. Uh, this is like his home track. Actually, Frank Contreras' dad messenger. I got to go respond to that message. As well, I just saw it and then I forgot to go talk to him. And in IC Truggy, it was Mayfield, Heckert, and Rifkin. So Heckert had a good run in truck <clears throat> as well. Uh, let's bring up some video of the track uh, so people can have a look at it. It was a super cross track uh, built by, it was at some huge jumps. When yeah. I saw this, I forget how big the dirt is, like, and how much space it yeah, is. Yeah, it's 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 kind of misleading because we really haven't had a race here for a while because last year we raced at the really small uh, mm -hmm. one. So here is the TNR Fuel's 40 plus A main truck. Oh man. Is that is that me? My internet acting up or is that what's going on? I think it's in slow motion. Oh yeah, okay. I was wondering what's going on here. <laughs> okay, so there we see. Uh, Mod did the coverage for it, and hers. I think that's Ronda Drake we're following right now, and it was a lot of jumps on her. Um, I talked to a few people. The weather was very windy. It was a little bit cold for people, so 
Kind of like what DNC rather is, to be honest. Yeah. That was a big send it jump. Uh, but yeah, uh, Rifkin, Rifkin and the AE guys were out there testing the for the weekend of SIC. So no surprise that they did well there. Let me take that off. <laughs> big step up. I like step ups like that. Uh, man, lots of jumps at this track. It was packed. Look at all that. That looks like DNC out there with all those uh, campers and stuff there. So yeah, good stuff. It was a good race. Seemed to be successful. Did get finished kind of late on uh, Sunday night. So I know everybody was tired. Oh, see, really that's nice. the difference. <laughs> oh, see, see, the difference is over on the West Coast, they don't mind racing on Sundays. On the East Coast, it's very rare to see that. Uh, but yeah, good event. You know what's Friday. crazy? Yes. No. This event had less people than the Florida RC Championships. It did it. It had 178 people. The Florida uh, RC Championships had 179. Okay, so <laughs> one person less. But I have way more interest because it's a bunch of classes. Yeah, yeah. But it was interesting to me because I it was a three-day event. Well, was, they also had four rounds of qualifying. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, think yeah, there yeah, were like yeah. double mains for B mains, 45-minute for lower mains. Uh, so Greg called me up to tell me about his 40-plus main. And he was like, I got into Saxton right in the beginning. And he was all frazzled. And he said it was an honest mistake. And then um, he said that uh, him and Brian Eider, owner of HRC, H HRCR, who's going to have the world, the Nats this year, he and Saxton and him got in together and they were, they had words on the driver's stand. And, you know, Greg, he eggs that on. And uh, it was, it seemed like it was, it was, to, you know, less uh, a SoCal race, and it seemed like it was good. And congratulations to Rivkin on taking the win. Like I said, he said Greg said that I wasn't there. I was listening a little bit last night to uh, Chase talk about this race on Wheel and Trigger. Um, I, I honestly did not watch much of it because honestly, this week and past weekend, I just tried to chill and take some time off uh, and spend with my family at home, so I wasn't watching too much RC. But it looks like a great event. Uh. Last year, I know it was a little bit too much entrance. It was plagued with also having a curfew at Thunder Alley and people weren't happy. But it seems like everybody that I've talked to have come off happy about this. And that's good. So great event to, for TNR and Chris. Good to see him out there doing this again. I'm happy for him. And um, it sounds like, I, don't, I know, they, they gave away a lot of stuff. And yeah, so congratulations, Rivkin. I mean, it's a good good warm-up race for the for the DNC coming up here in March, I would say, as well. So <clears throat> oh, yeah, they, run, they run a lot of mains because they had so many classes, so then they all got like a 45-minute main. Yeah, it was a lot of runtime at this race. A lot of runtime. Not on to Frankie Contreras. It's gonna be interesting to see what Contreras does at DNC because this is like his home track, right? So yeah. I still want to see Contreras leave and go to different races, though. I definitely want to see him do that. Um, yeah, I hope that happens at some point. Can so, we watch the buggy start? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, actually, let me see. Do you know what race it is? Uh, you can click from the notes. I put it there. Okay. Uh, oh, Max is all fancy. He said I can click from the notes. Okay. Uh, buggy start live stream. Yeah, you just click that and you go. Ooh, fancy, fancy, Maxi. We're improving things here at the NNRC. Hopefully it works. Okay, hold on for a second. I do have it here. Let's, something about this start you must want to talk about then. I want to see I want to see if there's chaos. All right, so let me just rewind it a little bit. 
So here's the start of the Pro Buggy A final. Oh, hold on. There we go. Everybody's getting warmed up. If you are listening to this on the the YouTube channel, please, I mean, sorry, on audio only, please go over and check it out. I'll go forward a little I bit. Think, I think it's interesting uh, how, like, sometimes Ripken's really good. Like, this race, he just went over and won. And then some races, he's well, struggling. Well, from what I heard, from what I heard, that the, so this is what I'm heard. I'm not going to say where I heard it from. But I heard they're just really thrashing on that new car, trying to get it working. That's interesting. That's really interesting. So something I'm not happy with. Yeah, but I think it's been clear for since they released the B4 that his results have significantly dropped. Yeah, but didn't they just release a new car? Yeah, but it, it's pretty much the same car that was running okay. at the end of last year. So, All right. so I think, I think he's of- had issues for a while. Here's what they started, a 45-minute Pro A, Pro A main, Pro Buggy A main. They started in that bar. So that's that's the berm that Greg was talking about. It's Ryan Mayfield, Franklin Contreras, Spencer Rifkin, Ryan Lutz, Spencer Hackett, Adam Drake, Wiggins, Lime, Ogden, Cavallari, Fenster, Pavidas, Arandondo, Spinrad, Jermaine, and Steve Harris. So some sparkly sparkles here because Cav and, uh, Mayf- uh, and Pavidas are running his sparkle. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting now that they have it here because this is like a literal warm up for all those guys who are going to DNC. Oh, and by the way, just today, uh, David Ronafark released his uh, schedule, mm-hmm. and he'll be going to DNC. Oh, I know that. I know it's going yeah. to DNC. It's going to Montpellier first. Yeah, so Montpellier here's the part. It's actually pretty good. Yeah, that was a good start. There's Contreras right behind him. And Rivkin, not too far back. So Mayfield's up front. Ooh, this track's pretty big. Yeah. That jump was incredibly big. You know who I heard was really faster than her? Your dad, Bartholomew Baker. Yeah, didn't he win like the Timmy T buggy or whatever? What's that called? Probably. I don't know about uh oh, that's oh Mayfield checked oh, up. Oh, <laughs> Oh, okay. All right. So this these three kind of bro- I have not watched this. I probably should. Oh my god. Yeah. Somebody I, messed up back there. That was that was Contreras. He looks like he, somebody made Contreras was drawing it the third now. So it's Rivkin and and Mayfield pulling out. Yeah, this is a crazy layer. But why didn't why didn't uh, Joey make that track if, if if this is at his place? I don't know. Maybe they wanted Restagard to build it. I don't know. I don't know. Is there is there like uh, people think in the West Coast Westergaard's no better than Joey? Um, that, I remember like ten years ago, it was like Joey's the only guy who can build tracks in America. You know? Well, I mean, there's a definitely a different style of track between both of them. Yeah. Like whereas Westergaard's more super crossy, bigger jumps, and Joey has, has more like he likes his six packs and all that stuff. I don't know why he built it. Or not, not, I'm not sure. So, not, I'm not sure at all. But yeah, I'm, yeah, track, I, I don't think it's gonna be. The track. Ooh, dang. <laughs> I thought, I thought, because I, I, I watched the start and had before, and it was quite wild, but I kind of forgot all this. Like, it looks funny to me, like how chaotic it is at times. 
<laughs> well, Rifkin and, and Mayfield are, are pulling away. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, the track, I don't know. I kind of, when I looked at it, the track, I I feel the tracks like this, It's it looks too difficult to race on, you know? That's All my right. stance on this. It, it does look like that jump out there looks very. I, I would not want to be jumping that jump way out there. But, I mean, it, it is what it is. So yeah. I see Cavallari got a top five. Great debut for the Sparkly Sparko. Lots in a third. Uh, Pavita's got a sixth. Ogden a seventh. Contreras ended up eighth. Kevin Line ninth. Drake tenth. Jermaine in eleventh. Heckert all the way down in thirteenth. Hmm, interesting. Interesting stuff. All right. Let's move on to the next big race that we had. Uh, everybody wants to talk about it. And uh, that was the Southern Indoor Championships held at Octagaville, uh, uh, Alabama. My first time going to this race ever. Uh, it's uh, indoor. It's the first race time event. It is in an in- indoor building. It's it's probably one of the smaller. Uh, it's not that small. It's about the size of AMS, I would say. Maybe a little bit bigger than AMS. I think AMS is the smallest one. It's literally out in the field. We got calls around you. You wake up, you're like you have calls as your alarm clock. Um, so we headed off there. We ended up leaving. Uh, we came home from the Beast of the East. Danny and I spent a night at Lance's, and then Tuesday we was on the road again, and we were beat. So we got to SIC. Uh, we had a lot set up, a lot of stuff over there. Uh, I was. It was also it was also testing out where I was going to be pitting. Like I was calling the race, and I was sharing a tent with Gene and Patrick, and they were racing. Uh, Bobby was do, Bobby was like fully in charge because like Dave is he did he wasn't there. Dave was uh, at he's he let Bobby take charge of this. It was Bobby and Jacob and those guys who did 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 all the work there for this weekend. And Dave Dave kind of stayed home. He's going to be at PMB. Uh, so we got there. This was a lot of excitement because this was going to be, this is like the official kickoff of the eight scale season, I would say in America. So all the big names are there except for Cavallari, uh, like Cavallari, the Cavallari, Aiden Horn, Pavitas, Rivkin, right? They were all at the dirt testing. So this race was held from the, let's go back up here. It was the 11th to 14th. It was in Octagonville, you have Coleman. Coleman is where AMS is. Uh, so lots of lots of hype going into this. Coleman is actually farther away than this. So it's a lot longer drive. So there's lots I, of I hype. Up again. <laughs> you messed up, Lance. Um, you, Lance, I mean, you messed up, man. Lance, I got upset that I called you Lance. Um, you messed up, Maxie. What does it say again. on Live RC? It says again, it's Coleman, Alabama. No, oh. it's Octagonville, Alabama. Coleman is where uh AMS. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, huh. Well, it is what it is. <laughs> um, so lots of hype going into this because obviously we have lots of new people on their new new rides. The the I think all eyes were probably on the Fuller brothers who came in here uh, on their new S Works rides. Brand new cars never even hit the track with them, so they were kind of on the back foot from the very beginning. Uh Brandon Rose on his new uh, J Concepts tires, but also coming in her on the S Works tire uh, on the S Works chassis. His second year going into that. Let's bring up some results here. So 
this was an exciting race. Like I literally was, I don't know, but like during the mains and qualifying, it was exciting in all classes, dude. I was freaking yeah. the fuck out. Like freaking out qualifying over this. Was, qualifying was crazy because qualifying was awesome. Yeah. Tyler so Jones, TQ. What? TQ'd I was Rounds. so shocked. Shocked. He TQ'd uh he TQ'd the second round of qualifying from the B sort of buggy. Yeah. Yeah. Like dominated that shit. Yeah. I was just like, I was literally like, if you're gonna pick my jaw off of the ground, I was like, like that, and then I remember when we got to the trailer, Lance was like, "I told you he was gonna be fast," and, da, 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 and I couldn't even say nothing. I was just like, "Yeah." And then um, Brandon Rose came second in Q three, from as well, and Tyler Jones, who I thought was gonna have the best run, he ended up third overall for that run too, yeah. in Nitro Buggy. So it was like, "Wow, is Tyler Jones gonna get that second big win?" And if that would have happened, oh my god, the sales of Sparkle would have been insane. I think right yeah. now. Yeah, um, yeah. they're already a bit crazy. Uh, but let's yeah, you know, let's go look at qualifying her real quick in IC buggy. For those of you that don't know what IC means, we'll tell you later. But yeah. IC, aka nitro buggy. Let's look at race results, qualifying Q qual points in nitro buggy. So Fend actually took the TQ in this. He had a zero, a five, and he ended up TQing the last round just barely. Uh, Tyler Jones would be second. Ryan Mayfield would be third. Even though Ryan Mayfield didn't have, he didn't have a win. He had a three and a two. Brandon Rose was fourth. Lee Setzer, who was also impressive, who TQ'd E-Buggy overall, dominating guys, was in fifth. Jared Wiggins in sixth. I didn't even realize that. Bornhorse in seventh. Mason Fuller eighth. Spencer Heckard on his new ride in ninth. Camden Lime, Cole Caston, Adam Drake, Ryan Lutz, Joey Burdon. My pick who I thought was going to do really well. Jonah Wilson was a 15th and little bump was in 16th and co-Ogden 17th. There, there was only 21 pro guys, Caden Fuller, Cade Burnett, David Olson. Cade Burnett actually drove very well too. He drove very well to bump up to the A main in, um, in his, both his bumps in pro E buggy. Lee Setzer, uh, he took it with a zero and a two followed by Mayfield fan Rose, Bornhorst, Lutz, Wilson, little bump, Joey Bernon, Cole, Carson, Tyler Jones, and in Pro Truggy was Mayfield who took the TQ of that. Camden Lime, who was fucking fast. Like, geez, yeah. I thought he was going to TQ. I don't know why. And he's he's done this before in Truggy, too. He's taken big, you know, top fives and big events in Truggy. I don't know what it is, but he's really solid. He's really in good in Truggy. Really good in Truggy. Camden Lime, Dakota fan, Bornhorse. Bornhorse had a solid weekend of qualifying. Cole Ogden, Little Bump, Joey Burdon. Little Bump on that new Kyosho ride as well. Jared Wiggins, Ryan Lutz, Lee Satzer, Adam Drake, Mason Fuller, Jonah Wilson, Heckert, Rose, Caston, Burnett. All right, so let's get down to the nitty-gritty of all of this, and let's put up the... Should we start with e-buggy? Yeah, we can start on e-buggy. Go ahead. You take the... Uh, you take it as okay. I bring up the video. You can put the, you can put the, yeah, the video up. So I think e-buggy was kind of interesting because in the first main, it was... The system that um, the system that um, race time uses is that you count one out of two, and tiebreaker is time, not combined time, just time, I believe. Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening was in the first main, you know, Fend um, won from third on the grid. Mason Fuller 
came second from 14th on the grid, okay? <laughs> and then, you know, Lee Setzer, he started on pole, didn't go that well. Mayfield dropped from second to a third. And then Brandon Rose was fourth in the first one. So right here, it was like, okay, Fence got it. He won by oh, almost 10 seconds in the first night. For the second main, it was interesting because it looked like Fenn was going to win it. Mayfield just came out there and waffle stomped everybody. Yeah, Mayfield came out the gates for A2, took the lead in the beginning, and started just pulling away. He Dude, won. It was impressive. He won, and he beat Fenn's A1 time by three seconds and beat Fenn in A2 by six seconds. It wasn't like, oh, there was carnage or whatever. He just came out took the lead, ran away with it. Dude, he... Pure domination. He put on such a clinic. So we saw... We went out to, we went out to dinner later on that night. And Mayfield came by and he was... And, you know, he, he, he said, yeah, you know, you win some, you lose some. He gives all the props to Brandon. And he said, I wish I would have... He goes, I made some changes to my e-buggy that I should have done to my nitro buggy. Yeah. I was like, dude, you were flying in the e-buggies. Yep, I wish I would have made those changes to... My nitro buggy, it would have been a different story because my e-buggy was so good. Uh, yeah. And if you're, we're watching the e-buggy start now. There's Lee Setzer in that aqua and yellow. There's uh, Mayfield and and Fen. They kind of pull out. This is a one, but dude, he put on a freaking clinic. But I gotta give Lee Setzer his props, right? So I did talk to Lee at Beast of the East, and he says his goal, his focus this year is going to be primarily on eight scale, right? He is kind of like a full pro now. Um, I believe associated is paying him something. He's getting, you know, his job is to be a professional RC car racer as well as probably work at adrenaline. So he's going at it full, full, full bore. It was very good of him to TQ this. I wanted him to win it. He made some mistakes, but man, I will tell you anywhere. Nobody beaten Mayfield in that A2 because man, yeah. he came out there to prove a point. Cause I think you'd be a little bit mad at his performance in nitro buggy. He made a lot of mistakes. You see him making a mistake there in e-buggy. But uh, yeah, this is a one. So this is where Mayfield was still a bit struggling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this track got rough, man. I tell you right here, like yeah. coming onto this, this dragon's back back here that was so blown out. I saw people make so many mistakes, and then going on through Nuketown Valley right here, dude. That's where that's where Brandon Rose was making up so much time. He was able to go through there so fast. Speaking of Rose, there he is right there. But uh, yeah, Dakota fan takes a one and uh. And then yeah. Mayfield just yeah. utterly dominates, yeah. right? Yeah, utterly. I think, and I think, yeah, now they go into the final results. So, because Mayfield won the second, uh, won, had a win in the second main and also beat Fenn's time, he wins. Fenn comes second with his other win. And Mason Fuller, from 14th on the grid, thanks to his second place in the first main, he finishes on the podium in third. And mm -hmm. another driver who came way down the pack fee, uh, Lil Bump, came from eighth to third in the second main and put him fourth on the on the grid. And then Brandon Rose with his fourth in A1 uh, put his, uh, competed with top five. And yeah, another driver, 11th on the grid, finished fourth in A2, Tyler Jones, sixth yep. overall. Yep. Yep. And then from there, it was Ryan Lutz, Joe Bohurst, Lee Setz ended up all the way down in ninth at the end. Cole Caston 10th, uh, Jonah Wilson um, 11th, and then was Joey Bordon still in the A? Yeah, all of these guys were in A. Everyone in the A, right? 
So yeah, Joey Bordeon uh, in 12th and then Jared Wick in 13th. Yep. Hecker, Lime, Fuller and Burnett were all in both. Do you, see, do you see Lee making a mistake? Just wanted to give, being as speaking of e-buggy, just wanted to give a shout out to the top five and intermediate e-buggy. It was Dalton Babo who was freaking fast. He's from Wisconsin. He made the trip down. My good friend Patricio Rossiter. Uh, Wyatt Lawson, Michael Rinky, and Ada Ridgeway, a young racer that's coming up. It was very good. He's a, he's a good e-buggy racer as well. And then in Sportsman e-buggy, we had Orion Green. So this this is one of the guys who people were talking about because he's sponsored by Mugen. Josh Fine, who's a longtime TLR guy. Well, he was at, actually at BCDs. Brandon Campbell, Randall Cart, and Derek Parsley. Jake, my buddy Jake Lasko was driving his new Mugen. He came thick, so that's good. All righty then. Uh, great e-buggy racing. It was, ooh, man. That, I, if, if you listen to my commentary, I was like, I don't know how this. Like, I was just freaking out on this. Yeah. Uh, they smacked up pretty hard there. All right. Should we then go to Truggy? Let's go to Truggy. You start on Truggy, your favorite class in the world, while I no, but bring up the video. <laughs> I should roast Truggy. I roasted Truggy already this podcast, but it's so long ago because we've been recording for yeah, this the is our second, second recording session. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Um, Chogi main, I have to say the last five minutes were a freaking nail biter. My God, we was watching it like uh, after the race happened. I was watching it and like my girlfriend was next to me. Even she was like pumped to watch it because. Really? Yeah, she was like, oh shit. Like, because it was a, such a tight race. Like last, from the last pitch stop, um, all the way to the, like, all the way to the finish line, pretty much, it was a fight because what happened was, you know, Fend was um, Fend was in the lead, but he was the last driver to pit. So May, before the pit, Mayfield kind of seemed, before Mayfield made his last stop, it seemed like he was, yeah, he was solid in for the lead. But then Fend put out, like, uh, a few good laps, and then from there on, um, he came into the pits, came out of the pits right in front of Camden Lyme because it was Mayfield who made a mistake. And from there on out, like the last, I'd say five minutes, what a battle. Camden oh, Lyme takes the lead after a fence mistake. And that was a nail biter. That was really freaking tight. Dude, I lost my voice on that. I was just good nuts. Yeah. It was so good. I, I wanted Camden to win that so bad. Um yeah. and yeah, but Fenn out there won it. And good driving by him, but man, what an epic battle between him yeah. and uh and Camden Lime. And oh man, it was it was it was so like I was so excited about at this race, like I don't know, like, I'm just shouting into the mic and freaking out and doing all this stuff. I'm sorry, people. I get passionate when I see good racing. I don't care what class it is so, yeah. or what, what rank it is. So, uh, well done to Dakota Fend. It was a good run by him. He did well. Uh, but well done to Camden Limon Lime. And uh, yeah. did really well out there. Let's bring up some results. Who won that, actually? Let's yeah. have a look. Yeah, so... For the nitro buggy main, yeah, it was fan uh, nitro truggy, yeah, fan and lime Mayfield little bump, another solid top five. A little yeah. bump, Hackett. yeah, Hackett doing well. A top six for Joe Bornhorse, Mason Fuller in seventh, Ryan Lutz eighth, Cole Caston ninth, 
Joey Bruno 9th, Brandon Rose 11th, Cole Ogden 12th, Adam Drake, Jonah Wilson, Kate Burnett, Jared Wiggins, and Lee Sets are rounding off your uh, top seven. It was 17 cars, but here we can see there's Mayfield and Camden Lime going out to, I think that's Lime. Yeah, Lime is in second. Yeah, it's him and Lutz's uh, paint job. They get like so confusing. Yeah, it's really easy. Trucks were the best for this track because it got really rough out there and they were able yeah. to go through that that dragon's back, no problem. And it was like coming up to that straighter. It was a deep carnivorous hole there that would swallow cars up. So uh and then I think not this jump, but the next jump, the next big jump, that hole. This jump coming here caused a lot of people problem. Very easy to do, but you can see right there it's a big divot going out of there. And yeah. then, yeah, it was just rough going through that section uh, all the time over on that side. All right. So other race results from Truggy. Let's go through real quick. Um, intermediate. I, while I'm going through this, Intermediate Nitro Truggy Amen. Cody Ingram was up there. He won Dalton, Dalton Balboa. This was a good race too. Dalton Balboa lost by eight tenths of a second. That's this was a good race between Cody and Dalton. Uh Wade Pickett, Mike Leggy, and then Ryan Daze, Timothy Hobbs, Jake Stolsing, Benny Comaria. Benny Comarian's 10. He did really well. Um, so well done. That was a great battle between Dalton and Cody Ingram. And then in Sportsman Nitro Truck, it was Alex Cummings, Josh Fine, Brad Bowman, Ronald Kimball, and Matt Jones. So well done to those guys as well. And now we're going to go to what all, all that we care about in this. The glory. The glory. The only class that matters. Mistake, according yeah. to my good buddy, who made those? Did you see those uh, quotes with my face in this? Yeah, that was fun. That was done by the Mullet Prince, LW4, Larry Wright the Fourth. He's a young up and coming racer. He's from Wisconsin. I met him at PNB. Great young. He is the king of mullet. He is the prince of mullet. He has this luxurious curly mullet that would make anybody from the 80s extremely jealous. His uh, mentor is Jerry Klingbell. Klingbell, is, and him and I become good friends over the last year. But great young man. And he goes, Lefty, I made these quotes for you. And it was like, Nitro's glory. Make no mistake, everybody. You guys, we can talk about Truggy, we can talk about E-Buggy, we can talk about all that stuff. But the most prestigious and glorious title of them all is Pro Nitro Buggy. So, after all this exciting racing, I will tell you something. There was like something in the air. Not just dust and nitro smoke. But there was something in the air, like something big was going to happen at this race, right? I could feel it. Now, I don't know. I'm like, who? what's it going to be? Are we going to see Dakota Fan, the domination by Dakota Fan and Ryan Mayfield be obliterated? Yeah. Finally. Not, you know, the only person to mess that up has been Ty Tasman, who's now retired. Yeah. Right? So I'm like, what is going to happen here? But you can feel it in the air. There was definitely some excitement. Uh, you know, but I yeah, did by not. The way, I wanna, just just to put this up, but to this could kind of like hype up the what's going was going to talk about next. I don't think that anyone has beat. If there has been a race where there has been both Ryan Mayfield and Dakota Fend in eight scale, I don't think anyone has won a race where there's been both. Dakota Fend 
and Ryan Mayfield. Anyone but those two at the race, I don't think anyone else has beat them. I don't really believe so. In Nitro Buggy. So, except for now at SIC. You, the only person to beat them. Yeah. Yeah. You are correct, but nobody else has beat them. And it's been two and a half years of this. Yeah. yeah. Right? So, you know, like people were excited. Uh oh, hold on. I messed up her. Uh, people were excited. I was excited. And I'll tell you what, let's, let's just, let's just play the freaking video, right? Because it was, it, uh, I don't know. Did I think it was going to be Brandon Rose? I did say in the camper that I thought Brandon Rose was going to be good. Let me just fast forward a little bit here. Especially being on, you know, on his new tire deal with J Concepts. There's Mr. Rose right there, Dwayne Rose down there, pitting Brandon. Brandon's starting in third. Tyler Jones, you know, we're excited. Tyler Jones is out there, TQ and Rons and all this type of stuff. So lots of excitement going on right now. Uh, Mason Fuller and those guys, at to this point, they were just like, mm, kind of like a meh. You know what I mean? On the new cars, we wasn't sure what was going to happen. Anyway, here's the start of the Pro Nitro Buggy Man. You can go to Race Time Entertainment to watch the full main if you want on their live stream. But they break off to this, and then, uh, uh, look, we see Fend, Mayfield, and then I think that's Jones right behind him, and there's Lee Setzer, actually, and there's Brandon Rose kind of just back. So I start yeah. watching this, and I'm like, oh, no, it's going to happen. We're going to see these guys break away, and it's going to be the Fend, Mayfield show to the end, right? Because something about Tyler Jones just isn't, isn't got me confident at this moment. Yeah, yeah, I think Tyler, he's he's got it, but he doesn't have like the. He makes that mistake. Yeah. He makes that mistake right there. Sorry, in the second lap. Or was that Fend? No, that was uh, that was Tyler. No, that, Jones. that was Jones. Yeah, but yeah, I yeah, think yeah. yeah, like you said, like Tyler is fast. He's right up there, but he hasn't really crossed that edge yet. He's he's back. I think he's back to be considered. Like he can be a pro again because for the past two years, we'd be like, yeah, I don't think Jones got it. Like he has to really pull himself up. He's mm -hmm. done it now to that level, but mm -hmm. the yeah. next step, he's still missing it, I think. But yeah, let's, let's continue because now he crashed and now it's our last remaining three, our TQ, Fend, um, Ryan Mayfield, who started in third and then Brandon Rose who started in fourth. He's now in third. So All right. Those three. Right. Go ahead. Go ahead. So they're kind of spaced out. Fenn's kind of, I'm looking at Fenn and I'm thinking, oh no, he it's going to be like that. And I see Mayfield, then I see a glimmer of hope, that green S-Works from Texas. Just like in the corner of my eye and I'm like, this is when I see and I'm calling this race and I'm like, oh my goodness, Brandon Rose is coming. He is on the move. These guys are in trouble. Oh, Mayfield makes that mistake and then Brandon Rose gets up right behind and I'm like, is it is it fate? Is it going to happen? This is like one minute into the race, and I'm already thinking of glorious things happening there. But yeah. this is when I see. So that's not the line because he made a mistake. But just let's just watch Brandon Rose as he goes around this this track, and I'll show you where he's making up time. So there's Fenn. He looks comfortable. They have to go on the inside of that jump because it's a big divot right there. Yeah. So I'm like, all right. What has to happen is Mayfield. Brandon Rose cannot let these guys 
get away. He needs to latch on to the rear wing of these guys and just hang on behind them and not get them away. Brandon Rose was able to make up so much time through that dragon's back and come and not. Did you see that? Did you see how fast he went through that Nukton yeah. Valley? He didn't even check up on the brakes. He just went so close to that pipe and zipped yeah. on there. And look at him. Look where he is now because Fenn made a mistake. So now Mayfield's on in front of him. And then this is it. This is just like when I am just like going insanely nuts on her, trying to control myself, right? Trying to. Yeah. So I couldn't see yeah. that. So what you guys are watching on the television is actually what I'm. I'm not looking. So for people don't know, I really am looking at the track. I am looking at a screen. So I didn't know what happened to Fen, but I, Danny yeah. would tell me in the back or the cameraman, but like Fen made a mistake. This is when it was like, all right, I think Fen's done, and I think that it's gonna be. Mayfield and Rose, right? Yeah. But man, I, I'm Mayfield. Uh, there's Fenn making another mistake. Yeah, Fenn and made like three laps in a row. He made a mistake and he went from having a solid one to two second lead to being one to two seconds back from Rose. And he was in third now. So I think Fenn kind of, you know, when you start from pole and you get a good start. Then the, the first few minutes is easy because you think, oh, you just you just run, you just got it. But then when the other guys behind you starts closing in, you realize that, oh, maybe I don't get it. And you just start overdriving. I've had this happen to me many times. And then you have to just take a step back and be like, okay, if I have the speed, I have the speed and you just need to collect it. But yeah, at this point, it's like, it's crazy because it looks like, oh, Mayfield's in the lead. You know what Mayfield usually does what's in the lead. But he stumbles, he crashes a bit, and that's when, you know, Brandon Rose, he just takes the lead and runs away with it. I think Mayfield gets by him for a little bit here, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah I think... Okay, so Mayfield makes that mistake in Nukton Valley. Yeah. And then they get... And that's when Brandon goes by, and this is when I'm freaking out. And then I think Brandon makes a mistake. Yeah. Uh, we'll follow it to that. Uh, but, man... Yeah. He made Brandon made a mistake there yeah, too. Brandon, 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 Brandon makes this yeah. mistake right here. Yeah, Brandon jumped inside of the pipe on the right hand side, but he was still second. He was still good. And I think all over this beginning, Brandon has looked like he's he's just going. Like both Mayfield and Fenn, they they look to be reserved. They don't really drive fully. Brandon has his line. He's doing his line, and he's like going fast all the time. And I think. I don't know if it's this lap or the next lap, but yeah, Ryan makes a mistake at the end of the... Uh, yeah, we'll get to straight. that. We'll get to that. Yeah. But Let me fast forward. I don't think I don't think Brandon ever looks back after that. I think it's... Brandon gets really close to Ryan. Ryan kind of checks up. And yeah, he, it's a lap after this, but yeah, I, I at this point, I was like, okay... Brandon's got a huge lead, you know? I think now is where we have on the video where Ryan crashes. No, it's still more. But, okay, this lap? <laughs> yeah, we, we are like, we, I can't remember which lap it was. I think it's this one. Yeah, they, they yeah! was making their way. Yeah. They was making their way through back markers. It looked like Ryan made it through. Brandon was right behind him. And then at the end of the straightaway, just clips a bump, falls, flips over. And now it's a big lead. Now it's like three seconds at the minimum, even more maybe. And I think at this point, I if I I wasn't watching this live, 
but I remember watching this after and was like, okay, yeah, this is the point where Brandon doesn't need to look back. And I think at the end of the main, he ends up winning by half a lap. He ends up winning by half a lap over Fend. Mayfield, you know, you saw all those mistakes he was making before, but he kept making those mistakes all throughout the main, and he dropped all the way down to fourth. And it was, again, actually Mason Fuller coming from eighth to finish on the podium in third. That was impressive. That was impressive for both Mason and Brandon. And one of the most interesting factors was the top five average of Brandon Rose. So this is the average of the five fastest laps that Brandon made in the main is better than any other driver's best lap. Mm. So just to tell you, like, so if you think 45 minutes of a main, each nine minutes, Brandon made a faster lap than anyone made during the whole main. And even when you look at top 15, only Fend has a faster best lap than the 15 best laps of Brandon Rose throughout the main. But that's Dude. already like third of every third lap, Brandon Rose made a faster lap than anyone but to go to Fend throughout the whole main. Just, Dude, people were like, so happy. People, yeah. the, the whole stadium was just run up and like, yeah, and like clapping for Brandon yeah. Rose. Dude. And the thing, the thing here is it's not, you know, it's not the performance where everyone else didn't do well, you know? It's not like one of those, oh, mm-hmm. everyone flamed out and this kind of winning. No, he went out there. He yeah. catched them in the beginning. He took the lead. He never looked back and absolutely smoked the whole freaking field. He kicked fucking ass and took names. Yeah. And I think looking at last year and having now, you know, in hindsight, looking at last year, him running hot race, still making podiums at these race time East Coast events. I think I think we can safely say that he could have probably made a performance like this last year if he wasn't Street Concepts. I think he had it in him. If he had that confidence in a main like this, I think he could have made it last year. And I think this, like, confident of a performance and this, like, dominant of a performance in a main, I'd be a little scared if I was Fend or Mayfield or even Fuller of what Brandon could be capable of in the following race time events. Because this performance is just insane. I, I, I don't know if, if like what we should consider Brandon's like performance in like DNC West Coast events, but on tracks like this where he can run the J Concept Robert to its full extent, where he has this confidence with, which he has had over already last year. He made a lot of podiums. He's He's established himself, I think, as the one of the top guys in America currently. Yeah, and I, I love I'll this. tell you what. Rose <laughs> time. That was awesome. Rose that time, was a great, yeah. Yeah. Great, great uh tribute to him. Um when he won this, I was so excited. Uh, everybody was excited. And I went up and I saw his dad, like his dad was coming there. And he's like, guys, when we finally got one lefty, I was like, We've been we've been trying to get that for a long time. I said, I know, man. Congratulations. And he saw Brandon Rose now. Brandon, you know, Brandon Rose's dad is Big man. He's taller than me. He's a big, solid man. And Brandon saw us there, put his radio down, and just dove right into him and hugged him. And it was such a passion, amazing thing to see. And I was just like, I was like, oh my goodness, we are going to have a very good season of RC racing at 180. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I um, think like to me, oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead, dude. Go ahead. Yeah. I think to me, like the what makes me so pumped about this is because I don't think this is a fluke. I don't really think this is like a one-time thing. I think like he just made himself like a top competitor with this result. And I think, you know, he's been an underdog in some sense in the RC scene for quite a bit, you know, like he was with the Gamma and then he made an S-Works, maybe got better results, you know. He always showed speed, but a lot of times he was like in the B main, just gonna bump up to A, maybe he was at the back of the A main and had a flame out or something. But in the, let's say last year, year and a half, the step up he's been able to make, you know, we always talk about the plateau. He's gotten over the plateau and he and, and above and beyond, you know? Yeah, I would say so. Now, did I think he was going to be the first one to do this? I thought Mason Fuller was going to be the first one yeah. to do this. Same. But I, I will say this. Um, man, I'm so I was so pumped for Brandon. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. And don't get so me wrong, pumped. Mason, Mason. First race with S-Works, never driven the car Nerd. before, as I understood. Nerd. And started 14th in buggy, finished the third. Started eighth in Nitro buggy, finished third. It's not like Mason couldn't do this at the next race, you know? Exactly. And Tyler Jones on the fifth. Yeah, Tyler Jones too. Yeah, is around, yeah. around, finishes fifth, like starts second. You know yeah, who else yeah. had a, a solid weekend? I have to say, Little Bump had a solid weekend on his oh, new run. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy when we hype hype about these guys, but Little Bump had, you know, he had a fourth, a fourth, and a seventh, seventh in Nitro buggy. And it's, it's not like he lost to, you know, like after Tyler Jones, it was Ryan Lutz and then Fee, Joe Bornhorst in eighth, and like Joey Bourdon, Adam Drake, Spencer Hackett, Cola, Caston, Lee Setcher, Jonah Wilson, Kate Burden these guys in the main, but you know, we are going to have an exciting year in America. And I think, you know, we always get these questions like what's, what's wrong with America in Europe. There seems to be so many fast young guys. Well, welcome to 2024. You know, there is a ton of the fast guys that are young in America and it's going to be exciting for them. You know, even the world's this year, like we could be seeing some interesting Interesting results because for Ongaro, you remember 2016, he was still a rather unknown name. You know, he's made the Euros made twice before that. He comes to the Worlds, fights with Tessman and Robert Batter for a podium. Unfortunately, hits the, you know, the pit wall. But Ongaro could have made a podium that year. And he was a total unknown, not even close to being a full-time pro at that time. And I think from these Americans we could see that level of a performance at the Worlds. It's going to be an unknown to everyone, and I think that's what gives them a little bit of an edge, especially someone like Rose, which I feel is like a very, you know, how would I say? He's a very, you know, feeling driver, I think. He's not one of those guys that, like, meticulously, you know, does... Well, I think they're going to have a ticker tape parade in Texas for him. I think so, yeah, I think so, too. Um, but on a serious note, on a serious note, it was absolutely amazing to not that I, I, I don't think that Ryan Mayfield and Dakota fan have not deserved their wins, but we keep saying, like you said, when is one of these drivers gonna get over that plateau? When is one of these drivers gonna get over that plateau? 
Or he did it. And next to next to come is that other guy next to him in that red hoodie, the Iceman, who just celebrated a birthday, by the way. And I'll tell you what, Jones, if he can put in a few more runs like this, he is going to start living up to what we all thought he could be, right? You know, I he took so. that took that win at PMB. He's been on the struggle bus a little bit, you know, ever since then. And this is probably his one of his best performances we've seen in a long time. So congratulations to him. I'm very excited about this week, this upcoming year. I'm excited for PMB. I'm not sorry. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited for PMB. I'm excited for DNC. But uh, it's it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. It's gonna yeah. be good. And also, I wanna like say again that like about Tyler Jones. I don't think he's incapable of winning, but I think like he's still working, getting used to actually being this fast. I think, and I it's not like any like any driver like wouldn't be. It's it's like perfectly normal, but actually winning a forty-five minute main against people are uh, against people that are the, one of the fastest in the world and uh, don't have the routine for it. It's not easy. So you have to like you have to be like in that mindset that hey, I'm fast. Like I don't have to think if I'm fast, which I I I would expect him to do after like a really, you know, I, I can say lackluster few years. But I think he's back and now it's just about, you know, building building on that feeling. And yeah, I think he's gonna be like for him and for Sparko, that was like a dream. I think for both, it has worked out so good. And I'm excited to see what's going to happen. All right. So another thing I want to bring up about this, Max, is, okay, so S-Works. We see them have success over in Europe last year with uh, JC3. Boots obviously having a good year as well. They're European champions. They get their first big Nitro buggy win over in America. I think it's safe to say that if you look back a few years ago, Jakey would say that S-Works was a soulless company. Company. Well, I think they have that soul. I think they're doing very well on both both sides of the biggest market. And does this win legitimize S-Works like in America now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Okay. I think, I th- but I think JQ wouldn't be wrong if he said SOX doesn't have a soul two years ago, because it didn't, we have to be mm-hmm. honest, it really didn't, but they have successfully built the brand one. They have done it and they have done it successfully. Be different people involved with the brand, be the drivers, uh, both in the European and American ends. They have successfully built the brand uh, soul and I think they've done it well. And yeah, Boots won with an S-Works in Silver State, what was it four years ago? Mm-hmm. All right, so this is no, sorry, their second big win in America, but yeah, it's first a first big American. win that actually significantly set up in America. That's yeah, be and I think, I think, I think still with Barufala winning at Silver State last year with a techno, that does, in my opinion, much less for techno than Mayfield winning at DNC with techno. Because for American market, it makes more sense that American wins, you know. And I think this is sort of the first success story of the American end of S-Works, you know. I would agree with that. 
The I team management is American. The driver is American. The setup, everything is American. Everything's American. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's like, and you know, obviously, it's yeah, it's it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Congratulations to S-Works, uh, Max, Tim, Brent, everybody. I know they're putting in a lot of hard work for this. And a big shout-out to Brandon Rose. I'm going to get him on the podcast very shortly. And I know, big win for Texas. Best driver to come out of Texas, period. Yeah. period. And watch it, watch him. And I think it's going to be a very formidable year for S-Works yeah. in 2024. All right. So I know uh, we've talked about this before. We've babbled on about it before. I know we're talking about doing with Elite. RC Productions, but we are doing a virtual series this year, and we're only doing Nitro. I, I want to do a whole bunch of classes, but for now, we're just doing Nitro Buggy in both. Uh, well, we got Nitro Buggy Intermediate Pro, Intermediate, and Sportsman. Top 22. That's it, like Supercross. Actually, Mike Fuller helped me out with this. He did the points for me. Uh, Max, do you have them there that we can pull them up? Let's have a quick uh, look. The point system? Yeah. Do you have them where we can oh, okay. be sure them? Oh, uh, wait, just a sec. I'll bring them up. But you okay. can go through the intermediate results. All right, uh, so I will go through the intermediate results for uh, this. Yeah. Uh, so I would say this. So I met this gentleman and his crew uh, at the North Jordan, no, at the Art, at the Peach State Classic. And these is Chuck Berg and the guys, they come from, not from like the Midwest guys, right? But dude, these guys, they all run the same stuff. They run J Concepts tires, Mugen cars, with um, Drake engines that are like all oh, good friends of Drake's. These guys' packages are on my like Chuck Berg does 10 minute pit stops every race. He did them at Peach State, he did them at this race, and uh, he kicked ass, man. He um, and that guy, that kid Orion, he is a part of them too. Like, their whole crew is legitimate good drivers, like, and their packages. So, Chuck Berg, uh, he takes the win in intermediate nitro buggy, uh. And 10-minute pit stops, dude. That's what won him this race. Being able to hang back and just wait and then making it count. Cody Ingram in second was actually uh, Ryan Daze, Mike Leggy, Jake Stalsing, Dalton Balboa, who was fast, but unfortunately didn't uh, make it. Mike Leggy actually TQ'd this. Emerson Sturgeon, so that's um, that's another gentleman, young man that I met. Very nice young man. He is the son of uh, Alex Sturgeon, who runs the Hobbyplex. Omaha Hobbyplex up there. Very nice young man. First big first big race has been to. He had a good time. Uh, just a nice young man. Trent Walker and his new Rockstar Hobbies ride, which was a coyote show. He finished eighth. Jackson Anderson, Donna Elliott, Wyatt Lawson, Aiden Ridgeway, Lee Flowers, Chris Morant. Chris Morant was really fast. He just had a very bad uh, race. He didn't even finish. Kyle Nury, who was also fast, had issues. Garrett Martin and Colin Beaver, young Colin Beaver, didn't even make a start, but Chuck Berg and his crew check out no pro RC. That's the name of their one of the guys has a YouTube channel. Dude, these guys package is freaking dialed. They are dialed, 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 but all right. Uh, this isn't all fancy. This is just uh, some sheets that we got up. So this is our first race of the year. We're not sure who's going to be doing this. Is it going to be on an NNRC or elite, but it's a virtual series and we're going off supercross points. For this, and this is we're just doing pro nitro buggy, pro intermediate buggy, and sportsman nitro buggy for now. But with that, uh, Brandon Rose takes uh, the lead with 25 points, followed by Dakota Fan 26. Sorry, because he has a TQ. Oh, no, 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 26 is what you get in Supercross. So 26 for the win. So, yeah, these are 26 points. 
Uh, these are super cross points. So it's Royal. Oh, yeah. Royal... Fend, Fend gets the TQ point. That's why he has 23. Okay. So it's Fend. It's Rose, Fend, Fuller, Mayfield, Jones, Lutz, your top five. And that's our first, our first start to our virtual series this year. So only 22 people will join. And obviously, if you want to see the points for Intermediate Buggy, it's the finishing order of, of the top 22 of Intermediate Buggy and efficient finishing order of Sportsman Buggy if you want to watch see those as well. Max has on my pair. So it's obviously going to be Ronald Kimball, Christopher Craig, Jake Lasko, uh, Justin Andres, 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 I know I messed his name up, Jesse Davis, Weston Wilson, father of uh, Jonah Wilson. So I'm hoping that these these same people I know that so for the intermediate side of things we're not going to include DNC because it's going to be a different group of people that go out there but it's going to be for the intermediate and sports side it's going to be SIC PMB we're thinking of possibly doing like a uh, uh, North Georgia shootout because a lot of those same people will go there uh, Wicked Weekend AMS right maybe Peach State too. Maybe full bro if the same people go. But for the pro class, it's gonna be uh SIC, DNC, PMB, Silver State, Nationals, Wicked Weekend, and then probably AMS, because we know that they're all probably gonna go to those races. So we're following that. Obviously, we're a little bit more geeking geeking out on the pro class of things. And uh, but we want the we want to show some love to the intermediate and sportsman guys as well. You know what, Max? We are done talking about SIC. It was a great event, it was awesome. I had fun. Oh, so I might as well talk about the ICEP thing right now. This is fun. yeah, I think, but maybe maybe we talk about it in our new segment, right? Yeah, we can talk about that too in our new segment that I have no idea what we're talking about. All right, but okay. we'll talk about it. Uh, but yeah. how I see an EP triggered the RC Nation is coming up shortly. Uh, with that said, we're going to take a quick uh, commercial break uh, because you know what? I'm headed off to this race, and I hope you guys join me. I am going to the International Buggy Challenge race coming up in Easter of March, and then following that will be the World Cup, the IFMAR, IFRA, IFMAR World Cup for eBuggy, which will make it a world championship in 2025. I hope you guys join me. I'd love to see you there. I am looking forward to going back to Barcelona. And also a big shout out to Beach RC for their continued support in 2024. Thank you to Brent and uh, Brent at Beach RC for all their support. It is a true brick and mortar hobby shop. They do have the 10 scale Dirt Nationals this year, and um, they have their Palmetto Classic coming up as well here shortly, which will be the Dirt. Uh, there will be the Nationals warm up race. Uh, was watching Wheel and Trigger last night. It was funny. Go check out Wheel and Trigger as well. 
give them a like sub it's another rc podcast we, pr we promote all podcasts also we have an affiliate link for b2rc in the written description of this podcast if you guys can use that it helps us out a lot also big shout out to my good friend tony newland at clinic rc for all your titanium needs for your rc cars i see he just released a b7 kit as well so you can get fully pimped out, anodized, whatever color you want. Also uh, has race tech engines and many other products at clinicrc.com. If you do order anything from there, just let them know that Lefty sent you. It will great. We greatly appreciate that as well. Big shout out to Donovan RC Racing Products for all your charge leads as well. Charge leads, powering leads, all that type of stuff that you need. Check them out at uh, uh, the link is in the written description of this podcast. If you use the promo code Nitros of Glory, you will save 10% off your order. Uh, so greatly appreciate all those people coming on board and supporting the podcast. We can't do it without you. Excuse me. Uh, can't do it without you. And uh, we greatly appreciate it. So up next, upcoming races uh, in the next couple of weeks. Obviously, this weekend we have EOS round one, round two at dawn. Big names going to this. Like we said, Joe Bornholz going to this. Love to see that happening. Uh, he's in Austria testing out with, with the uh, Antonia, her family, Antonia's family. Uh, uh, we got Rana Fox going. You know, obviously, I was talking to Mika Wittemar. He's going, uh, you know, all the big guns in 10 scale racing are going. Yeah. Uh, Watch what uh, Angaro is going to be there. I wonder if JC3 is going to be there as well. Hmm. He did go to. I don't know. I don't really know if uh, Kanas is going, but yeah, for S Works, they always have a big team with uh, Widmeyer, Neumann, mm -hmm. uh, now Bornhorst even going over. And Associated is, yeah, B7, first big race in carpet uh, in Europe. And it's going to be the whole team. Uh, at least the top guys in the team have have gotten the new B7, and it's gonna be interesting to see what you know. Karup, uh, reigning European champion, Jona Hartanen, previous EOS winner, um, uh, European podium finisher, European champion TQ in tool drive, what he can do, and then obviously you know the whole brothers. Uh, they are Pecco is going to Pecco is going for Schumacher. He's a top five driver, I'd say, at some of the EOS races. Uh, then obviously Orlowski, competition. Lee Martin. I think to make the A main at this event, that's uh, that's already an achievement in itself. Yeah. There, I mean, there's going to be like high end uh, ten scale drivers in the B main for sure. Is Coelho sure. good? From what I know, Coelho is not going because he'll be at the Snowbirds. Oh, that's correct. That's correct. That's yeah. correct. Speaking of that. Snowbirds, this weekend, biggest race in onward coming up in Kissimmee, Florida. I was just listening to, if you want to know more about 10 scale and all that type of stuff, you can go listen to, I think it's episode 268 with Track Rats with Hefty and the Mangler. They were geeking out on 12 scale worlds. They'll be there. I was listening to their podcast. They had Mike Boylan on, who's the founder of this. Did you know that Mike Boylan is actually like makes his living? He's a big weatherman, like Facebook weatherman. He has like millions of subscribers on Facebook and YouTube. And every morning he does probably yeah, hurricane chasing, all this type of stuff. That's crazy. Yeah, they call him the drunk donkey. That's what he, <laughs> he pissed off. He pissed off like an actual weather, weather, like a TV weather service so bad. They call him a drunk donkey. The guy ended up getting fired for that. And he used that. He used that as a, he marketed that. But yeah, he was on there talking about the snowbirds. That's a race I was so tempted to stay in Florida to go to. I would have stayed for the 
race for Justin race, which happened this past weekend, which was a good race as well. They raised over $9,000 for Justin, who was in a bad accident. So congratulations to that. Lance and those guys were involved in that. I wish I would have said that that was at Newberry in Florida. Always good to see our Florida our RC community coming together to help people out. Uh, but I would have loved to have stayed for Snowbirds. Huge, huge race. Oval and on road and, and carpet on road. And that's all right. Coelho's going to be there. Hackberg's going to be there. This is like the race to be. So they went, all these guys went from ETS right over to there. I would have yeah, it's the same. What? It's the same place. Same same venue. No, 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 no. For Snowbirds. Oh, Don't. for Snowbirds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, yes. I, I, think Reinhard, I think Reinhard is going. Yeah. Uh, to Snowbirds. Orlowski yeah. ain't going. He's going to stay and do. Uh, yeah, Orlowski's going to stay. Yeah. Um, Coelho missed the ETS actually, so he I okay. think he was already last weekend there. Okay, yeah, I think Hackberg was there in was he? Yeah, the, the whole I think the most of the extra team was already in America. Okay, you know what? When we get to, to when we get to the podcast, remind me I have something a petition that we have to start for Hackberg. Just remind me about that. All right, uh, up next, up next, eight scale wise is the first round of the Asian Buggy Championships, February eighth to eleventh. Which is going to be held at the County's RC Club in. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. Pukekohe. Pukekohe, East New Zealand. I'm super pumped for all the New Zealand drivers. Ryan Lutz is going there. Um, you know, Scotty Yards, the whole broadcast team will be there. Uh, Kyle McBride's going to be there. So it's going to be a big, it's the first race of the Asian Buggy Championships. It's four rounds of it. That's coming yeah, up. We- yeah, they're going to, at least last year, they had really good coverage too. So it'll be interesting will, to follow will, the race. They will have a good coverage. I think that same weekend, we have the Montpellier GP, which is one yeah. of my favorite races to watch. This is a race I want to go. Like, I want to go call this race because this is one of the biggest races in Europe and it's always in French and nobody can understand it and it needs to be in English. Yeah. I want to be at this race to do commentary next year. It's always a race I wanted to go. First big race, yeah. Okay, Padova is a big race, but this is the first big race. This is like the start yeah, of yeah. eight scale season. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's always provided some great racing. Uh, pretty much all the top names are going there. That's being held at the mini Bolide Montpellier, France. We have the yeah. FTC race coming up February 23rd to 24th. That's Tony Schumacher's race at the Nitro Compound and Maricopa, Arizona humongous track. I already see a lot of the guys from TNR going there, like Rivkin, Mayfield, all those guys are going there to race that. That's coming up February 23rd to 25th, so good luck to them. Then we have the big, big Kahuna, the Dark Nitro Challenge, coming up March 13th to 17th at the Dark in Paris, California. Obviously, that's another huge race. Lots of Europeans go there and, and do and be a part of that. Psycho Nitro Blast, April 5th to 7th. Before Psycho Nitro Blast, we have the IBC that's coming up the weekend before that. I will not be at Psycho Nitro Blast. I will be at the 8-scale EP Buggy World Cup, which is happening in Guarda, Portugal. Now, for people that don't know, to in order for them to have a World Championship, they have to have a World Cup per IFMAR rules. So they're having this. The actual race will be held at uh, the B Buggy Arena in Barcelona next year for the E-Buggy Worlds. So looking forward to that. Two weeks in Portugal, two different destinations. Um, actually looking for that. It's funny though, my buddy from Sweden, uh, Timo, who I did work with, uh, work underground with in Ecuador, just messaged me. He's like, I have people looking for operators in, in Portugal. Can you? I said, well, I'm going to be in Portugal for two weeks. Well, can you go by the job site? I'm like, nope, can't. That life is done for me. No more Shark Creek work <laughs> for me. 
Um, and then obviously we have the Asian Buggy Championships round two coming up in Philippines, April 18th to 21st. We have uh, Silver State coming up in May. We have 10 scale nationals coming up in April. We have Florida RC Championships coming up in April. Right now, my tentative schedule is looking like <sighs> March and April is going to be busy. Let's just say that. Yeah. Busy. It's going to be possibly going to Palmetto Classic, Banquet, FRCC, FRCC Callahan, flying from there to Portugal, two weeks in Portugal, coming home for a week, going back to USA a week after. It's going to be busy, but I'm not complaining. I am not complaining. So lots of racing coming up. Lots of racing to follow over the next few months. We haven't even included any 10 scale racing in that. So, yeah, it should be good. Should be good. All righty, Maxie. Um, let's get up to our new hot race, hot top six, hot potato. Hot race is the one of the biggest tire manufacturers in the world. Uh, I just saw that Nicola moved into his new warehouse in Italy, a new warehouse in Italy. Uh, <clears throat> I need to get them on to talk about that as well. Making some some big pushes as well. They signed a whole bunch of European guys. Tebow is now their new team manager, which I, be, I bet to say Tebow did pretty good. I think he enjoyed being a team manager at SIC. Um, and uh, it sounds like he really enjoyed it. I didn't get to talk to him too much. So he's like the new hot race team manager over in America, which is absolutely good as well. And this topic is something we're going to talk. We're going to say something that we might have found throughout the week. We're going to say a few words about it. <clears throat> and one of the things that I want to talk about, I want, oh, sorry, before I get into that, I want to say thank you to Nico and Hot Race for all their support. And uh, we greatly appreciate it as well. And something I wanted to say before I got into this, you know what, Max, our Christmas show we did, and people want some Hot Race tires. And I know people are waiting for those prizes. You know what? If you want a prize, you have, a few more days to the end of this week to go listen to the live Christmas show and send me a message with your email, with your, with your address, where you want, what you want. You know, Max, I've only had about five people respond to that. We gave away all these prizes and only five people responded to that. So you people obviously hey. don't want their prizes. Hey, more for you, man. You Not got... for me. I'm just going to save them and give them away another time. <laughs> You can do giveaways every week because no one gets the. Gets no, the I mean, if you want something, go listen to the live Christmas show, which just happened over a month ago now. Tell me what you shoot me an email at the no name rcpc at gmail with your address, what you want. It's pretty simple. I've only had about five people, and I have been constantly reminding people. So you guys want something and you don't even want to collect it. Hey, it's, for, it's for free. Yeah, it didn't cost you enough. You won something. And all you got to do is go in there and find out what you won. I'm not... I'm, anyway, the, the people that have sent me the messages, I'm going to this week uh, and next week I'm going to be working on that because I kind of am waiting because I don't want to send a manufacturer, okay, this person, like two names and then send them three names later. I want to send them all the names together. But those who took the time out to go listen to the podcast... Let me know what you want and send me emails. I have not forgot you. And I will say this. If you want something, even if you have sent me an email already, this is what you do. You send me an email at the no name, rcpc at gmail.com with the subject NNRC Christmas show. 
Put your name, your address, what you want, and we'll we get it to up to a, you. We need to make a post about it. Again. I made a post. I made a post. People don't read. They don't pay attention. All right. Okay. So our new segment. Can I tell you what's it about? Sure. Go ahead. Go ahead, Max. Okay. I'm excited for this because we had the hot race, hot laps, but the issue was, you know, me and Keenan, we are kind of lazy, and all of the times, well, I don't, I wouldn't say we're lazy, but let's say we're lazy at coming up with questions. And for hot race, hot laps, you, you need, we need to have like five questions each, and it's really hard to come up with questions. So. What happened was we didn't really have hot race, hot lap segment that often. We just kind of did the ad read and talked about something. So I came up with a new segment. It's called the hot race, hot topics. Okay. And we have within these uh, hot topics, we can come up with like sub segments. But for this podcast, we're going to pilot these two from my brain, my ideas. So the topic number one is hot potato. And the hot potato is like any like lighthearted topics that have been up in the mouths of people in the RC community, you know, like a hot potato. Then the other segment would be hot and cold. You know, we kind of rate who has been hot lately, who has been cold lately, you know, very simple. We're going to do this each week or every time we record for that matter. And yeah, so new okay. segment. Let's hope it plays out well. Because hot, so I know it's a hot theme. Hot laps didn't go well for us, dude. It, it's, it's hot. It's, I noticed a hot theme here. Okay, hot potato, hot yeah, and cold, it, hot it, race. It, it, yeah, it's hot race, hot potato, hot and cold. You know, that was that was my brainstorming. You know, okay. I could be a freaking game show creator or something because I can come you up might with might have these, a future like, there. Yeah, might have yeah. there. All right. Yeah. So the first so thing, start. you triggered many people with this, and I am absolutely loving it. So we're all sitting at dinner after SIC. And Lance goes over to me, he goes, Eden, what is Max Mort talking about? I see an EP. And I just burst out laughing. And then Bobby's there, yeah, what is he talking about? And I'm like, don't worry. When I first heard I see an EP, I didn't know what it meant either. And I said, internal combustion, electric buggy. Electric, electric power, power, sorry. Yeah. Oh, it's it's nitro and, and e-buggy over here in America. I said, I get that. I understand that. But I said, the way if Mar says it, and the way Ephra says it is... I see internal combustion offered internal combustion track, uh, EP offered EP track. Man, the look of confusion and disgust on these guys' faces, I just laughed. And then I was like, I've and I swear for the rest of that trip, I just teased Lance. I was like, I see EP, I see EP. Well, fucking I see EP. You <laughs> wait till I see that Max Mort. And then it just went, I was like, all right. So then when all the truggy shit was happening, I was like. I got something even better. I see Truggy. Oh my goodness. People just lost their shit. Hey, it's this is the queen. This is not king. King, this is the king's English people. This is how we properly say things, you know? Yeah. Internal combustion buggy and uh, EP buggy, even though I'm never going to say that because nitro buggy and E buggy sound so much better. Yeah, but well, I, I you triggered like, people. Like people did not, people didn't, but I understand it. I didn't know if I, Nick kind of told me what it was. Nick Damon's like, I was like, what the fuck is IC? Internal <laughs> combustion. Ooh. Okay. Wait till you hear the reason why I came up with that. Okay. I, I'll tell you now. You did that but, to fuck with people. No, 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 no. It wasn't even that. It's It's way more stupid. Okay. So, you know, at the, I think the end of last year, 
uh, I started to be more active. Obviously, I've been making some small posts here and there on the NNRC, pot, uh, NNRC Facebook, you know, uh, but it's been quite, quite like, um, rarely. But, you know, last year you was traveling so much, you just really didn't have time. And I started making posts on Facebook. And a lot of these posts was like, oh, results of races, what's happening at big races, you know, like mid-race posts. And, you know, I've noticed that on Facebook, you kind of have to have a headline to your post. And I always struggled because my headlines went to the second row. You know, I was like, you know, Dakota fan uh, TQ's nitro buggy, Dakota fan TQ's electric buggy. E-buggy to me just looks silly. It looks like, oh, what the fuck is e-buggy? Like someone who, who doesn't know what e-buggy is, like, oh, what the fuck is e-buggy? Oh, okay. my God. So I wrote electric buggy, but it's just really long. You know, it like it takes line. It's the headline doesn't look cool. And I settled for electric buggy and nitro buggy for the end of 2023. But during SIC, I was like, I need to figure this shit out. I want to make it compact so that you can clearly separate that it's a buggy class, but it's E or nitro. But I wanted it to be similar looking. So it's not like nitro buggy and then the other was E buggy. Because to me, it looks just off to each other. And I, I was like, why not just call it what it really is? Okay, ICEP. And why I picked that in the end was because I was making the headline and I couldn't fit Nitro on it without it going to the second row. So I was like, now is the time to pull the trigger, like go back to how it should be. I stamped IC there and then I saw the comments. I saw the comments straight away and I was like, I fucking did it. Fucking 10 comments about IC. You know, you always talk about, oh, Max, your posts are so engaging. I was like, I hit the nail on the head this time. And I just kept at it. Every post I made, you know, even though I could have fit like electric in there, I put EP. Because I know people will be like, what the fuck that is? They'll look it up. They'll message you. You know, it's all about that engagement, you know. And also, to be honest, it sounds more professional. You know, like... When you say like, like in UK, you know what they call age scale? They call uh, it rallycross. Rallycross. Yeah, rally yeah, yeah. What the fuck? Who's heard of rallycross? That's like dumb. Okay. So I see it's so universal. You can't really. It's I see buggy. You know, there's only one in RC. You know what it is. You don't have to think about it. Rallycross. What the fuck? Nitro buggy. Okay. That sounds reasonable. But it doesn't sound that professional, like nitro what? There's only 25% of nitro, and it's not even just nitro. It's nitromethane, you know? So you maybe you'd call it like quarter nitromethane buggy. No, that's not even factual anymore. So I want to be factual. So I'm always right, you know, that's my thing. And also, I want it to be compact. And that's why the only way to go forward is call them IC or EP. Okay? And why? because I could fit it better into headline. So it was definitely yeah. engaging. Yeah. Now you know how ridiculous the initial reason was, but because the reception was just so great, I wanted to keep doing it. There you go. Well, you triggered a nation. Yeah. All right. Hot and cold. The hot race, hot and cold segment is purely about feelings on the show of the show's house. 
what's hot this week and what is cold. And you have hot Arlowski and the new guard. Yeah, I wanted to because you know I I don't really feel that we have had, you know, when you look at the top fives in America, it's been a while that the half of the top five are like under 25, you know. <laughs> Unless Fend was under 25 a few years ago. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's pretty crazy how it, like, this year it started. It's like, even in um, 10 scale, a lot of these new guys are doing really well. In 8 scale, a lot of these new guys are doing well. In on-road, Orlowski is now dominating. And I'd consider him as new guard, new guard in, in on-road. So, yeah, I think I think we're having some sort of a shift in especially in America, but also in Europe, like the new guys are kind of taking over. So, Arlowski's yeah, what, 23, 24 maybe? He's, I, I think he's a year younger than me, so he'd be 22. Yeah, but that's just one guy. Who's next over there in Europe? Oh, f- shit. Oh. Adam Issey, Pekko Ivanen, you know? I mean, damn it. Um, Angaro is 23. Yeah. yeah. You know, so. Uh, Tarap, maybe? Yeah, for 10 scale, we're going to see next weekend, but yeah. I think my statement will be even more true next weekend with the Karab, Yona, all these guys in 10 scale. Even uh, Bartek Zalewski, you know, he's a young driver, mm-hmm. really good. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Cool. The old guard. Is you really think they're yeah. going cold? <laughs> wow, Max. You just... I, I think so. Like, I, I made this post that the Mayfield's dominating and then. Someone roasted uh, Patrick because Patrick said at one one. Uh, he's got an uh, AMS. He, could, AMS. he has not been able to live in Milan. Yeah, Mayfield said. Uh, oh no, uh, Patrick he said, said that, that Mayfield, Mayfield is getting older and he's not. And these young guys are coming. And man, the chat roasted him. He got in trouble yeah. for that. <laughs> he he's still getting roasted for it. So I made that point about Mayfield's dominating and yeah. But I think uh, for sure, like someone like Mark Reinhardt. I can't remember the last time he got a big win in touring, you know, like big win talking about against both Coelho and Orlowski and these guys, uh, even Ronald Welker. So I think, and also in, in age scale, you see like in Europe, like Robert for sure, he has in the recent, like let's say three years, like he's dropped. Savoya, he's kind of out of it. Like if you think about even like Ron Falk had a rough year last year. So like all of the new guys are the ones who are at the top. Okay, Boots is the only one who's kind of resurrected himself in the past year or so. But I feel like Mayfield is kind of the only one who's really hanging in there. Dude, he he, the way he drove that freaking e-buggy at SIC. He drove, you can see he was just like, all right, you guys thought, all right, I'm going to show you. I'm still the Mayfield. He, yeah. he was kicking ass. All right. Um... The old guard. You say that, but then guys like Lutz out there are still having great years. They had a great yeah, okay, Lutz, okay, I forgot I forgot about Lutz, but yeah, Lutz and Mayfield probably there. You know, Tessman's retired, Cavalier's hanging on by a string. I want to um, get Tessman on the podcast. You know what you got? We need you guys to message Tessman and say, you need to go on the No Name RC yeah. podcast. I'm going to message yeah. him today. Um, all right. Do we have other hot circles. Oh, mm. hot. Schumacher touring. They um, are looking hot. Three cars in the main, winning races all the time. Uh, current world champion in 12 scale. Let's see how the EOS goes. But yeah, Schumacher is looking hot right now. Yeah, I would say so. Um, 
I say what's looking hot right now, you may not agree with me, is stock racing in America right now. Stock racing yeah. is very exciting to me right now. Um, I think, yeah, I agree. You know, like a year ago, I would have been like, like, I have, stock I have, okay, I, I, I say two, two years ago, I would be like, just stop. Stock is silly, you should not race it. A year ago, I would say, Stock has its place, but I don't feel it's doing its job properly right now. And now I see that I think the culture in RC has shifted where people consider stock or I, I would like to start calling it spec. So people consider spec classes as 100% competitive classes. It's not like a rookie class anymore. It's not a beginner class. It's a stepping stone to being a professional driver in mod. And I, I wouldn't even say that. This is I wouldn't even say that because it's a it's a whole class into its end and you can be a professional stock driver. Okay. I, I can guys buy that, that, but I have no 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 interest in going to mod. They just want to be stock drivers because there's money involved in it. For sure, but I would still consider you know Christian Gregg from Supercross, he's raced 250 for his whole career, basically. Like Davalos? Like Davalos. He raced 250 for his whole career. And I think stock drivers that, that like that should exist. And they are going to exist and they exist right now. But if we get a driver that's like um who do we say if if we get another like Brock Champlin or like Ryan Mayfield or you know that level driver. No way they are gonna stay in stock. Their manufacturers gonna mm -hmm, say, "Hey, mm -hmm, you're so, mm -hmm. so good, you're gonna go to mod." I agree there. I agree there. And I think, I think that's exactly what we want. We have effectively created the two fifty, four fifty of motocross into RC, and I think how spec classes are in America currently is absolutely perfect. And I think now, actually, what we should do is start implementing the things that are implemented in spec. So like um, Blinky, and then you have a regulated engine size, a motor size, a motor turn amount rather. I think that should be implement implemented into mod too. And that's already done in pan cars in Europe. And I think it's made, um, made the mod more uh, enjoyable for those people. Because we saw at the Worlds, like if you crash with that 3.5 turn mod car, that's over for you, you know, in, mm -hmm. in at the Panka world. So I think the future of mod is a regulated turn size with Blinky or some regulated um, timing or something. I think that's going to be the future of mod. And I think spec as it is now, 17.5, considering the improvement in engine uh, technology or motor technology, is probably going to be good. But I still... I still think 13.5 could be a better option. But I, I, I'm I'm now, okay, I'm going to say this because in Finland we had, I think, bigger attendance in spec than we had in mod at the last big of the indoor series we have. If I went to racing 10th scale, I would consider spec uh, a possible option for me. Okay. Okay? And I think it's a serious race class and it's great that it is. And I have okay. to say, okay, this is... Oh this my is you don't want me talking, but I bet in the next 10 seconds, you're going to be appreciating what I'm going to say. I was wrong about stock. Well, you know, that's like the second time you've admitted you're wrong. Yeah. In this podcast. It's a great day. You know what else is hot? 
these call RC no name RC podcast magnetic mats that I have in, and you can buy these in all sizes as well. At call RC, I have links for that. Thank you to Heath and Call RC for sending me a big package of these. Some people want this who haven't claimed them. It also is hot. These new NNRC shirts that we got made, they have the NNRC logo here. Dirt Slingers made them. Uh, you can pick them up. We will be shipping them out. But if uh, when we're at races come up and we have black and white and we'll be getting some more and we are working on the e-buggy oh, pays the bills logo. And I have a cold subject that we're going to touch on real quick and then we're going to move on to our rant. I'll tell you what's cold right now. RC drag racing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It has, That's a no, good one. That's a it's good still one. going on. But I think all those big money races and all that stuff is dying down. They just had a big race in Florida. But all the hype around, if you talk to the guys that were hardcore into into drag racing, yeah, the hype is dying on it's it's yeah. dying. Yeah, RC drag that, racing is dying. Yeah, all that you know, like uh, I I saw still like a year ago, people were like oh, like fifteen hundred for a car that can do three thousand like, for a car that can do 3, sub two yeah. second cars. So there was all these builders who like sent cars to people, and then the people hoped that they could like win one of these big money races but luckily that whole pyramid scheme has gone away so <laughs> he calls it a pyramid scheme well it is yeah. at the end of the day i think they just went away from the whole core of it you know looking realistic yeah. everybody running the same bodies too expensive now from what i'm told is that like a, a lot of the spec racing is pretty good it's still going on but not you're not seeing these big super money races and everybody yeah, trying I to think, do it now and i think it it always was a bubble but I think now we're getting to the level where it should be. It's still like, it's not like drag racing is dead. It's mm -hmm. still alive and well. But I think the bubble has finally, and luckily for the long-term continuity of the class, it has bursted. So, okay. Okay. And I have, I have drag racing cars and I'm building actually one to race with my dad, drink some beers and race down the street with them. And your imaginary brother Rex. Yeah, he, he's he's real, and he's actually going to school. He's trying to get a job, and he's doing well. In the imaginary world, he's, that he's he into coding. He's probably better at coding than me. Ooh, you admitted someone's better at something than you. Wow, it is yeah. a great day. All right, <laughs> um, let's get on to our JQ racing rant and our conclusion. We are now at that point of the show where you should fasten those seatbelts and put your big boy pants on. Whoa. Things are about to get serious. It's time for the JQ Racing Rant. All righty. So this is the JQ Racing Rant. JQ Racing doesn't exist anymore, so neither does this rant. So we're done. <laughs> We're not um, yeah i do have a rant because this was a subject when i was putting up my post triggering people or just not not triggering getting people to think and one of the posts was about truggy breeds bad habits thank you the prince of mullets lw4 for these quotes and that started a whole discussion underneath there and one of the thought one of the discussions was people like well driving two or drive 10 scale Offer it makes you a better racer altogether. Better nitro racer. I think at one point that was true. I don't think it is true now. Now, I am not saying that driving 10 scale two wheel drive isn't hard, isn't a skill, or makes you a better it. I think it makes you a better racer in lots of classes, period. But not so much in nitro. And 
One of the guys actually agreed with me. Colton Cruz, who was at Beasties, he he agreed with me and said, I have been running uh he goes, Nitro Nitro buggy is a whole the way you drive a nitro car, the way you race it, everything is a whole different animal from anything else in RC. Now, this comes from my whole rant about how many guys I see that show me the nitro truggy. We, we talked about this earlier, how nitro truggy makes you a, a I think it makes you a, a bad, a, a bad, a worse overall driver. Because if you're nitro buggy, if you're nitro, if you're in a C main and nitro buggy and A main and nitro truggy, you need to run nitro buggy more. You'll be a battle all over rider. But does two wheel drive translate to that? And my question to people is how many of these two wheel drive only guys? are coming over. Now, you can say Mayfield and Fenn and all these guys, but that's a different era of two-wheel drive. That's a whole different era, right? That's when people were racing two-wheel drive outdoor and rough tracks with Lerm and stuff like that. How many of these current two-wheel drive only guys, these stock guys we're talking about, could come and make an A final at DNC in March? None of them. Not one of them. But, but, we did have Ongaro who races zero ten scale, right? Okamandu was four wheel drive. It was four wheel drive. I think he, he he won. Obviously, he won four wheel. Dominated in four wheel drive at the World Championships on a on a surface he's never driven on. A surface that is strictly an American only surface. Dominates four wheel drive. And what I think he finished six in two wheel drive. I think he was in top. He might have been top five. I can't remember. Somebody was correct. Fourth or fifth or something. He shouldn't. And he probably. I was just making the A final was good enough. But here's a guy who's strictly eight scale, barely races ten scale, and comes over and is dominant. Yeah. So I don't feel that two wheel drive nowadays makes you a better driver in eight scale nitro because it it. And a lot of these guys that run two wheel drive, they're pretty good e buggy drivers, but they have that power, the instant power, all that type of stuff. They don't have they they got a the nitro 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 buggy racing is something a complete different animal. It's different from truggy racing, it's completely different from e-buggy racing, it's completely different from 10 scale racing, in my opinion. You have power band, you have to carry more speed through corners. You know, in e-buggy, you can tiptoe through that corner and then blip the throttle and you can go over that jump. In truggy, you can barrel right through those bumps and carry enough speed to go over there. But in nitro buggy, you got to figure out how to make that car go through those bumps, around those bumps, and then still have enough speed to pop over that jump. And that is a very unique driving skill that you cannot find in any other class, in my opinion. So I don't think that two-wheel drive nowadays makes you a better. I think it makes you a more, I think it could be a detriment. It can make you even more cautious, like where you're going to, you know, because two-wheel drive is especially niche class. It's, it, but nowadays, it's mostly on high traction. It's either on carpet or whatchamacallit. I don't know if I use this example, but let's use my example. For, for instance, I ran 21.5 on carpet at the Carpet Champs. Instant traction, was able to do well. It was, you know, I had fun. Fast forward, go to full roll like a week later, I couldn't even do a freaking lap on that ice skatey track with stupid big jumps way over there in the corner that I could barely see. My eyes couldn't adjust. I was like, oh my God, what's going on? Have I never driven an eight-scale car in my life? That's how I felt. Thank you, Kevin Winters, for getting that on camera. So I just don't think that two-wheel drive makes a big difference anymore. And I beg anybody out there to argue with me on that point because I will stand on that rock and die on that hill that it doesn't. What do you think, Max? I think probably the easiest class to run is 
two-wheel drive on carpet, to be honest. I think two-wheel drive on carpet is probably the easiest to drive uh, because it doesn't grip roll. It's very calm, doesn't have, like, fast movements, not nervous. Oh, but, it is nervous, but you have traction. Yeah. You have traction for this. Not, like, compared to, like, four-wheel drive on carpet, which is mm-hmm. really difficult, to be honest. Um, but there is a but here. I think still... Tool drive on a slippery surface is the most difficult class. Oh, I could agree there. I could agree yeah. there. Slippery rough surface, yes. Yeah. But we, we really have that nowadays. As Max has a cough. Most of the things, yeah. like you're running slicks on these... No, I'm not saying that these tracks aren't slippery. You still have to, to learn that. But I think it's a whole different skill from running a nitro buggy. And I think... I think nitro buggy guys are able, good nitro buggy guys are able to transition over to 10 scale, 10 scale and on road very easy. Yeah. Because of all the stuff they have to go through. That's just my thoughts. It was an argument, it was a debate on Facebook. Let us know what you guys think out there. Do you think that, uh, I'll use it for example, what current two wheel drive only for 10 scale only guys could come over and be dominant? In ten in ten scale in 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 eight scale right away, and then we have guys like Ongaro who barely raced ten scale, who's a world champion now. Yeah, I think. But the thing is, before it wasn't like that. Before it was exactly opposite. A lot of guys gave from ten scale and was really good in eight scale. But I think the carpet and uh, you know the Astro, it's such a different world. It doesn't really. It makes you really good to like repeat, but it's not really. As a driving technique, it doesn't really breed good driving technique, I think. So I think you're partly right, but I don't. I would still accord two-wheel drive the best class for beginners to learn how to drive. Yes, cars. yes, I would agree there too. I would agree there too. I don't. I, I, it's it's definitely something. If you can do two-wheel drive, you're going to be a good all-around driver. But yeah. I think when if you want to get better at nitro buggy, you run nitro buggy. I think nitro buggy will make you a better all-around eight-scale driver. Period. So that's my argument. Let me know what you guys think in the in the chat. That's our rant. It's nothing too big about that this week. Uh, we just this is a topic that we saw. We've been rambling on about RC and racing and truggies and sponsorship and all that. Uh, razzmatazz for the last three hours. Max, I think that's it for our podcast. We we still have questions from like a month ago that we have to answer. Uh, we are getting back to our regularly scheduled, like having a guest and all that type of stuff and answering your questions. You know what I want to do, Max? I want us to do a live show. We need to do like a lefty Max off the record. The only yeah. issue is it's your freaking seven hours in front of me. Yeah. Yeah. It's difficult. Yeah. But I think people yeah. would like, maybe we do a live show. The thing is we'd have to do a live show in the afternoon. We wouldn't get a lot of, we would get a few American guys, but we have to do it late at night and it's too late for you. Yeah. Um, well, well, we'll maybe someday up. I can plan. Like I stay up late and we do it. But, well, yeah. I know there's a big push to get you to come over to America. For yeah, us. yeah. So if we do that, but I think maybe we'll just do an afternoon live session one day. Maybe yeah. we'll just do it next week. I think we should just shut up and do it. We're good. You know what? Yeah. Next week, Max and I are going to do a live session. We're going to ask questions, prove the professor of everything wrong. And uh, let's have a chat about RC. I know I'm going to be doing yeah. a lefty off the record maybe this week or maybe early next week. We'll see. But uh, we want to thank everybody. Congratulations once again to Brandon Rose on his big win at SIC. Good luck to everybody at EOS and Snowbirds this weekend. 
And uh, also at the Florida RC Championships round one of their 10 scale program. And I, I just want to say a big shout out again to everybody that came out to the Race for Justin event this past weekend at Newberry there in Florida. Over $9,000 raised for his medical bills and all that stuff. So it's always good to see our RC community come out. Thank you, everybody, for the support and love that I got over the last three weeks and these trips and period. I can't do any of this without you. I greatly appreciate all of that. Uh, your support means a lot. Thank you to the uh, patrons and YouTube members of the podcast. If you guys wish to become a YouTube member or patron and help support this podcast financially extra a little bit, links for that in the written des description of this podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you to all the sponsors and companies that advertise on this podcast. We have a few more spots left. Remember, everybody, you can support the podcast by uh, going to some of these companies. We have affiliate links. We have coupon codes. You can save you some money. We have some links that don't have nothing. Just let them know that you heard about it on the No Name RC podcast. They are Invisible Speed. Don't forget books of shipping. High Tech RC, Corsa Tech USA, Sidewinder Fuel, Mayako, Beach RC, Techno RC, Clinic RC, Stacked RC, Racecraft USA, Call RC, Elite RC Productions, Florida RC Championships. Uh, shout out to House of RC, RCGP, uh, and shout out to our drivers. Uh, they are David Runnefunk, uh, Robert Battier, Alexander Hagberg, Mag Maddie G, Peko Ivanen, and um, yeah, man, everybody. Oh, don't forget RC Box Club as well. We affiliated with them. Check them out. Go check them out if you want to. Let them know you heard about it on the No Name RC podcast, as well as Donovan RC. We can you can save some money on any products you buy from there, and of course RC Body Armor as well. Let them know you heard about them all. Oh, on the No Name RC podcast. Max, it was good catching up with you. I guess we'll see each other early next week to record some more. We have a lot of questions to answer. Uh, I'm hoping that we're going to have an RC legend on next week. Let's just say his initials are J and J. And, uh, you know, I'll be recording with him this week. It's been a, it's been a blast uh, reconnecting with you, Max. It was a blast hanging out with everybody at these races. I look forward to seeing you all in March. Remember, Nitro's the glory. E-Buggy pays the bill. Max is here to say goodbye yeah. in person because he has a power I got, cord. No. I got the power cord. Had to order it from China, but finally got it. He got it. So now we get to see Max the entire time. Thank you, everybody, for the support. Don't forget to hit that like, sub, notification button, share button. Help us get to 5,000 subs. Help us get to 10,000 followers on Instagram. And help us get to 20,000 followers on on TikTok. We greatly appreciate all you guys' support. Lefty and Max, we're out. We'll see you next week. Hope you enjoyed this. We are done as soon as I find this damn outro. There it is.